have you done to Solange? Three cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host, the man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women but hates the woman, from the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood 616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican. JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 122 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, Dante Nutgrabber. And if you think this is a costume, then you should see my balls then. Also known as Moods. Sitting in the Skype studio with me tonight, as always, we have the colorless, but definitely not odorless, Mexican Zambrero himself, Double Shot J, also known as JP. And last up, we have the man that does not understand our criteria for films allowed to be on his top 10 list of 2017, Mr. Fuck You himself, NES Ruler, also known as Jeremy the Filthy Mouth Jew. (laughs) That actually rhymed. What's going on, guys? Yeah. Yo, yo. Week number Yo. three of Italian Horror Month, man. We're almost <clears throat> done with this thing. One week left after tonight. Not even one minute into the show, I already feel like my voice is going. That's not good. That's not a good sign. How does yeah, that even happen? Good. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I blew it out on that intro. Whew, felt a little bit too long for myself, but man, what a fucking shitty week. That's all I'm going to say. I'm leaving it Maybe at that. Maybe that's why you have no voice, bro. Probably. Probably a lot of screen. It's just been one hectic motherfucking week, man. So crazy. It's been... I feel like I've had no time to even breathe this week, man. It's been ridiculous. But all and all, I am still happy to be here. Episode 122, Massimano Dalamano, Director Spotlight, week three here on Italian Horror Month. Still and never going to know how to say that guy's name anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but first up, man, I got to say big ups to everybody that has been supporting Italian Horror Month because I've been seeing posts everywhere, wh- whether it be Instagram, Facebook pages, and mm-hmm. people are hashtagging Italian Horror Month and they're representing the 22 you shots. You mean only and we- Derek and Marco? And no, no, I've no, been seeing, no. I, Jerry, I, Jerry and uh, Kill the Cast is doing an Italian Horror Month episode and gave us a shout out with it and stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah. you know, other people are starting uh, like <clears throat> my main goal is for it to actually become like recognized right like you know how february is like women in horror month or something um and all the sites like kind of do their thing I like would be cool if was an actual thing yeah black I mean, history. that would be cool actually man you know i when i think of february i think of black history month <laughs> yeah i could be wrong on the dates but we no, should I do think, a black history month in february watch all black horror films that would be awesome but i think i think yeah. you are right though i think february is women in in horror month though too it's like kind of coinciding with each other. You can mix it up, man. You can mix it up. Black would you women say horror we could films. Do it would be Pam Greer films. <laughs> yeah, do black women horror films. Uh, yeah, black women in horror month. <laughs> so you got Pam Greer. You got Pam Greer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> uh, the, the 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 chick from Demons. <laughs> um, I always forget her name. 
the chick from Freddy vs. Jason, maybe? Oh, Lord. <laughs> now we're just we're just stepping out of the realm here. <laughs> uh, you know who? Oh, actually, you know what? I got one. Postmaster um, P. She is in People Under the Stairs, Elm Street 5, uh, and another movie that I just watched recently she's in as well. I can't so we're going to do all it. those movies? No, just What, a, what a great on. show. People <laughs> Under the Stairs, Nightmare 5, and some other movie JP well, just watched well, recently. First of all, we know that we would never mix in Nightmare she's 5 in into a random show because that's going to be a franchise show down the road. So we already know yeah. that's not happening. But... Yeah, yeah, so uh, big ups to everybody doing the Italian Horror Month hashtag. Seen it on Instagram and and Facebook. Really, really cool stuff. Do appreciate it. It's neat. Um, also, I wanted to shout out to Sam, who is the guy behind this episode. He was the Patreon supporter. Sam Edwards. Yeah. You know, I actually completely forgot about it. Yes, but big ups to Sam for picking this uh, director's spotlight. Yeah, man. Massimano Dalamano. Say it, Jeremy. Nah. I'm <laughs> just going to say it's not as great as Andrea Bianchi. Not really, but I'm just going to say that. <laughs> that, was, that one's actually a little bit easier to say, in my opinion. But Massimato Mati Mato. Massimali Malamalo. <laughs> <laughs> That's like not even close. Uh, okay, but anyway, uh, I do want to say that you know Sam, good good stuff picking this director and yeah. supporting the Patreon with that. Um, <clears throat> I think that's all the good... movies blend together. No, not really. <laughs> I think that's a uh, good segue to <clears throat> kind of a, uh, throughout this. Um, me and Jeremy kind of talked a little bit before the show. Uh, one thing we're going to do, obviously, is the second listener's choice of the year. Um, which is, I believe, the second Christmas uh, listener's choice, and it's also the like fifth annual Christmas show. So, um, is it the th- fifth annual? Yeah, they decided not to t- uh, bring me into the conversation on this one because they know I'm completely opposed to these viewers' choice shows after the last disaster. Well, I mean, but you're going to do it anyway, right? Yeah. Well, of course I'm going to do them. But yeah, I mean, exactly. I just... So why should I bring you into it if you're going to do it anyway? <laughs> It's no different than me being here at three o'clock or three thirty. Well, going to be here. To be fair, um, this was all happening conversation-wise in the chat, which you do not frequent at all anymore. So, I don't know how else to reach out to you. So, <laughs> that's, that's called being a busy, hectic fucking life. Yeah, now. but but I mean, honestly, I, I would have been, I would have jokingly said, no, we are not doing another viewer's choice because someone is going to request that we do Ernest Save Christmas. Did you not see my bullshit? Yeah. I I made that joke already. Oh, well, there you go. See, see, at least we're on the same page with that. Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, basically everybody... But hey, if somebody pays for the Patreon, I guess we got to do Ernest Saves Christmas. No, that's not true. Uh, It has to be within reason. So, anyway, uh, we're going to... I already posted it, so go to the Facebook page. You could uh, make your suggestions. And what we'll do is we will pull out uh, one or two of them, meaning you know the top two on the poll when we post the poll. And then what we're going to do is we're going to list the other two as Patreon, you know, either one or two as a Patreon reward, uh, depending on how fast one of them would go. We'd add a second one or not. Uh, and basically, whoever would pick that would automatically get to choose what the film is and not have it go through the poll system. So you'd kind of be in control of directly 
um, the featured review on an episode, which is pretty cool. You know, that's what happened with this episode right here that we're currently on, the episode that Sam picked. So uh, that will be up by the time you hear this episode, which so head on over to the Patreon and and check it out to see if uh, you guys want to do it. It has to be a Christmas title, obviously, uh, but any title that we haven't reviewed yet is fair game. And honestly, uh it's going to be at bargain price. Um, so it'll be cheaper than, than what it costs for any other featured review, um, which is pretty, pretty good. So, um, yeah, check that out. And another thing I wanted to throw out here, guys, in the intro, it's been, I just recently looked, it has been months since somebody has reviewed us on iTunes. Um, that's unfortunate because we were getting them like crazy, uh, going through but then I realized oh it's been literally months since I've plugged it so maybe uh, if you haven't rated or reviewed us on iTunes it greatly helps the show it's been a while since we've asked you guys to do that but make sure you include me or else you'll be in the hall of fuckers yeah include Jeremy in it you know good or bad and then you'll be in the hall of fuckers if you don't um, <laughs> but yeah uh, we could use some more iTunes reviews It's 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 literally been since early summer that we've received our last one i think so um if you guys would be so nice to do that we would really appreciate that and uh, i believe that's kind of it that i had for like little housekeeping notes okay awesome then let's move along let's get into uh some news We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Alright, so uh, first up for the news, uh, this came out, and I will say this, that anytime you hear an announcement for a sequel, you pretty much assume that it's possible that it's not going to happen, and then you pretty much only believe that it's going to happen when you see set photos and or a trailer. Uh, and that's what happened with the long-rumored, long-talked-about, long-in-production, The Strangers 2, a.k.a. The Strangers Pray at Night. A trailer It's happening, out. boys! Yeah, so it not only is it happening, but it seems to have already been completed. Uh, it is scheduled for a March 9th, 2018 release date. Uh, the trailer's out. I did not watch the trailer because we don't watch trailers, me and Moods. I think, Jeremy, you still do, right? Sure, why not? Did you watch it? Yep. <laughs> what did it look like? Did it look good? It looked okay. Does it we'll see look what like strangers? Or does it no. look... <laughs> it's gonna I mean, be all the characters. All the characters are there, but it doesn't look like the strangers that I know. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Hopefully we don't have Jeepers Creepers 3 all over again. 4 out of 10. Mm. I'm predicting that's what your rating's gonna be. No, I don't think it's like that bad, but maybe I'll be wrong. <laughs> what if there's no continuity? <laughs> That's an automatic well, think, four out of ten. I think already there's going to be no continuity. I think like it's while it's like the same like mass and stuff, it's not the same characters. I think. That's oh, really? Something? Yeah. That's but maybe I'm just retarded because I usually am, according to you. So. How hmm. could it not be the same characters but the same masks? 
No idea. Maybe there's copycat killers. Or well, I, but how I would mean, people know about it though? Inside, yeah, inside. Hey, the, hey in, Mikey, if he killed all of his men, how did the mask or the story get out? Exactly. No idea. I guess so we'll find copy, out. If it is copycat killers, that makes no fucking sense right away. Automatic four out of ten. <laughs> you guys think it's going to make money? Is the question? <laughs> yeah, is it getting a theatrical release? Yes, I would assume so. I wonder, okay. if, I wonder if it's uh, going to be a wide release, like over 600 theaters. Fuck you, man. <laughs> well, you're taking jabs at me, man. I'm, I'm, t- I'm absorbing them. I'm absorbing them. Hmm. But it'll so, be a wide yeah. release. It'll be a wide release. It'll yeah, be. friend request got a wide release. I would assume this would. Um, yeah, but I don't know, man. Like the the Strangers is a movie that I've never thought was good based on the story. I think The Strangers is good solely based on the director. Um, it's a very simple story, super simplistic. Three people show up, terrorize two people. I mean, it, you don't get more simplistic than that. You know, There's be, not much to it. To be honest, how many home invasion type films really have a, like a crazy story to it? I mean, a lot of them have the twists and turns. Right, they have that kind of twist and turn, but it's like you know, it's not a crazy storyline. It's just a twist. Well, yeah, any a lot of the also basic home invasion are basic, but I'm saying you can have a good basic home invasion, but I'm saying what escalates uh, it's the, the strangers it's above the, tension. the rest of them, you know, like because let's say that story will give you like a seven out of ten or whatever, you know, like the average home invasion film. Um, this this movie is you know like a nine or higher so i think that it all comes down to the director with that like i, I don't think that it was you know much else like his ability his ability amazing. to create tension and and shoot you know yeah on, on a scenes on a scenes honestly nothing happens in that movie Really, there, there's like, those it's subtle just, moments i think it's the subtle yeah. moments too it's the subtle moments of you know faces being you know, in window, Tension building. it's just the way it's shot yeah. too. It's, it's shot from, you know, those angles that work in those suspenseful scenes and stuff. And yeah, I mean, that's all the director's job. So when so. I think of a, um, strangers Two, I think you need to amp up the story and the kills, uh, and go that direction, or you need to recapture the tension and suspense in the first film, which I think is a much harder and daunting task, uh, because it's not the same director returning. So, mm-hmm. well, I'm curious to see which direction this splinters out into, um, because I think it's going to be one of those two. I think going in the opposite direction would be the better idea for it, because I mean, as much as I like the first one, I don't think I want to see that film again. I'd rather see something similar but different. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I-, I wouldn't mind seeing that film again if it was just the same director and it was like an expanded universe of that film. Um, but I think if I was, a, you know, directing this movie and I came in, I would try to do something, uh, totally different, like not necessarily make it like a horror, horror comedy or anything, but just like more of a fun horror film. Um, you know, something along the lines of like Halloween two or something, uh, versus Halloween. Yeah. You know I, I, well, no, I mean, what I, I'd like to see something like, uh, the strangers one meets, uh, like death ship <laughs> or something on a, on a boat have that on a oh boat 
Have that on. Hey, a it's boat. in a trailer park, so at least it's something. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. In a trailer okay, park. Um, oh, there you go, man. Ricky and Julian and Bubbles. Fuck yeah, man. Mr. Leahy. No, no, Mr. Leahy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, man. That sucks, dude. That sucks. I was watching that shit last night, and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, it's like, what are they gonna do without Mr. Leahy, man? That's so sad. That's so sad. But you're right, no, Mr. Leahy. But uh, Deadline had an article. That where they interviewed uh, Jordan Pill and just kind of threw out there. This is kind of non-news news. Um, like, what do you think of doing a sequel to Get Out? Which Get Out is obviously a film that's uh, very, very probably likely to make a lot of top ten lists this year. Uh, prob- possibly even all three of ours. I'm not sure, hundred percent, but you know, it's it's definitely possible. Uh, and he was asked about his potential sequel and he said, I haven't decided anything yet and I'm allowing the creative part of the bubble uh, to bubble up and not force it. I know if I f- a follow-up is meant to happen, it will. I'm open to figuring out what it is, but I also want to let it... L- I don't want to let down the original. And its fans, uh, I simply would not do something like that for cash. Oh, um, nice. Which I think is good, but I actually don't think this film really needs, deserves, or has to have a sequel. Period. Like, no, it, it doesn't. I feel like this is a one story that's contained in its own universe. This does not need to be expanded upon. Okay, it's a, it's a full story. Did I read somewhere that Get Out is is nominated for best comedy? Yeah. Speaking oh, of God. that, that's also in the uh, news, so we'll just go right into that. Uh, yeah, apparently Get Out, and now. I don't know how this works. Is it up to the director, the producers to submit a film as something, or is it up to the actual Golden Globes to uh, determine? I don't think the people involved with the making of the film have any say in where it goes in the award show at all. I think it's up to the the personnel, the award show, yeah, the committee, the committee, the committee, the committee. But like seriously, like. Did these people watch the movie? Because it's pretty far from a comedy. Yeah. I mean, it has funny moments in it, but it's not per se. Well, only it. one character has funny moments. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I mean, a lot of movies have funny moments. It's but I mean, really not that but, much of a comedy at all. Well, I guess it depends yeah. on how you look at it, though, too. Right? I mean, if you look at the whole narrative as being ridiculous and funny. But, I mean, it's not supposed to be. and It's not. So where did they get the idea that this is should fit into a comedy category? Because they don't like giving props to horror films. But this and is the story. but this is out of control though. That doesn't even make sense. I mean, put it into like if if you don't want to give it props for being a horror film, then put it into like best drama or something like that. Which because some because some people well, there's only it's only drama and then it's comedy and musicals. Yeah, so That's I it. guess in that sense, the Golden Globes only focuses on drama. Uh, musical slash comedy. Uh, so, so then put it in if you drama, have then. to lump it into one of those, you would probably pick drama, right? Of course, of course. I mean, the movie more or less plays out like one. I mean, it's obviously it's a horror film in my eyes, but you know, yeah, it's got since the, it's got the no, dramatic element to it for sure. If there's no category for drama, then you know what? I don't care if it wins; that will make me happy either way. If you really, really think about it, 
if you like okay you know how there's a subgenre to each genre like you have horror and then you have slashers and you have yeah. uh, werewolf stuff like that and then there's uh subgenres to those subgenres which are, are like um you know feral werewolves or you know bipedal werewolves or uh you know whatever um so if you really would go the opposite way and and suck the genres up it really would come down to drama and comedy those would be the two only existing given what genres. you have to work with yeah like if you suck Within them back up and tried to yeah. fit every genre into another like let's say that as of right now it's like horror action comedy drama uh sci-fi like if you were gonna suck those into other genres i think it would be drama would suck up horror and 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 uh action yeah, yeah. and comedy would suck up like some of the other type of uh sci well where would you put sci-fi then sci-fi would probably go to drama I, yeah. I, I just have a hard time kind of doing that in general. It just seems silly to me, considering oh, these are it's obviously they're really bigger silly. categories than themselves. Like horror is a you know it's a it's a world of film right there. You know, and then like said, dramas and thrillers and sci-fi. I'm just happy it's nominated you. But you know what, man? I, I can't agree with that though, man. I mean, you said you'd be happy if it wins in the comedy category. Me personally, I'm actually kind of offended by that because it's not what the movie is. It's kind of winning under false pretension. It, it, like in a, I mean, really, I mean, can you honestly take that like, if seriously? You say, if it's what winning, is the best comedy of the year and Get Out wins, get out. it's not. Th- that's what I'm saying. Like, do you feel good about saying that after the fact? So it wins as best comedy, and you're like, yeah, Get Out won for best comedy. Everyone's like, that, I mean, that's a joke in itself. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I can't take that serious, man. Like, it, it's I mean, good to see it get recognition for sure. The as film like, itself, yes, I have yeah, hundred percent exposure and and critical, uh, you know exception but yeah. it sucks that it's like you had that you know it's under it's comedy which the movie's well, clearly it's not in a category that that it's it shouldn't be in yeah right it almost I think seems a lot like of people were confused about this it's like cheating. that like i think a lot of people like me the casual fan don't really know what a golden globe is so um it's i think when show the show before the oscars it's all yeah, it is. I, yeah pretty much I, I think that the when the news came out that get out was um labeled as a comedy i think a lot of people didn't know that it couldn't be labeled as a horror film but look, um, how many people are you know that take these award shows seriously and you know there is people out there that literally you know once the nominations are out there for the public they go and watch some of the films because they're fans of the award shows they want to see the films that they're they're watching yeah exactly there is people out there that do this they watch the nominees they watch the award show and then you then you can make your own criticisms on what should have won and what shouldn't have that's fine but so don't you think this is kind of being a little bit false to the fans i mean it's not a comedy i mean people are going to watch this as a comedy going well where the fuck's the comedy you know, like, yeah, but I don't think people are like as into watching the films nominated for Golden Globes as I'm, much as they are watching films that are nominated for an Oscar. Now, this is not a problem when we get to Oscar season. There's none yeah. of that bullshit. But so just, I think if it so, will this film be nominated for an Oscar? Ooh, it should. Is it going to be? No. Should it be? Yes. It's not going to happen though. I mean, between this and it, it's they're two of the biggest films of the year. Well, it, I, like I, it I, won't. It doesn't stand a chance. It no. won't even get nominated for anything. I bet. Yeah, because uh, there's not it gets like, this for film. Makeup. What's for, that for, for effects? For makeup, yeah. Yeah, probably. Oh, maybe. Um, because I which can't is, think of any big. Which there's so many people issue. laughing at that right now. I'm like fucking CGI. That's <laughs> I can see that though. I mean, 
I guess um, I guess it well, is a category I think, itself. I think, Effects I think is I think, partially counts CGI yeah. now. Well, that's I what I'm saying. I think there's a it, big the problem in, in Hollywood that one of the best praised movies of the year, critically, like it has a 99 motherfucking percent on Rotten Tomatoes. If that movie doesn't get nominated for fucking Best Picture, then there's a real fucking problem going on. Well, like, of course there is. It's it's always it's been like shit. that. And not and it needs to be nominated as a fucking horror film if it does because that is what it is. Which movie? Not a thriller. Get Out. Get oh, out. Get Out has a 99 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. But you know what? I don't think whoever the people are that run the Oscars, which, you know, we've joked about this many times, do do you think they take that shit into account? I think they look at the critical response on a network like Rotten Tomatoes well, the and go, people, who fucking well, cares? Rotten Tomatoes the is who based fo- on critics, though. The people who vote for the Oscars are pretty much everybody in the union, everybody in the Screen Actors Guild, yes. everybody in the Directors Guild, everybody in all the unions get the votes. So if I ever got so into what the is union, the what is the criteria? I could vote if I wanted to. Okay. So what are they looking for? But I'm just saying, do they take the, the responses on rotten tomatoes mm-hmm. that serious though even though i know i understand they're from critical outlets they're from critical yeah. outlets and stuff but do they the end result they look at get out 99.9 percent on there do they go oh well that's a shoe in you know well, are i don't think you're supposed to look at any of that at all i think you're that's just what supposed I'm to decide what you think is the best movie and that's what's going back to my point is jeremy's saying oh well it should get nominated because it has not i didn't say that he's saying that it it it's representative of the culture's feelings towards the movie no, but he did say at the Oscars it should be nominated because it has a 99% on there. Well, it clearly has fucking a lot of people who vote for the Oscars. It clearly it has impressed a lot of people. So I, I, I just think that if it doesn't get nominated, it, it should at least get nominated for fucking screenplay. What, I mean, what do you think is uh, – what, what is eh. the front runners right now? What's up? What's the front runners right now? Like what are the regular movies? Uh, the three billboards out of what the fuck is that movie that's just coming out? I can't remember the name of it. Uh, John Wick two. <laughs> John Wick two should be nominated for sound editing in that movie, but uh, Dunkirk, uh, Get Out. Is there no action? Out. Is there no action category? Is Dunkirk though? action at the uh, at the Oscars? Dunkirk, no, it's it's drama. Mm. Um. I don't know, really, to be honest with you. This has been kind of a blah year. Not for horror, though. So Not let's continue horror. along here with some more. But see, that's bullshit, man. Movies. When I look at a film like John Wick, and it, the only category it could possibly get nominated for would be Best Sound Design. That just annoys me, man, because it's like... Well, why couldn't he get Best Picture? No, nah, that's not a best picture well, it's, movie. It's, it's, I'm just saying, like, you know, what, what given the history, it. given the history, no, a film like well, that. Yeah, action I mean, film? that's fucking bullshit, though. But why I mean, can't that's they have a what best we're complaining about horror. Why can't they have a best action? Do they film? have a best? What do they have? Like, do they have best categories, like subgenres? No, no. It's best director, best film, best actress, best actor, best supporting actress, best supporting actor. Then it's like best sound editing, and that's okay. Best costumes. Yeah, there's like a sure. hundred fucking categories. I mean, there's best foreign film. Best foreign film. And shit like that, so musical. <clears throat> is, is a musical one of them, too? No. It's best music, not musical, but oh, I thought there was the best song. Musical. Best song, I think. Hmm. All right, so moving away from the pretentious talk, we have... Uh, oh, some... Fuck you, man. Hey, I was talking talk. about it, too. Why is it did this towards you? Did you say getting away no from idea. the pretentious? Oscars are whack. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, so we got some news here. Are you afraid of the dark? Uh, this is going to be written by the same guy who wrote Annabelle Creation and It. Stephen King's It, the new one. Uh, and it is going to be sort of a reboot of that classic Nickelodeon series. Um, and I don't understand how it's going to work. Really? What series was it? I totally didn't hear what you said. Uh, are you afraid of the dark? Oh, are you afraid of the dark? Okay. Yeah, um, which it, to me is one of literally the best TV horror show of all time like it would be up there with tells from the crypt and uh you know twilight zone like not as good as those but like the next tier under it um i loved are you afraid of the dark and as i've been trying to push for a season one show uh i think we should but um i think we need to do tells from the crypt first well i already Uh, did tales from the crypt season two so how how are they trying to reboot this like as an anthology as a movie as a movie so you just yeah. basically just write a full yeah. length episode and yeah. Paramount, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm surprised this honestly hasn't happened sooner. Considering that property is very weird because it's a Canadian it's it's part Canadian, part American, so yeah, I think yeah. the rights have always been jacked up. Yeah. I just think because like the revival of classic Nick is in full effect right now. I mean we're getting a freaking Hey Arnold movie. And we're getting a Rocco movie. We had a Legends of the Hidden Temple movie earlier this year. Now we have this coming out. It's just like it's this like the revival of classic Nick. uh, Yeah. Or they they might be. Do you know why it is? Look look back to the uh, superhero boom first cycle, right? Spider Man, X Men, like Hulk, all that stuff. Well, that's because all those people who were kids when they were into those comic books all of a sudden grew up and became your main audience. That's exactly what's happening to us right now. Um, Everybody who grew up with Nick is now in their 20s. And now they all want to relive their childhood. So um, that's why it's popular again, which is great because I'm part of that. (laughs) That's essentially what happened with Goosebumps, right? I mean, they're probably working off that a little bit too because that movie did pretty well, didn't it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, honestly, like Goosebumps is kind of a the Goosebumps show is completely overrated when it comes to comparing it with Are You Afraid of the Dark? I'm just saying, Are You Afraid of the Dark is so much better. Well, I'm not comparing it directly. I'm just comparing it in general because it's it's essentially the same thing. It's an anthology based. I I think a lot of the love for the Goosebumps movie came more from the people who grew up with the books than than came from the people that grew up with the show. Um, I think the books were way po- more popular than the show actually was. Yeah, but well, I they, did like- they were. But yeah, I mean, it made sense though because R.L. Stein was such a huge author even before that. I mean, anybody that was reading the Fear Street books and stuff like that are probably going to check those out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, he's very. So um, that's something I don't know how to. Exp- I mean, I have faith in this guy. He directed two movies that I really liked this year. Um, both of them top ten contenders. <laughs> Annabelle top ten contender. Annabelle creation top ten contender. Man, I really gotta watch this, man. I keep hearing I keep hearing everyone say (laughs) Zach loved it too. It's his favorite movie of the year. (laughs) It's legitimately number one on his list. I'm like, oh my lord. I don't know. He loves those conjuring movies, bro. He he does, yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 just really surprised. It just surprised me. I just I love them because they're like poltergeist but my generation. 
well, this generation, not really my generation, but, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I, I really, really dug Annabelle 2. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, one on the very short list of films I need that I need to check out, but I don't know. Yeah, man. we're, I, I'm we're curi- running out of time here, man. We're already midway through November. Yeah, uh, we only have a uh, well. We do get like an extra week of prep compared to a lot of people. They, uh, I would not be surprised if you start seeing shows put out December fifteenth. Top ten shows for the year. Yeah, it's slowed down. That's not top ten, man. Huh. What about all the films that come out between the 15th and the end of the year, bro? Dude, I'm telling you, podcasts want to be first. Yeah, We're always like one of the last shows because we wait till a week after January because we just feel like you should be able to see everything that came out down to the last day because it might affect your list. And last year, it did. The Autopsy of Jane Doe came out on like December like 28th or something. And or I seen it and you know, it made my list. So, um, yeah, I have no problem with, you know, waiting until the first week of January, because then you'd legitimately have waited out the whole year mm-hmm. and you can get those final little, you know, those little films in there, man, who knows? And it, it happened to me. There was a couple of films I saw right at the end of the year too, that ended up making my list. In fact, in the, Christian in the- from exploding heads, they posted their show, uh, in December, like uh, probably like cri- week after Christmas, like you know, in between uh, the Christmas and, and January first, and then he actually revised his list after the show aired yeah, and said right. the autopsy of Jane Doe would have been on his list. I've already seen a couple so, of people say that they're pretty much done with what they need to watch, and I'm like, guys, I still we're have, not even into December yet, man. <laughs> that seems way too early. I still have a few that I'm really want to see i'm really hoping that a couple films get a vod release um that had like many theatrical releases throughout the year um that still haven't been out i mean we've seen this before a a lot of times um like you'll see some vod's like like right at the end of january that you didn't expect so um hopefully that happens it's it's kind of a competitive year for me. Like my list is stacked right now and there's still about a solid 10 movies that i've heard are kind of must watches so um such stuff like the devil's candy and um super dark times uh creep 2 a couple other ones the lore a couple other movies that that i need to see before the year wraps up what was that second one you named Super duper uh, times. Super dark times. Super dark. <laughs> super dark times. Yeah. <laughs> said super duper. Super dark times. <laughs> yeah, I heard it's like a. Ver- it's like a kind of like a mean creek type movie. Hmm. Okay, I, I don't even know if I've heard of that one. Really, a lot of people have been talking about it on the group page. Sam just watched yeah. it today, actually. Huh. Comes out on DVD. Next it's set in the nineties. Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, besides that, I mean, there's uh, a couple of other movies that I, I want to check out, but I, I'm I'm over fifty already. So uh, I think we're doing this show, obviously next week's show, uh, and then I believe we have um, two or three cri- Christmas or not Christmas shows, but December shows, uh, and then we're off for like two, like twenty days or something. So uh, before our end of the year show posts so that is a lot of prep time extra prep time towards the end there so yeah pretty excited about that um anyway what was we talking about (laughs) are you afraid of the dark yeah so that's happening after that we have nbc and universal people called it 
uh, officially burning Chiller Channel. Well, no more Cox controversy anymore. Yeah. Those cocks are gone. Now it's a, a wide. Ah, they were small cocks anyways, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, Cox is pretty big according to what people have been saying. Yeah. I know. I know. I was surprised yeah. by the, the feedback Damn on it. that. I was like, they're now that I big. I said my one cock joke. Now I can't say anymore. Damn it. Uh, Jen, uh, was Cox on, was will... Cox on BT? Oh, yeah, I'm just going too far. <laughs> uh, so Universal, NBC <laughs> Universal, um, is going to be ending Chiller on January 1st, 2018, uh, which is pretty crazy, man. Like, I, I don't know. Like, Chiller was you know, uh, uh, launched in 2007. Uh, it started off great. Like when it first came out, it was 2007. HD wasn't in full effect yet. Yeah, there were HD channels. It's still but not HD wasn't... though. Yeah. Okay. So I was getting <laughs> that's <laughs> really wow. Yep. Uh, that's crazy. So it's still standard dev. When, when it launched in 2007, um, it wasn't a big deal that it wasn't in HD because there was shit. Sci-Fi Channel wasn't even in HD in 2007, I believe. Uh, but they had such a cool lineup, right? Like, um, they put out shows that people had not seen since the eighties, like Freddy's nightmares, like Freddy's nightmares has had not been ran since like the eighties. And all of a sudden you were able to watch all these old episodes of Freddy's nightmares that, that was a lot of people didn't even know existed. Right. Uh, they, they ran the X-Files and they ran, uh, monsters, which was a show that was super forgotten about. Right. Like that show, like nobody really remembered. They had all these cool shows from the eighties that, that were these horror shows that people had forgotten about these anthologies and stuff like that. And they were cool, you know, and they started airing stuff that you couldn't see anywhere else. Like sleepaway camp, like they aired the sleepaway camp trilogy one night. And I used to watch this channel all the time. I quickly grew away from it. Um, and what really killed the channel was lack of HD for me. Uh, but apparently I haven't watched it in, in years cause they actually took it off of my basic package that I have with direct TV. It used to be included and they took it off a few years ago. So I don't even want, I haven't watched it in years, but, uh, you Is know, back when, still going on. Yeah. Elray's still going strong. They, they have a huge audience with their, um, Japan pro wrestling Yeah, and their, uh, some of their other stuff that oh, they that's do. That's where Japan people are watching that shit. I what the fuck is it called? I couldn't like, figure out where people are watching that. Okay. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, but El Rey's still doing pretty good from what I understand. Uh, but yeah, man, like Chiller just went downhill. And from what I understand, it's went completely downhill. Like I haven't even saw what was on it. But, you know, they even started producing their own movies and stuff, which some of them were not great, but some of them were pretty good. Chilling Fictions was good. Chilling Visions was good. I thought Beneath was I still was never really seen solid. the sequel. They made a yeah, sequel to that. Yeah, right? man. But Beneath but was, came out. Beneath was fun, man. Fuck, the fish looked Fucking, great. Did it ever come out Chilling <laughs> Visions too? I yeah, think I, it did. Yeah, I never saw it though. But they had some stinkers though. I mean, I guess we don't have to worry about Screen Factory releasing. Yeah, anything. Dark Hall, which you loved. Oh yeah, my what did I give? Five out of ten. Yeah, I love that movie. I think you gave it a five point five out of ten. No, it was five. You was guys were though? like, you guys were like four and four and a half. There's no difference between that, really. Good lord. Uh, uh, what else did they have? Dark Shadows, which wasn't good. Um, uh, what was that one? The Animal, where Jeremy thought that one dude was like black, but he was. It's always in the best of. He was like Mexican, clearly. Oh, it was kind of like, <laughs> like Puerto Rican. It was, was kind of like Feast. 
Is that the one? Yeah, not as in, good. In the woods? It, it was okay, though. Yeah. It had its moments. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I think it was better um, than we expected it to be. That's what it turned out to be. Yeah, so they... they And, of course, they co-produced Fender Bender. Which was actually really damn good. Yeah. I like that. So it it is it does suck because I liked that they were doing their origin their own original content and stuff. And honestly, I thought their um website was cool for a while. They posted all kind of cool articles and stuff like that I thought I thought were really neat, but yeah. So rest in peace to Chiller. They're leaving us. What is I, I mean, it it's sucks just- us because the um there's not many horror specific networks well that's what i was trying to get at man it's even if you like chiller or not it's still sad to see a horror related network go under right Mm -hmm. i mean that's not good that's not good because i mean like you said there's very limited of them out there so when they go down it's very notable But there's only one left right uh, all horror? Which, the only one left, right? Hellraiser is not all horror. Though. I wouldn't oh, say yeah. it's horror. I mean, didn't it, it start out all horror though? Japanese no, it wrestling. just did a lot of horror. Okay, so I don't even think um, there really is anymore. Whatever happened? I, mean, to, I miss Fearnet, bro. Whatever happened I didn't to that have one Fearnet. network that was supposed to come up? Remember the one that we we talked about a couple years back? The Canadian one. Yeah. What the fuck ever happened to that man? It like on the webpage even had like the dates it was. It was you know. See, because I think Chiller. I think Chiller was DirecTV and Fearnet was Comcast, and I had Comcast, so Fearnet was the shit. Yeah, a lot of people love Fearnet. I mean, that hosted Halston, too. Ah, see, it says on April 14th, 2014, Comcast purchased Lionsgate Entertainment and Sony Pictures Entertainment stakes in Fearnet to acquire full ownership of the channel. Comcast planned to fold Fearnet's programming into its existing and thriller-focused network, Chiller, owned by company NBC Universal Cable Unit and moved some of the Fearnet programming to sci-fi. The merger occurred on July 31st, 2014. So I guess Fearnet and Chiller merged. And that's why Fearnet went bye-bye. But now they're both bye-bye. A lot of people lost their jobs at um, Fearnet. Like uh, Rob Galuzio used to work for Fearnet. Oh, yeah, Um, we're homies. We were homies. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> wait, Who? what? Rob Galuzio? <laughs> uh, that's one of the dudes from, um, he works for Blumhouse now, but he, he was, uh, they were bros. The killer POV show. Oh, yeah. Okay. Rob I G. just remember, like, turning he, it he on. He directed like, Psycho Legacy. They always have, like, short reviews, and I used to always fucking watch them back in the day. Yeah. Nice. There yeah. was one thing I watched on Fearnet one time, um, which was, Adam Green hosting like a Joe Bob style like Monster Vision thing uh, for the movie Teeth, which I just thought was the coolest shit ever. He gave like facts about the movie and stuff, and you know that, all that, of the that, golden uh, days that was so cool. You know, I, I wish that I suggested that Chiller or um, not Chiller Shutter do something like that um, because Shutter right now to me is is awesome. Like I absolutely love Shutter. It's one of my favorite things going on. I signed up this week and to watch the fucking awful Dr. Orlov and that motherfucker's in French with no English subtitles. What the kind of shit is that? Yeah, that's weird. I don't know. Is there other copies that are not like that? Because that's never... I mean, oh, most of the, the time... the only one on there, bro. Most of the time there's like... <laughs> that's like the weirdest thing I've ever heard. You're on a streaming service and they don't have subtitles for a foreign other, film? Other, <laughs> other films have the subs. I don't yeah, know. I know. I've watched. Yeah. Look yourself, bro. Um, 
don't know. I mean, I basically yeah. have Shutter for the exclusives that they get on there. Uh, the general content which helps for the 2017 you know end of the year show they get a lot of exclusives yeah like they've had i think like probably like close to 20 exclusives this year Mm -hmm. and out of the ones that i've seen i liked most of them i I checked out a few i checked out a few um but yeah like for the general films that they have on there i I mean i almost that stuff so it's it's more about the exclusives for me but i mean the price is right it's not like you're paying an expensive fee for it so I think it's well, worth it. Well, they like to get things that are not on DVD as well. Like, yeah. what was that UK uh, Ghost Watch? That UK um, well, found footage movie? You, you know what I'm talking about? It was like in the 80s or 90s. It was like a found footage thing where they they faked it like they were going into a haunted house or whatever. Oh, Hell House LLC. No, it's called Ghost House. It's from the, oh. it's like the 90s. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about? No, I don't even. No. I'm not sure. Actually. It's considered like one of the first found footage movies. It predates okay. Blair Witch. Okay. Um, it was done in the UK. It was like it aired, and they didn't say that it was a movie. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's you know huh. shot like a news guy is going into a haunted house. Yeah, or something. I think I know what you're talking about. That's on there though. Yeah, oh, yeah. Shit, they man. get all kind of cool stuff like that. Like I must that admit, isn't on DVD. I might, I might have just bypassed that. Yeah, but I, I remember. I think we talked about this before on the show. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I must have missed that one. Interesting. Mm. Cool. My question is, uh, among the living uh, available, or is it? does it count for 2017? <laughs> I don't think so, man. I think that movie, I mean, it's been out on DVD for... Not the in UK, not region you know, one. Well, I've got not the... I've, I mean, I don't even look. I never think of things like that because I'm like, I own it on DVD. And I've had it for... Well, a couple years now. Yeah, I think, yeah, but, but I'm saying it's this is its first. Uh, I mean, I think that there should probably be a limit to how many years, because well, like, that's like a 2009 film or something like that. Yeah, is but that it is technically getting its. It got its first uh, uh, region one release this year with Shutter, <laughs> which is crazy that it's been that long that that you can't see that movie unless you imported. Well, you can't see Coldplay three anywhere still. They should get that yeah, shit. I know. So if Cold Prey three comes out region region one next year. Can we count that? Well, I think <laughs> I, th- I think it's only like a 2014 production or like when it officially came out oh, or whatever. But, but so I mean, it's not technically that old. Yeah, I mean, technically it probably could count. I mean, it wouldn't make my list anyway. But I know I think Dave and them are counting it. Like I think it came out in the UK on DVD in 2015 sometime. Mm-hmm. So it hasn't even been available that long. You yeah. know, for for you know, for people to actually see it. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, what is the statute of limitations on production years that are? I mean, because you get the odd yeah. film that comes out, you know, on Blu-ray or DVD that has been shelved for thirty years. Oh, there was one that came out this year, right? That was like, like never got a release before. Uh, I think was Raj, it? who put out that that Intruder film? It was like from the seventies, and it never had a release before. Yeah, and it they, came out there on was Blu-ray. like there was another loss <laughs> about movie. Dangerous Men that never had a release, did it? What is it? I don't think so. Yeah, I think that's another one. But I mean, it's more of an exploitation film, isn't it? But uh, yeah, I mean, you get the odd film here and there that comes out, never had a release. Thirty years later, is it eligible? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think the statute limitation should probably be around three years. <laughs> I would, yeah, you gotta put a you gotta make a rule for that. It's three years if it had other region releases right like yeah. if it's ne- like you know it's it's kind of it's kind of up in the air because like 
Um, what like here's a movie that came out in 2012, and it was made in like 2006. All the boys love Manny Lane, right? That yeah. one came out in 2012 and was on 2012 list, but the movie was made in 2006. Mm-hmm. That's six years earlier. You know what I mean? That's what crazy. about the Evil Within? That movie was made like a long time ago, wasn't it, Moods? Yeah, that one was made fuck <laughs> ten years ago or something like that. And, but it got finished recently, and then they finally put mm-hmm. it out. The director died and stuff. And yeah, uh, yeah. I mean yeah. that that one actually, I would say, is eligible completely because I mean it is technically a new release for 2017. It was never available to anybody before. I don't think it's going to be making anyone's top ten list, but that's a good example, yeah. though. I guess we won't worry about it until we have a actual legit um, film that is a contender for a list and has one of these. Um, sort of issues with it so um, yeah I mean I would say Among the Living um, would probably count this year honestly um, because it you know it didn't have a release here and it's not that old Um, and I think other I know other shows are including it Um, it like I said it probably won't make my list either way so I'm not really worried about it but if if either you guys want to I would would be really really surprised if that made anyone's top 10 list to be honest that movie has like insanely grand like grand canyon sized plot holes in it <laughs> i was gonna say that i i honestly really like that movie even with the plot holes um yeah. lake bodum that's another movie that uh technically had like a 2000 like uh 16 uh finish release i believe i actually believe. saw it last year yeah 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 but that's that one's eligible for this year um i really like that movie um, anyway, let's move on. Uh, the rest of this stuff is releases, so I'll kind of go quickly through these. Um, Umbrella Entertainment announced a couple of titles. Uh, Orca the Killer Well, which I believe is making its Blu-ray debut, I believe. Yep. I don't think it has a region yep. one. Yep. <clears throat> uh, another movie, Cannibal Apocalypse. Yep. I uh, don't know what that one is. Uh, a movie called silver bullet which i believe is also first time release right blu-ray stephen king silver bullet it's That's, not on blu-ray in the no, states right no no a uh, movie called visitors and a movie called fair game which is making its uh i think nah, that's i don't exciting. know if that's on dvd is that on dvd i i don't know did, did australia ever put out I mean, even in the U.S. Is there a DVD in the no, U.S.? No, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, this this guy's. You guys might this might sound familiar to you guys because this actually made my top ten at eighty six. It was right there at the ten spot, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not the most amazing movie in the world. But I just thought it was so cool that I, I just really really wanted to put it on my list, and it was a exploitation like it. it, it I. I <laughs> It's funny because what did I describe it as? Um, implied rape revenge, implied rape and revenge. Because <laughs> yeah, they yeah. don't actually show a rape, but you just kind of get the hint that there might have been a rape. <laughs> so, like, implied rape and revenge. That's what this genre is. Uh, it, but one, like, there's a scene where they literally strap this chick completely naked to the front of their car. And they're, you know, it's old school, no CGI, no craziness. It's, there's a woman on the front of a goddamn car speeding down the road, you know? So, like, like death proof style, but yeah. she's naked in this one. So it's really, uh, it was super Aussie. Um, definitely, definitely pick that up, guys. Um, that is good. <laughs> pick up. And that scene alone is just worth the admission. 
that's what i said by the end of it i was just like and honestly the the version i watched was it was like less than vhs quality so i can't imagine it's gonna look like on (laughs) blu-ray blue dizzle i just i've only ever seen clips from it i think in the uh exploitation yeah (laughs) yeah yeah uh, so after that, we have Night of the Living Dead and Silence of the Lambs getting Criterion Blu-rays. So, uh, fuck Mill Creek or Echo Bridge, yep, uh, bringing Criterion, uh, Night of the Living Dead, uh, which will most likely be the truest version of Night of the Living Dead we will ever see yep. uh, in terms of just quality. Um, this is a release that I'm really excited for. I would honestly buy both of those titles. Um but not obviously at full price for either of them. Does anybody yeah. actually buy Criterion at full price? Or does everybody just wait for the sale? <laughs> I definitely don't. Well, they're usually like twenty five bucks on release day on Amazon, so it's only like five bucks more than yeah. the sale. But they're, they're, I usually always wait anyway. They're always like forty, forty five here. So, but I'm gonna buy. I'm buying Breakfast you. Club on the first day. So, I, I wish that they would have put the and I know other people said this, but the colorized version as a bonus feature. And I wish they would have included the uh, 40th anniversary version, which had the extra scenes that they went and reshot in there. I said it once and I'll say it again. Would never happen. It should Cri- though. Criterion would never do that. Why? Because it's not the original true version of the film and they only really want the original true versions of films. Yeah, but it is a part of the film's history. Yeah, but it's just a bonus uh, feature though, dude. It's I not know. like you're presenting just, and I'm selling just, it off that. I'm just telling you what the way that they act, dude. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds like bullshit. The transfer to me. the huh? transfer on the uh the umbrella Blu-ray for Night of Living Dead is really good. I gotta say. Yeah, I guarantee this is probably going to be the yeah. best transfer. Well, I mean, look at the features on it too. I mean, that's ridiculous. Got the work print on there, bro. Mm. Does it really? Yeah, the first time ever. But see, that's not that. I mean, that's not the true film right there, though. So. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, but if Romero print. says okay. Romero's dead. I don't know. I if he's but he wasn't dead when the release was happening, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, I, you know, I'm I'm actually I was honestly I was a little bit shocked by the announcement of Sounds of the Lambs. Why? From they Fred. released it back in the day. No, that the Blu-ray hadn't come out before. Oh yeah, I'm just surprised. As, yeah, well, no, there I, is a Blu-ray of Sounds of the Lambs. No, no, no. I meant by Criterion because they, they did they they dropped the DVD like how long? Yeah, ago? and the laser disc. So it was laser disc days. Yeah. Where was, is Peeping Tom, goddammit? It's I, like I, one of the earlier spine numbers, too. I think it's like yeah. in the first hundred. That's what I'm saying, man. I, I was really surprised that they hadn't put out Sounds of the Lambs just, you know, re, you know, even three, four years ago. You know, it seems like it's time. Buy the UK Blu-ray, you cheap bastard. I got mine for like 10 bucks like two months ago. <laughs> I don't have Reading Free yet. That's right. That's yeah. shitty, bro. I mean, I just don't have a need for it yet. I've said yeah. whenever I have a need for it, I'll buy it. You know, the thing is, though, once you do get it, you'd be like, what have I been doing all these years? It makes everything so much easier. <laughs> it really does. You don't it have to It doesn't sit- really make things easier if you don't have anything to put in it, right? Well, I mean, it's just, you know, if you want to... <laughs> I mean, it's for those people that, you know, if you're trying to find something that you need to watch, you need a copy of it, then you have to look at the, the region on it, and you're trying to find the specs online, and you're like, is this region A, region B? You're making posts in face group, and then you're bugging me, is this region free or not? And then it's like, dude, you can just... Nobody if you, does if, that. If you have the player, you can just buy it, and you can avoid 
all those unnecessary posts and conversations. You'd be like, you get your shit in six to eight weeks from the Amazon UK. And oh, maybe, I want to know that me. we're fucking more than 11 years into the cycle of fucking Blu-rays. Why the hell aren't there easily available region-free Blu-ray players by now? You get easily available region-free DVD players and fucking Best yeah. Buy if you want to. I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of easy to get, but it's just like, you would think it would just be like, why is a Blu-ray player well, region-free not like $40 right so, now? So your your idea, like, are you talking about why isn't it more available in stores? Yeah. Because like online, they're readily available. I mean, you can go Yeah, but they're Amazon. like 300 bucks though. No, they're like a hundred. I mean, most like of the ninety ninety seven or something. I seen one for ninety six, something like that. What, when I was what, looking to grab one, was that just DVD? Most Blu-ray no, players Blu-ray. are expensive. They're expensive, Blu-ray. but yeah. But I mean, I, I I would think since regular Blu-ray players are down to like thirty bucks, I think like, it's because can't... it's a special thing, right? It's one of those things that not there's like such a small percentage of people that actually have them. You know, the general population. Why? What the fuck would they need one for? Right, They're, they don't give a shit. They wouldn't exactly. So it's that's. Why uh, I'm not stuff. gonna grab one yet. I mean, I don't know if I ever grab one. Honestly, I probably just buy a Blu-ray drive for my computer. That's what I did. You're gonna, a... you're gonna have a 4K TV and player before you have an all-region. Yeah, that's what I was kind of getting at. Crazy. And apparently, those things don't have regions, so it, it's gonna be a. It's gonna yeah. be eventually un, unnecessary. So, oh, so the 4K. Game. Oh, really? Wow. 4K is in region locked, but you can't play region free blue. You can't play region locked Blu-rays on it, but the 4K yeah. discs they're all unlocked. See, but mm-hmm. that, that that thing is completely useless to me. I have so many region two Blu-rays. I'm like, what the fuck? Would yeah, I- but you already have a Blu-ray player that's region free. Why would you need another one? I actually have two of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm so conscious because of one because I actually had that happen to me. I, like I had a backup one that I'd use every once in a while, and then my, my main one actually broke on me. So I just went and bought another one. I'm like, I'll keep my backup one here. I'm super. Paranoid. <laughs> I'm super paranoid. About He's hoarding them up. Well, if I mean, yeah. if they both break, then I'm like, I got all these movies I can't watch. It's ridiculous. You know how many Region B Blu-rays I have that I've watched, like. A bunch because they're not region free. They're not region B apparently. Like literally, I have dozens. Everything from Umbrella. Yeah. (laughs) You know know, know what, man? People ask me all the time, like, what's with the eighty-eight films uh, region locked? And I'm like, I don't know because every time I get an eighty-eight films in, I always pop it in when I'm on you know your regular region A, and half the time they fucking play, but they say region B on the back. So I I think it's just cheating the system, dude. I, I literally think that's it. And I hate to say that because the more that I point it out and we point it out, probably the more in trouble they could get for it. But I think it's like, you know, just like, oh, we didn't. Oh, geez. I didn't we realize didn't that know. we didn't Sorry. hit the A button here, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It was the disauthoring problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I, I'm hey, let them keep doing it. I don't give a fuck. It's a stupid rule anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, continuing along here after those releases, Night Living Dead. Really excited for that. Uh, we have a uh, announcement for the. I believe this might have been announced a while ago, but I just seen that it was posted uh, release date. Um, it coming to 4K uh, December 19th, uh, as well as Blu-ray and DVD on uh, January 9th. So 4K's first, huh? Um. Oh, I, sorry. Digital December 9th, 
4K Blu-ray this January 9th. So we actually won't even get to rewatch it unless we digitaled it. Um, hmm, I kind of wanted to. Re- you gonna buy that bro. on? You gonna wa- buy that on 4K? Yep. Yeah. I would have bought Get Out and Split on 4K, but for five bucks, it couldn't. It's not worth yeah. it. Yeah. After that, Happy Death Day. Um, coming in January. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, Watson, you said Watson agreed with you, but Watson actually agreed with me. Well, Watson told me that to my face. Told you what? That he said he agreed with a lot of things I said, and he agreed a lot of things you said, but he just, his rating was more on the same level as yours. Yeah. But he completely, he he told me, he's like, I completely understand 100% where you're coming from with this film, with everything you said. What, that you're wrong? I mean, I understand where you're coming from, too. Um... I mean, I totally can. can well, it's see. a matter of opinion. Of, I mean, I'm not trying to be right or wrong. I'm just telling you how I, I feel I'm about it. Right? It's like, but it's definitely one of those films, though. That is, it's it's a perfect example of where people are all over the map on this one. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, all really over is. the map. Um, there's a lot of people that are that are kind of embracing it, like yeah. sort of like a almost like a scream or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's other people who don't like it because it's like cringy to him like carly didn't like it at all mm-hmm. um but yeah i i tell you it was cool uh <laughs> after that finally here we have joe lynch's mayhem uh heads to 4k blu-ray and dvd in december Look so even this. these type of movies are getting 4k that's independent labels so, oh, finally oh, making 4K. So, so check this out this movie well who's putting um, it out though like image image wow Our- RLJ or whatever the fuck they're. Oh yeah, okay, that's interesting. They're putting yeah, out so, Cell Block Forty Four Two on Four K. Oh, that one's fucking great. So this is a title that's interesting. Okay, um, it actually hit the number one spot on iTunes. Uh, so this Damn. is actually currently available on VOD. Yep. Um, you didn't know that? Getting its yeah, um, but not getting its uh, DVD Blu-ray release till December twenty-sixth. So if you are one of those people that don't fuck with D- VOD at all, um, still see it though. If you did your show before Christmas, you wouldn't be able to see it. So You're missing out on the mayhem. Yeah, yeah I this, heard it's awesome. This is another title I need to add to my list. Zach said it wasn't, but he he thinks he hates everything. Man, is awesome. Yeah, but his favorite movie of the year is Annabelle. Yeah, yeah, that's retarded. Because <laughs> even I like I like Annabelle, but like. It's like barely, maybe, possibly on the cusp of top ten, <laughs> like at the ten spot. But number one is just mind-blowingly dumb. It, it, it actually makes you wonder how many films he's watched this year from 2017. He's watched a good bit. I'm tired of everybody hating on this year because I think me and Jeremy are in in lines with it. It's really good. So. It's it's the year of art house horror films. That was that's last not year. no <sighs> this year. <laughs> that's what they said last year everybody was saying that last year <laughs> well that's just the new trend you know uh, artsy, I'm fine artsy. With that. I love art house films it's no more hardcore extreme films Hell, dude, I said half a, literally literally, most of the films in my top 10 could be considered art house films 100% 100% which is crazy literally almost all of them like maybe two or not mm-hmm. um, so yeah I'm down so that's news uh, mayhem looking forward to seeing that let me add that to our 
watch list on Letterbox real quick. All That's right, it. man. Sounds good. Man, I was I thought you were going to keep going <laughs> with more news. <laughs> oh, he said that too with news, so that usually means that's it. No, I meant before he said that. I thought there was like tons oh. more, but yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's the news. Fucking thing sucks. So getting into mood swings. I, yeah, man. Let's just jump right into... Um, Obviously, we're not doing box office brawl, so we're going to jump into some dead mail. You've got mail. Yeah, no releases this week. No, this week is another real shit-ass week. There's nothing notable. There's nothing. There's no point even bringing up what's coming out. It's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this time we are digging into Fangoria's issues, and this time this issue is number 201 from April 2001. And on the cover, we have uh, Bruiser, Mr. Romero's, uh, Hannibal, which is kind of ironic that Romero and Silence of the Lambs are on the same cover. Uh, Exclusive, Film Fiends Unite, Jason first Freddy first Pinhead first dot dot dot. Kind of curious what that means. Uh, Shadow of the Vampire. That's it. So... Uh, we got an ad for Tom Savini's special makeup effects program in Morrison, Pennsylvania. Is that still there? Morrison? It says yeah. Morrison? No, yeah. it's not. It's actually, it's about 10 minutes from where I work. So, like, it's pretty cool. Like, I didn't realize it, but, like, th- this little town is, like, infested with, like, um, you know. Mexicans? You know, like every every year, like when they do their like open house and stuff, like we get a ton of parents and stuff coming in to like check out the school uh, for their kids and stuff like that. Because I work at a hotel, obviously, so uh, we get a ton of people coming in. Uh, two, uh, we had two people that worked for us that um, go to that school. Um, really, just I, I never realized how important that school is to the area. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And there's actually a film program there too. I don't oh, know why I never. I mean, there, I don't know if it existed when I was in school, but uh, it's George Romero's film program. So, you know, um, really cool. I, I love that I'm that close to it. You know what I mean? It's like right there. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. So this comes from Richard Calfolino from New Jersey. And he says, I'd just like to ask why 69% of the audience who saw Book of Shadows, Blurred Rich 2 hated it. The only reason I could come up with is because they just couldn't understand it. Rarely do films actually ask you, the ticket holder, to figure it out and come up with your own assumption. I'm not saying that Blur Witch 2 is the best film ever made, but in its own unique way, it is slick, manipulative, creative, and highly effective. Look beyond their surface, people. The film makes a statement about cinema violence, the phenomenon of the first movie, and how audiences reacted to it. It also has a lot to say about a prejudice and a very cool message about the believability of video and group hysteria. With Chris's direction, excellent cinematography, and a very hip and disturbing script, Blur Witch 2 outdoes the rest. It's one of the best sequels I've ever seen in a highly original film on its own. Bravo to Do- Joe Berlinger, who did, of course, Paradise Lost, who asked the question, can you handle this film? Too bad audiences can answer no. For people with half a brain, this rich rocks. Yeah, I totally 100% agree with that statement. Uh, Blair Witch 2 is one of my favorite sequels ever. Like, I absolutely love it. I think that it's actually quite genius 
and I think the only now is it starting to get the love that it kind of deserves. Uh, I've seen now, you know, five or six people really, really give it credit. And honestly, the biggest faults with the movie, if you do any research, all the problems that I have were studio interference. I didn't know that at the time, but after looking into it, the studio interfered and and made him do like reshoots of stuff and and put different scenes in that like all the scenes of the uh, the main character in the like mental hospital with like foaming out the mouth and stuff that feel so out of place. Well, that's because they were shot after the film was done and and inserted for more horror type shit. Um, but yeah. Super, super cool movie. It's a classic example of a film that is completely just misunderstood. I think think people were completely taken back by this because it's absolutely nothing like the original film, but that was the intent of it, right? Mm -hmm. And I think people at the time just looked at it and went, nope, not for me. Wouldn't take it for what it was, which, you know, we've established many, many times with films that time generally does some of these films that are overlooked and misunderstood justice this is a great example of one of those films that falls into that category uh let's see this one comes from Marilyn McAlster no address and this is somebody who disagrees with the film and she writes I have to fent a little bit about the Blair Witch sequel man this movie has everything rednecks wiccons flashbacks flash forwards owl eating nose tubes dead naked wiccan chicks who stand upright and rotate as though they're on Lazy Susie and Susans. What the fuck's Lazy Susans? Mm. Uh, every, everything's backwards, overuse of gore, overuse of hard rock music, everything, except the Book of Shadows or the damn Blair Witch. Book of Shadows was far from awful, but it was only mediocre by the skin of its teeth. My biggest complaint was the film's structure. By the end of the first act, it was painfully clear where it was going, and by the climax, it was absolutely no surprises. Dude, fuck off. This bitch is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, uh, I think about? that it's completely surprising. Like, it's like, yeah, obviously, once you start seeing reveals, it's like, oh, well, yeah, you're supposed to put it together because that is the purpose of a reveal is for you to start piecing things together. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a super it's such a good commentary on the first film. Like, it really is. It's genius almost. Lazy like Susans? The what the hell is she talking about? What the fuck's Lazy Susans? Like, the only thing I can think of that I can associate the term with is, like, those, like, organizers. That some people call huh. Lazy Susans. Like, I don't know, overuse of Lazy Susans? What the fuck is she talking about? Yeah, is that I don't know. the actress? <laughs> like, I'm just so... I'm is taken like back by that term. Lazy Susans in the movie. <laughs> I'm just taken back by the terminology. Let, no let, can we Google this real quick? <laughs> lazy. Let's uh. Let's see. Uh, okay, here we go. Yeah, dude. I was. It, it totally comes up with like it says kitchen storage and organization. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, that's what? all. It's coming. Up. <laughs> and rotate as lazy older on yeah. lazy Susans. Lazy Susans at Bed Bath and Beyond and at lazy Home Depot. Susan is a term people placed on a table or countertop to aid in distributing food. Yeah, man, I knew I was right. <laughs> what the you can get them at Lowe's too in, in Wayfair. <laughs> oh, it's like is it like a, is she saying like a turn like a spinny thing like spinning camera shots or something? Is that referred to as lazy Susans? I, I don't know how to take it. She just said overuse of lazy Susans. I don't know how to interpret that. Okay. Does she have an address on there? No. No address, it says. Damn. All right. Jeff Allard 
from Springfield, Massachusetts, writes, uh, having just seen the Exorcist special edition for the version you've never seen before, I have to say how impressive I thought it was. They really nailed it through and through. The only elements I thought were perhaps a little gracious, 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 were the addition... Gracious? Gracious. Were the additional subliminal shots of the demon... I liked it when the gratuitous, maybe dumb fuck. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Oh wow, he was like way off. (laughs) Uh, I liked it when the vision is included during Reagan's first visit to the doctor, but less so when it appears in the kitchen at night. Still, that's a nitpicky point to cast on an otherwise top-notch restoration, revamp, what have you. The new sound design is phenomenal, and the additional scenes all worked. Spider Walk, of course, was a showstopper. I even liked the new ending. I do prefer the original versions, but this one plays out well. It's a gentler conclusion, but it doesn't feel like a cheat or negate the impact of what has gone before it. And just to see The Exorcist on the big screen for the first time was terrific. It was interesting to watch this classic with a modern audience and listen to some of the acting restless listen to some of them acting restless during the film's slow build-up, only to shut up at a certain point and really get themselves over to the movie. So so that was the re-release he's yeah. talking about, the theatrical re-release. Yeah. That's pretty cool, man. I, I wish I would have been into seeing movies at that time. Um, the Exorcist is one of those movies that, much like the original Halloween, uh, hated it as a kid. Hated it when it was on, people would talk about it, never wanted to see it, just like didn't want to give it a chance at all uh and then i seen it years later and i thought it was kind of boring uh and then it wasn't until about the third time that i seen it where i truly respected it for like the amazing movie that it is uh and i still don't find it incredibly entertaining i think it's pretty boring uh at first but i do think that it's a very well-made movie i've never seen the version you've never seen Mm-hmm. I, the only part from that version I remember is the scene where Reagan's walking. The spider down. walk. Yeah, yeah I one, know that, that one, too. <laughs> that one sticks out. But as for the the other scenes, I can't actually remember. But the Exorc- That would be a franchise, right? The Exorcist? We haven't oh. covered that yet. You know, honestly, it'd be, it's a little bit painful. Two I mean, I, is draggy. Yeah. Two, two is I, definitely... I hear three is great. Oh, yeah, I've never three seen is it. awesome. Three is awesome. I mean, now there's the you know the uh, the director's cut of it too. But you know the yeah. um, the newer Exorcist films aren't great either. Beginning so. and Dominion. Yeah, those ones are from what I so remember. You got pretty two bland. out of five there. <laughs> yeah, pretty. Bland. I've seen the beginning, but yeah. Right, I hear the I just... TV show is really good. Actually, you know what? You yeah. know what I think, man. If we were ever to well, which we probably will attack the Exorcist franchise, but think we might want to do it the same way we did the fra- uh, saw franchise <laughs> yeah i mean still there's only five movies though even though they're longer movies we've did bigger franchises right no it's just for the content <laughs> do they blend together i think the last two man uh oh, from what i remember it's just i don't well, think they're you the same watch movie right yeah it's just not good just it's like the same script but two different versions or something, something i don't know something rather. i've seen the beginning um, anyway, uh, I think we need to start doing that saw style reviews with that one thing you suggested from us. Oh us. yeah. Yeah. We should, uh, really, we should probably get on that like soon, <laughs> like maybe in December. I'm down. All right. So All right. audience is like, you fucking dickheads. Why can't, why bring it up if you can't talk about it? <laughs> 
Which is are, true. I hate when people do that. <laughs> they'll bring something up and they'll be like, can't say anything though. And it's like, well, then why the hell did you bring it up? <laughs> true to right. Yeah, All right, Jay. so I just want to read these last two to bring some context. This was April 2001, and that means that the election was happening in a few months. And of course, we had our good old friend George W. and our friend Dick Cheney going up against Mr. Al Gore and Lieberman, I think his name was, if I remember correctly. So just to give you some context, Gore was somebody who wanted to, um, you know, take away some of the gore and stuff that were going on in horror films at the time. Isn't that, hell no. isn't, like isn't that, that ironic though? So Al Gore. To, yeah. So I just wanted to give some context when I'm reading this, what was going on at the time and what these people were talking about. So fuck Al Gore. Uh, he says about a week and a half after the, after election day, uh, Fangoria 198 caught my eye on a magazine rack. I haven't purchased Fango in over five years, but after taking a quick peek through the gore for score allergy, tipped me into reaching for my wallet. Finally, someone remembers who Tipper Gore is. I sure do, so does Marilyn Manson. It seems like most actors, directors, and musicians forgot about, though. Too bad Frank Sapp is gone. He would have remembered and made quite a fuss about her moving up the political power ladder with the Gore slash Lieberman ticket. I'm a pro-life Republican who just happened to love horror films and filmmakers, it sounds like Jason, as well as the music of Sapp, Slayer, Black Sabbath, and others that face the threat of the censors. Uh, I also love the U.S. Constitution and its Bill of Rights. I cringe every time I hear Al Gore and his friends refer to the Constitution as a living document that should be uh, reinterpreted to fit today's needs and concerns. Our forefathers set up a brilliant amendment process that wisely prevents the Constitution from being easily altered. (laughs) Allowing reinterpretations would permit judges to change it on their own whims, bypassing the concerns of the executive and legislative branches of the federal government, state governments, and ultimately the people. Censorship, be it from right or left, is still censorship. But I really didn't make a point, but I guess he was just bitching about Elk or censoring shit. Yeah. <laughs> Told you to pre-read censors- these things. Yep, Cens- I do pre-read censorship them. is that, that is complete. I mean, I don't I don't blame him for bitching about it. I mean, it's it, it, this was written in, you know, 2001. And Al Gore was still trying to bring censorship to the film industry, specifically horror films. I, I, I Fuck him, man. Is- Fuck him, man. This, that is fucking utterly the... That's what's wrong with... I, I can't believe people are even thinking like that. I think this one has a little bit more of a discussion. Uh, so she writes... This comes from Heather Cullen. She writes, After reading the LG in issue 198, I felt like I had to get this out of my systems. It's one thing to have religious organizations proclaiming that horror films praise Satan. These people scare me enough. However, the thought of Joe Lieberman and Al Gore in office sends chills down my spine. I've been a fan of all types of horror movies for years. I watch them and enjoy them because I know they're fake. I'm not going to go to school and cut up everyone in my Spanish class because I saw Dead Alive this weekend. I'm 17 years old and I've seen everything from 1931's Dragula to Evil Dead and, of course, Scream. It pisses me off that instead of focusing on the real problems, the mental health of those young people who go on killing sprees, the government has instead decided that all violent, dark movies should be condemned as evil and never be shown again. Picture a world where all movies had to be light and funny and ended happily. If this was all we have ever presented to the world, we would be giving kids a false message. We would be saying everything works out okay in the end and there is nothing out in the world to be afraid of. 
No one should be lied in this matter. I'm not saying every movie should have a disturbing or bloody plot. That would have an effect just as harmful as every movie being PG. I'm just saying that giving a man with fantastical views towards censorship a high position of power can make our government stray from democracy and lean more towards dictatorship as far as our entertainment industry goes. Quick solution politics right there, man. I mean, these are the type of fucking dick faces that immediately jump to conclusions in society and be like, oh, well, this guy or the Columbine killers, you know, it's the same people that were blaming, you know, those guys for being influenced from Manson and blah, blah, blah and shit, which we know is bullshit. It's the music and it's the movies. These are quick solutions. They're so quick to judge and shit. There's no fucking proof. There's no factual proof that people are being influenced by music and movies to do these horrendous crimes. It's their well, mentality. Also, they are sick in the fucking head. It doesn't matter if they are influenced, right? The, if you're in control of your actions. Exactly. It doesn't matter. It's a whole other like, argument. But they're, they're, just, they're just specifically pinpointing music and movies and stuff as a main source for these horrendous crimes. I'm like, this is utter bullshit. We know this is bullshit. The, the average person knows that's bullshit. Listen, Jeffrey Dahmer would have murdered and killed people whether he loved The Exorcist 3 or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Is that the movie that made him send him over the edge, Exorcist Yeah, that, that was the movie, right? That was the movie that, that really just couldn't take it anymore. He just had to, had to you know, uh, not give in to the demons of Exorcist 3. Yeah. Um, I hate that argument, man. Oh, I, I think that, you know, and to extend to any argument that something inanimate can control uh and you know influence people enough to where they're not in control of their actions uh is absolutely insane to me like i don't want to hear that argument ever for anything i just don't i don't care about it i think that it's the most ridiculous thing ever uh as a culture um the re the way that people uh you know commit these acts are usually through um, mental uh, handicap uh, or uh, bad upbringing, um, emotional scarring, uh, which just cannot happen from a movie. It just can't. It just can't. It's bullshit. Um, You know, if somebody was molested their whole life and then wants revenge on the world or whatever, um, you know, that that makes sense, right? That makes sense that... that, Now, does that mean that he had to do that? No, absolutely not. But um, usually... Uh, it makes more sense that somebody uh, was nurtured that way from other human beings, not from a movie. Just it just just doesn't have enough weight to to do something like that. The greatest movie ever made would never be able to make me kill somebody, right? Just it just wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. no, it's you like know? a genetic. It, it's like a genetic makeup and a defect in your makeup. Essentially, mm-hmm. like you've got yeah. mental yeah, and, and sometimes it's just you're born that way, right? Like you're born with a fucked up brain. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, there's there's nature and nurture uh, arguments all day, but at the end of the day, uh, nurture cannot come from a movie. It just it just can't, you know. Um. It like hey, maybe maybe you, um, were on the cusp of killing somebody, like you were about to do it, and then you played a video game and it made you mad, so you, that's when you decided, yep, time to do it. Um, maybe, maybe that has happened, but to me, that trigger could have been video games or somebody cutting you off in line or somebody flipping you off in traffic or somebody, uh, you know, spilling something on you. Because if you're to the point where you're going to kill somebody, whatever sets you over the edge should be irrelevant because at the end of the day, you're going to do it anyway to do it. Exactly. Fuck all this bullshit. (laughs) I hate it. 
All right. These are some of the tapes, VHS tapes that were coming out in April 2001. We have Invasion, which looks like a, some kind of comedy film. Uh, Octopus from Trimark. Nice. I've seen that. <laughs> um, Shark Attack 2. Nice. From Trimark. Seen that as well. <laughs> um, Fear Run Silent. And a film called Sacrifice by Studio. Whatever the fuck studios. Uh, DVD wise, we have Hollow Man. Uh, we have the Anchor Bay edition of Manhunter. Oh, you know what? Hollow Man is a title that I watched during October, but I didn't finish it, so I didn't count it as a watch for the year. But man, I was really into that. And um, I'd seen it before, but I think that movie gets a lot of shit. I mean, it did have some bad CGI, but I just thought it was pretty cool. It was that 2001 effects, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Manhunter, The Cell, uh, Python, <clears throat> Python, uh, Black Christmas, uh, Mother's Day, the trauma version, and Horror Vision, and Frostbiter. That's a pretty good <laughs> sign-up list. Of you know what? Frostbiter. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned Python, and totally forgot to mention this in the notes here uh, that I had for the show at the beginning in the housekeeping section um, but I just recently did a commentary with uh, the Kill the Cast crew uh, so it's in our feed it's also on horrorphilia.com please check it out I think that will be a good idea of like what our commentaries for 22 shots are going to look like and it's a video commentary so the movie plays along with it we did king cobra uh which is from like 99 really fun movie i think we had a blast i think you guys will definitely laugh definitely check that out if you guys would so yeah that's it and on the back we have soul survivors coming soon to a theater near you i thought that movie sucked (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> is that the one with uh elijah like the on the cover like very scream like elijah uh, is in that one dude i've seen i i don't think i own it but i've literally seen it like everywhere on TV. there's there's three of them right there's three I of those see. now i think so holy shit holy really? balls damn let me see how the hell did they make it up load two sequels <laughs> one sequel what the fuck jeremy don't type loud for the audience here suck my cock uh, Soul Survivors. Nope, guess I'm retarded. There's only one. Yep. Who would have guessed? Fuck you! <laughs> Alright, that's it. That's it for Dead Mail. Alright, so that's going to conclude Moose Wings. Not really much of Moose Wings tonight, but um, let's move it along. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for? If not for shedding. I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Have you checked the children? Children. What do we do? Why don't we just wait here for a little while? See what happens. Alrighty, so getting into the dub 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 portion of the show, what we watched. Yeah. Where we go round tree, review a bunch of terrible, terrible films, usually, <laughs> give our hilarious ratings, and then pass it along. Jeremy, you want to start us off? Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's the name of this fucking donkey duty? Um, this one <laughs> comes from the year 1991. 
and uh, comes from our good friend who fucking made these other shitty movies, and it is called Zombie 90 Extreme <laughs> Palestinence. Pestilence? Yeah, so this was shot between the shitty one and the shitty two, which the <laughs> shitty two isn't as shitty as the shitty one, but it's still pretty shitty. And it was shot for a reported $2,000. Now, this one at least has some kind of plot, but the main problem with this one is that the fucking dialogue and ADR is just absolutely horrendously fucking horribly bad. But at least it has some sort of plot, and uh, it's still really horrible. And it's uh, a lot of shots are out of focus, and uh, it's really annoying. Is it as bad as it? Uh, it has no blurriness, so it can't be as bad as it. Oh, I see. So, yeah, that makes no sense. Uh, so we follow these two doctors, <laughs> and they live in this, uh, this thing that takes place in present time. And they're trying to solve this zombie outbreak that has gone on. And, of course, you're, they're your typical redneck zombie-type zombies where they're uh, fucking blue, and that's pretty much about it. And we have a bunch of over-the-top kills that happen, you know, brains cut in half and heads chopped in half. There's so much you could do. And um, this happens because this plane crashes into this field. And of course, it's all fucking stock footage or dialogue footage and shit like that that makes absolutely no complete and utter sense. But it's just these two doctors trying to solve what's going on with the zombie outbreak, and along the way, we have a bunch of gory and crazy kills. That's about fucking it. But at least I could say this time around that at least I was able to say what the story was compared to that first shitty movie that I had to watch. So, you know, he's already ahead of the game in that sense because he made this between shitty one and shitty two, that at least he was able to develop some sort of narrative that wasn't present in violent shit number one. And he was able to carry that over into violent shit two, which isn't really saying much because all three of these movies are complete and utter fucking bullshit. But, you know, it's still blah. I mean, this is the first time I think it's been released here in the States. Uh, so, you know, it, it it's not good. I hated it. I don't want to watch any more of these fucking shot-on video movies. Thank goodness that I've pretty much watched every movie in this violent shit collection besides violent shit 4. So thankfully I have to watch no more of this dude's movies because I really don't know how much... Well, there is a new movie. Okay. Oh, there's violent shit 5? No, it's not part 5. It's just called violent shit the movie. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it is actually really bad. The best thing about it is oh yeah, the music. that one, the one that fucking real gore released, right? <laughs> yeah, it's mm-hmm. the only good thing is the music. I'm serious. Is it the same guy? No, no, different director. Yeah. Who the fuck would want to? It's try an Italian director, actually. It's remake a- violent shit. Who the hell would want to make remake violent shit? Who the hell came up with that idea? <laughs> it's not really a remake. <laughs> it's more of its. In a, I don't know. You'd have to see it. But, but that's like hmm. Here's a turd. I'm going to make a fucking turd, too, and try to make it better than this turd. It's like, well, who the fuck would do that shit? Four out of ten for Zombie 90 Extreme Palist, whatever the fuck it's Pestilence. called. <laughs> fucking donkey doo-doo. Fuck you, Jerry. <laughs> uh, all right. So um, going into one of my Patreon picks, I can't remember who gave me this. I, If I had to guess, I would say, like, Michael Fisher. Because uh, it seems like up his alley, but I, I'm not sure. Uh, this title is Monster Man from the year 2003, also known as Wrong Turn 2 in Latin America. Uh, so this is a... You were correct. Yeah, we, 
unofficial wrong turn sequel in latin america which i am a sucker for these in name only sequels like the la casa series or zombie the, three being burial grounds yeah i just it's just to me it's, i'm just fascinated by how movies are marketed in in other countries because um yeah i mean honestly like it's not that much of a stretch uh, well, at least this movie looks cool compared to what i've had to fucking watch it it is uh it follows two friends who are driving across the country to uh basically meet up with the one friend adam's girlfriend ex-girlfriend he wants to tell her that he still loves her before she gets married uh on the way they end up seeing a monster truck rally on tv where the harley friend which he's like a goofball like um think of like the zach galifianakis character um, from the Hangover movies, obviously not nowhere near as funny, but just that complete like. Wow, JP said character. somebody's funny. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, 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 he's making fun of it. They end up leaving, and then a giant monster truck, which actually looks really damn cool. Like I'm not gonna lie, uh, you know, assaults them, and basically, like the movie is so like bizarre in like its scene to scene uh, basis, like like they're here and they accidentally eat dead people and then they see a hearse here and then they uh run into a guy that gets murdered by the monster truck here and then they run into an rv with dead people in it here it's just like they're on this long cross-country road trip and they just keep running into all these different things um and they eventually meet a hitchhiker who uh kind of uh, has, Adam has a thing for so he's kind of thinking like maybe I shouldn't tell my girlfriend I love her after all because I met this new chick and she's hot and she's cool they have sex stuff like that um, and then you finally get the reveal on like who the monster truck driver is you also get a reveal on like um, almost like a wrong turn slash Texas Chainsaw style family so I could see maybe you know similar to like Skin Deep um, this sort of family dynamic thing that, that some of these movies do that are ripping off Chainsaw, it's definitely like in that world. Uh, the movie itself actually is paced really well. It it flies by because there's so many things happening. Most of it is retarded. Like a lot of it does not make sense. The fact that these people are always like ahead of them and welcome to my world. <laughs> yeah. So these people are always ahead of them, and they, they, it's just impossible to set up all these things that that happen. Uh, the ending is very predictable in terms of one reveal, but why they're actually uh, attacking these people makes. Um, I guess it's not. You, you can't predict it, but it does. It's cause, probably because it's kind of retarded, <laughs> uh, and you wouldn't really expect that. Um, has to do with like black magic and stuff, but yeah, I mean, it's what? it's a. Fun, <laughs> have you guys seen this? No. Uh, it's a fun movie. I will say that. Like, I, I definitely enjoyed it. The concept of it is on paper. You know, it's a road horror film, like The Hitcher or something like that. But instead of, you know, The Hitcher showing up in all these places and killing people ahead of their trail and stuff like that, it's a giant fucking monster truck that it just comes out of nowhere, um, which is entertaining and dumb at the same time. It's definitely a movie that's like more so bad it's good than actually good. But at the same time, the level of badness is not that of what you would expect. You would expect the acting to be way worse. You would expect the effects to be way worse. Like it's a competently shot film. It's a competently shot, 
and paste movie. You know, it's it 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 doesn't seem like bottom of the barrel type stuff. Uh, I assume this was like a sci-fi channel movie or something like that. You get the vibe, but it's back in the early 2000s when they still put a little bit of care into these type of movies, and it seems like it actually tried to make a good movie as tongue-in-cheek as it might be, it still seemed like they were attempting to have quality, unlike something like Skin Deep. Um, <laughs> you know, which, <laughs> to be fair, that movie didn't seem like it wasn't trying that hard either, but just not to the level of this. Uh, I, I honestly kind of dug it. Uh, I can't come in really high on it, but uh, I'll give it a 6.5 out of 10. Probably much better than it actually deserves, but uh, it is a really entertaining movie. Wish yeah. I could say that for me. Yeah, that was that was Michael Fisher that uh, gave you that pick. Yeah, he likes his like schlock for sure. No, he gave me fucking Hellwinger, and he gives you that movie. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> what an asshole. I like Mikey, man. Mikey's cool. He's cool, <laughs> man. I like that dude. Yeah, he definitely has. I told myself he I was that low budget taste. Wow, but. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, though. speaking of the boy Michael Fisher, this one is also a Patreon pick from our boy Michael. Uh, from 2003, a film called Dark Walker. I had honestly had never heard of this film. I just never heard of it. <laughs> I don't know how. Yeah, only Michael Fisher has heard of it. <laughs> I, I know. It just, it's with a title like it, it's like very readily available. I don't know. It was weird. I just never saw this one or heard of it. But um, so basically. Yeah, yeah. We thought it was a different film at first, remember? I did, actually. And then I looked it up and I was like, whoa, this just seems like a film that would have, I don't know. You definitely would have saw this one, you know, on the video store shelves straight to DVD back in 2003. It was definitely that title, but I didn't. So uh, the setup to this one here is basically about this couple that wants to kind of bring some new life back into this small little town of Hobbs Grove. Uh, which apparently is actually like a real place in California um, by building a, like a haunted house attraction, like amusement park type deal for, you know, upcoming Halloween season. So that's essentially what they do. They, they build this, this park and they're going through the process of uh, hiring on their cat or their cast and their crew. And um, of course, what they really didn't know is that they built this park on kind of sake, not really sacred ground, but uh a ground with pa- with a past. It has a bloody history. There was a bunch of murders that happened on there. And of course, once they build this and they hire their cast and crew, they start getting picked off one by one by this killer called the Dark Walker. So that's the setup to your film. Um, yes, very, very generic setup. We've had this setup like a million times. Um, things I liked about this film uh, was... Nothing. I actually enjoyed, I I like these type of haunted houses for the most part, you know, at least if they try to showcase and give you some visuals of the haunted house attraction, you know, they, they at least throw those Halloween themed things in there. And they did, they actually tried to do that, uh, which was kind of cool. So the setting of the film was actually kind of cool. Um, as for the characters, I mean, this is a very, there's tons of characters in this film because there's like a whole crew of people. They all have jobs to do and stuff. They're all your cliched characters. You got your bimbos. You got your potheads. It, it's, it's just super, super cliched. Um, everything about all the characters are major, majorly cliched and stuff. Um, acting is pretty much kind of average to a below average and stuff. But, you know, it is what it is. With these straight to, you know, DVD type, digitally shot, low budget films, this is kind of what you're going to get with this. My main gripes with the film, even though it's a very generic type setup is the fact that they don't even try to incorporate 
any type of backstory for the reason of the resurrection of this killer, the Dark Walker. I mean, they basically build this haunt here, and all of a sudden, he's just somehow resurrected, and he starts killing off all these people, and he only kills the workers. He doesn't kill anybody that's coming through the haunted house attraction and things like that. I'm just like, okay, that's very strange, but they don't give you any story of to like how he gets res- resurrected in fact they don't really give you much of a story at all except for there's a little bit of an intro where you see this killer killing off some people way back about 100 years prior and that's all you get there's really no mythology behind this character you don't get to see him a lot and that's kind of a big problem it's like what's going on here and the other thing that actually kind of made me laugh about this so you have this dude going around killing off these people now i might remind you the movie is called dark walker they never call him Dark Walker at all in the film. <laughs> His name is never mentioned. In fact, the killer doesn't have any type of name. And the other oddball thing is they don't create a mythology at all behind this because they're trying to like figure out what the hell's going on, who's doing these killings and stuff, but no one seems to know anything about the legend of this potential supernatural killer. It's really fucking strange. So all we have here is just like a shell of a story. We just have this thing got somehow resurrected, we don't know, and he definitely he definitely doesn't have a name you know and there's no mythology it's like the strangest fucking weird thing generic film with not a lot of mythology it's kind of funny but you know with a film like this you're essentially watching it not for the mind-blowing narrative like i've said a million times with these generic type films you're watching it for the kills and the kills aren't the greatest they're not they're very generic some of them are mostly off screen um not a lot of blood and gore and stuff so you know all in all it's kind of it's kind of disappointing in that sense, but I will say I actually kind of had fun with this one, you know, for as bad as the movie actually was, you know, story wise and stuff, it was still entertaining. Oddly enough, it was still entertaining. I could still handle some of the dialogue and it wasn't too, too bad by all means, not a great film. If you like these generic type supernatural slashers or this time period, this movie feels like the early two thousands on all levels, wardrobe dialogue, the way it's shot on digital. Um, it just has that, appeal to it you know so i can see why there's a lot of people that like these type of films for myself i actually found myself kind of chuckling a few times in this one and going eh it's bad but it's entertainable i'm gonna give it a pass at five out of ten it was okay it was okay besides the no mythology in this which would have been cool if they actually came up with a story for this guy i wish they had shown the killer a little bit more in this though you know it's kind of shot like a little bit pov at times and stuff and it just doesn't need to be like that Show the damn Dark Walker and at least give him a damn name, too. <laughs> you know? It's, it's so weird. It's like it's like they watched the movie and they went, holy fuck, we didn't name the killer, man. What are we going to call this movie? It's very, very strange. Very, very strange. But I'll give it a 5 out of 10. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was actually kind of fun. All right. Moving on. Back to me for another Patreon pick. Don't know who this comes from. This movie is filmed from the year 2015. I am saying it is from 2015 because I saw it in 2015, and that's the way it's going to be, even though a lot of people first were able to see this film this year. From our good friend Sean Byrne. How do you say his name, JP? Who? The guy who fucking did Devil's Candy. I don't know. I think it's <laughs> Why Sean Byrne. Sean Byrne. I think that's how you say his fucking name but anyway i first who of course did the loved ones i first saw this movie in october 2015 at my 24-hour horror marathon that i go to every october they booked this film as one of the main 
attractions. I think they 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 weren't going to say what the film was. They just uh, showed up and they played it just like um, Another Evil, which they played last year, which is another movie that came out this year, which is a pretty funny horror comedy. I, I, I really had a good time with that movie. So I saw this film in 2015, and this is the first time, of course, I'm revisiting it because I usually don't revisit movies. And this movie... I think a lot of reason why people connect to this movie is because it's different. It has a, a different kind of cinematography to it. I can't really describe it, but it just has that that edge, that darkness, the the unique camera movements and things like that, along with this heavy metal soundtrack that I think uh, films like Death Gasm also succeeded. And I think that a lot of people who are into horror films uh, really like metal music. So when they come together... I think a lot of people uh, uh, connect to that. And I think that's why this film in Deathgasm uh, did so well in the horror community. I think it's because it has this really awesome soundtrack behind it. So we follow Jesse. Jesse is a father and a painter. And his wife Astrid and his daughter Zoe decide to move into this new house one day so Ethan could paint. It's up in the hills. It's secluded. Uh, Ethan figured that this would be a good place for him to paint. And when he's in this room painting, he starts to hear these noises in his head and he starts to paint these weird things, uh, upside down crosses, really. And as the film goes on, we start to learn more and more about what happened in this house in the uh, in the past. And we learned a little bit about this in the beginning uh, sequence. I don't really want to ruin what happens, but we we meet our main villain named Raymond or Ray. He's a really heavy set fellow, and I think the interaction between him and Zoe uh, is really really great. Zoe is this really amazing actress, young actress. She has this scream that's so goddamn fucking good. It is so good. It's such a powerful. A screeching kind of a scream that uh, I really hope that we start to see her in more films because I think that she is really the highlight of this film. Considering she's such a, you know, she's like 12 or 13, 14, I would say. She she has a presence to her that is just absolutely amazing and she really steals the show. And whenever uh, Ray shows up, their interactions together are, are really amazing, you know, of course, because of her strong suit as an actress, but because he has a really... Uh, disturbing look to him he's a very unnerving character whenever he pops up on the screen he's very unnerving you know there's something not right about him and the interactions that end up happening between this house and uh the hellman family and raymond it's very very interesting it goes in a very um uh different way it has your your typical haunted house tropes to it but it has that blend of um, heavy metal themes in it that are really, really interesting. It's not just the soundtrack that's heavy metal. It incorporates some of the themes of, you know, of Satan and things like that that we hear in in uh, heavy metal music into the narrative. So it's very interesting how the soundtrack plays with the narrative. But if you guys haven't had a chance to check out Devil's Candy, it's a very unique film, even though it is something that uh, may not seem that unique. It's very, very uh a well-made fucking movie, and I highly, highly recommend you guys check it out. Everybody across the board does a really, really fantastic job. There's no poor acting in this whatsoever. Uh, you know, I, I had this very high on my list when I wasn't on the show when I saw it in 2015, 
And of course, it will probably still be on my list this year as we approach the end of the year. So if you guys get a chance to pick out, pick up Devil's Candy or check it out, highly recommend it. It's very, uh, very awesome. I think that it will uh, thrill anybody who gives it a watch. So a nine out of ten for Devil's Candy. It's very good. Cool. That's uh, one that <clears throat> is for this year that I haven't seen yet, but uh, I believe it's still on Netflix. So maybe I'll check it out soon. I it's think. Awesome. What did I? I think I gave it eight out of eight and a half out of ten. I think, mm-hmm. or or not. So I was in the same ballpark as you, man. I really well, enjoyed like it too. There's like this scene in this like this motel room that's so fucking good, and that's where you get the the interaction with Sylvia and Raymond and that scream that I was. T- it's 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 such a. It's a well-made film. I think we expected that going into it based on the loved ones and how uh, how well-made that film was and how it knew what it was in the sense of a, a you know, going an outsider going crazy type of a film. And I think this film knows what it is as well as a, as a devil movie, you know, as an occult film. So uh, I highly recommend you check it out. Did you dig awesome. the execution, like, in the the very end of the film you know like the last kind of 15 20 minutes do you think it worked on most levels mm-hmm. or do you think it was i think like the, the the ending is kind of your typical horror ending i really didn't think it does anything that original in the yeah. sense of that it's just this to this to this to this the end you know it doesn't do anything really that fresh it's just your typical i think it's well made but i don't really think it does anything that like amazing or anything that we we haven't seen before <clears throat> and i think we we figure out what's happening at the end based on the opening sequence and what's going on mm. where we learn the opening scene so i don't really think it's anything groundbreaking or amazing it could have probably been ended a little better but that was my only minor complaint it's not even like a bad thing or nothing i agree with yeah. you completely it's not like it could have been done better but the, you know it lost a little bit of ground for me but overall the whole the whole ride getting there was good yeah it was really yeah. really good i mean in the end it's not horrible it's just not the greatest right mm-hmm. so yeah but it's, yeah. it's definitely a musty for anybody that hasn't seen the devil's candy this year check it out definitely yeah <clears throat> all right <clears throat> so the next film on my list uh, was another Patreon pick. It is Zombie Holocaust or Doctor Butcher MD. <laughs> is that what it is? Yes, Doctor Italian. <clears throat> so uh, yeah, hashtag Italian Horror Month. Uh, this one came out in 1980. I believe there are two cuts of this film. There's yep. the Zombie Holocaust cut, which is I guess the original Italian cut, yep. and then there's the Doctor Butcher MD cut, which is the American cut. Uh, this film, I believe, was kind of an unofficial video nasty. It was on maybe the Section 3 list or something, Moons. Was it? Um, I would have to look if it's on the Section 3. I'm not um, just from what I read. Uh, the, the <laughs> Okay, so this movie, I don't know which cut I watched. I watched it on Shudder, which I think it's titled Zombie Holocaust, but the like screen title while well, it pops up on screen is is dr butcher md so <laughs> you know i uh, watched the dr butcher md cut okay so i, I assume i watched that cut. was there aquarius films at the beginning i don't remember dude <laughs> yeah, if it's aquarius films that means it's the u.s dr butcher md cut it actually okay. it actually was on the section three list okay so oh, yeah. um section three video nasty here uh this film 
uh, is I believe it opens up in New York, if I'm not mistaken, and we see um, a shadowy figure. <laughs> the fucking body out the window fucking kills me every <laughs> every fucking one. Time, every one of these movies starts out in New York and then ends up in some exotic country. <laughs> every one. So. Uh, yeah, this, there's a shadowy figure who's like hacking off a limb uh, at like a med school or something like that. And then uh, basically uh, they kind of catch the guy who's doing it, but not before he jumps out a window or a, a mannequin jumps out the window, should I say. Um, and uh, they uh, basically like this is like some of these movies are so like bizarre to me. So for some reason, like these people there who were there, which I assume are like doctors and like medical yeah. people. Uh, find out that similar incidents around the country have been happening and all of the people who were doing that were immigrants from this certain uh, place that still practices cannibalism, like some island or something. So for some reason, these doctors decide to go to this island well, they want to figure well, they out. Wanna, they want yeah, to figure out. They the want to figure out what. Yeah, yeah because yeah, the, there's somebody why? at the because there's somebody at the hospital eating people, and they want to find out why this dude's eating people. So they decide to go to the place where he's from. Yeah, and I think but, that's why. Yeah. But like, why them? Like, like if that happened at any hospital, it, they'd be like, "Oh, we should call the police." That's oh, Italian stallion. <laughs> you know, not travel ac- across the sea to some place where we've never been. Oh, actually, the girl I think grew up there or something. They might have mentioned yeah. that. So they go to this place. Um, they find the cannibal tribe, but it turns out, plot twist: there's actually a doctor there who's creating zombies. So it's a zombie and cannibalism film. Uh, so you have cannibals on one corner and you have zombies in the other corner and um yeah so uh that's kind of your plot uh they do take the the cannibals do take the girl and kind of like like hold her hostage hold her hostage and like paint her naked gratuitously (laughs) things like that um they're like this movie is like to me it's definitely not a good movie um, but the effects are awesome. It ha- mm, I, I, I wouldn't say the effects are awesome. There are some good gore moments, but like the effects on the zombies are shit. Yeah, but like, they look like shit in fucking burial grounds too, though. I thought they looked fan fucking tastic in burial grounds. Yeah, great in burial grounds. This they don't at all. Um, they look like paper mache. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. Uh, there's there's a nice level of gore. There's a kind of a cool islandy atmosphere. Like, it, oh, honestly, very much feels like zombie, uh, Fauci zombie, uh, which you know, kind of like the 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 whole like third act of the movie kind of gave me zombie vibes. I don't know if you guys got you, that. You know, or not. you know that's actually yeah. interesting because this movie was actually filmed on the same sets as Fauci zombie. No wonder. It can, like, maybe that's why. Then I forgot yeah. about that. He did say that in the. Like in yeah. the future, yeah, I remember. I, I remember reading that long. Yeah, <laughs> like you might know at the end of Zombie where they have the guns and they're like hold up in that building or whatever. Like it reminded me of like that part mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, so yeah, um, I mean, this movie is like really retarded. Um, I feel like a lot of it doesn't make the most sense. Like, what, what did, did they say? Why the doctor's creating zombies? 
dude, I I can't I remember. Seen it in I can't. A few years, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think they disclose that. I mean, you could just chalk it up to like if you can, then do it. You know, like most yeah. um most scientists, M- mad scientist bullshit. Hey, hey, we can create zombies. Why not do it? <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Like yeah. um, there's that's always been a debate when it comes to science. You know, playing God and you know just the power of it. I guess so. Um, I mean. It, it probably could have benefited from like having like a charismatic, like mad scientist, and have that more part of the the plot. I love uh, I love his slaves. Yeah, his slaves are hilarious. Um, I've seen this on thirty five. I think this movie has oh, the same okay. sound. I was wondering like why you've seen this. <laughs> I've seen it twice. I have the Severn Blu-ray, and oh, okay. then I saw that first, and then that October I saw it on thirty five millimeter. Okay, which was okay. an awful print, by the way. Oh. Absolutely awful. <laughs> I think that kind of movie benefits from having a really bad print. So yeah, this is a movie that would probably benefit from seeing like on VHS, like at a rental store as a kid or something. Like it, it has like the like exploitative like ripoff feel to it of like movies like Cannibal Holocaust and and you know the cannibal films of the time and even Fauci's Zombie. Like I believe there's even some lines at the beginning that are like almost directly like lifted from like oh. Cannibal Holocaust, or, you know, one of those type of like, are we really the, you know, are they really the savages or is it really us? You know, the whole point of Cannibal Holocaust is kind of, but it doesn't make sense in this one because the people don't really do anything and it's all gratuitous violence from the mm-hmm. cannibals and zombies. I so mean, it makes no sense. <laughs> the name of the movie itself has given it away though. Zombie Holocaust. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's just telling you what it's doing right there, capitalizing yeah. on all the the fame of those films but you can see uh yeah uh coming in at a 3.5 out of 10 for zombie holocaust three or out of ten. Three and a half. damn it's so much three fun man <laughs> you yeah, listen to awesome. my review that's one of my best reviews i've ever done i think yeah would you channel rate? i like you i don't remember film. but cool. i just i think the i think the main thing with this one is that the special features are so fucking good there's like literally like like a whole backing just worth of special features on the yeah i'm sure it has a very interesting story and the special features are probably way better than the movie yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. i mean it's okay Uh, i i mean dude it was fun it's just not a good movie at all yeah like not even close to being an average they they include a barf bag in the release for a reason (laughs) that's cool you you have to get your official um dr butcher md barf bag Hmm. Man, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind owning this film. Like, I really like. If anything, um, these movies are a lot more. Like, if you like, if you're gonna have a bad zombie slash cannibal movie or like a bad giallo, I'd much rather have the zombie cannibal movie because at least then it's you know, gratuitous splatter and gore and stuff. Mm-hmm. When a bad giallo can just be a that, that was the only way to save those doesn't movies. Make sense. Yeah, <laughs> a bad giallo is just slow and boring and. Yeah, there's nothing else to offer, but uh, the, you know, oddly, this movie right here, I I reviewed a film on the last 31 days called Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals. This movie right here actually uses like the same soundtrack. It just like ripped the soundtrack from that movie. There's some solid music up in here. Yeah, that's the fucking the soundtrack by yeah the Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals soundtrack. It's kind of funny. All right, so so you're all moodsy moods. Alrighty, man. So moving along here, uh, I kind of was in the Festus mood, I guess Christmas mood. 
Mm, okay. I don't know why. Not even Thanksgiving, bro. Yeah, but I... I There's not they, many Thanksgiving horror films. I When's think, your Thanksgiving? It was, like, middle of October. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so that's you know that explains. I don't know it, fucking but. Canadian history. Fuck you, JP. Laughing, <laughs> but anyways. no, I was laughing because it's so far away. Oh well, yeah. Even the wife, even the wife was like, "Really, you're gonna watch a Christmas film?" And she's like, "Fuck, you're getting worse than I am." And I'm like, "Oh my god, that's bad coming from her." Trust me, that's not, that's <laughs> not cool. That's not a compliment. I watched a couple in our, uh, October. Well, we I, need more Hanukkah fucking horror films. Come on, people. They really don't even have any, do they? I don't think so. I think there's like. <laughs> one or two like super low budget um no budget type ones i think so yeah i remember there was that one the halloween ripoff one mm, I yeah don't know. same type of, anyways but yeah so brand new film from 2017 called the elf it had me really it had me intrigued i had to check this out because i haven't just, even heard of this one yeah so it's a christmas related film and i was like you know what man it's burning me up. I got to check this out, even though it's probably going to be bad, but it's Christmas related. And I always watch these stupid, ridiculous fucking Christmas themed films. So basically this one is about uh, our main character, Nick here. Um, he's got a girlfriend, actually a really hot girlfriend by name Victoria in this film. Um, he has just inherited like this, uh, this toy store from his family. And so he of course goes there to check it out and stuff. And He's in the back searching around and stuff, and he comes across this trunk where he opens it up and he finds a kind of like an elf doll. And there's like a list of names on a, written on this kind of cloth thing beside it and stuff. And what he does there, he in, inadvertently kind of opens up the evil that was in there. And of course, you know, him and his girlfriend, they end up going back to their house after they do whatever they have to do in their shop. And this elf is there and they're kind of like freaked out. They're like, what the fuck? Like, how the hell did this thing get there? And shortly after that, her family shows up and then all carnage and hell ensues. So my thoughts on this one, um, this right away, this movie kind of felt like a really <laughs> like a low budget, bad full moon type film had the doll feel it's dealing with curses and things like that but this one's even fucking worse than the <laughs> worst fucking full moon film that you could possibly conjure up okay so worse than hellinger while well, you haven't seen it so. i haven't seen that one but this movie right here although this setup is done a million times i don't mind these type of setups if you're gonna unleash some type of evil uh, as long as you back it up with some good mythology and good story and stuff which they do kind of give you towards the end of the film but the problem is they execute this entire film so poorly that it doesn't even fucking matter anymore. It's so shitty. It's so shitty. It's one of those films where I feel like the director was just totally calling this one in big time and wasn't worrying about exactly what he wanted to do story-wise. It's so fucking bad on all levels. So there's a lot of plot holes in this movie also, um, which does not add to it at all. But first and foremost, the acting might be some of the worst acting I've ever seen in a film. It's supposed to, it has this, it, you know, the, 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 the thing that kills me about this movie is that the setup is dead serious too. There's no comedy in this whatsoever. It's playing itself dead serious. It's taking itself super serious. So when the family shows up, there's like supposed to be this drama, like her dad really hates her, Nick and, um, and Victoria, they're supposed to be getting married and stuff. And he's like pleading, he's like, no, you guys, you guys can't do this, blah, blah, blah. But the acting is so monotone and shitty all the emotion just out the fucking window. You're just, you're, you're laughing. It's so bad. The whole, the whole thing is just super bad. And then the kills start. You get introduced to this 
elf, which is really poorly CG'd. You know, they didn't even try to like practical practically make this doll. CG kills very, very bad and stuff. I will I will say that there is one kind of funny kill where these carolers show up the house while all this carnage is ensuing. And <laughs> I don't know how he managed to do it, but he basically ends up killing like ten carolers with a fucking string of Christmas lights. <laughs> it's so fucking ridiculous how it goes down. It doesn't make any sense in the film whatsoever. But this one right here is just it's honestly one of the worst films I've seen in such a long time. Everything about this was just had me cracking up, man. Like they're okay. When you're trying to be 100% serious and family members just died and your emotion is just stone faced and you, and you come off and say something like, why is this happening in that tone? What the fuck? It's like the worst thing ever. It's absolutely an abomination. Um, so then you get all this bullshit, all this kind of drama happening and shit like that. And then they try to throw a twist at you. They try to throw a twist at you in the third act. And then it blows everything that has happened leading up to the third act out the window. Nothing makes sense anymore. Absolutely nothing makes sense. Because all these prior conversations with uh, Victoria's father that, that he's having with her and stuff. None of this shit even matters. It is one of the worst fucking scripts ever i've ever seen in a film it's so poorly done on all levels every spec the music sounds like it was pulled off a cdr out of Lionsgate's fucking vault it's horrible it's fucking horrible it's got generic sound effects in it the acting like i i can't even stress how shitty the acting is all around who the fuck picked this lead this nick guy the guy is literally dead on screen dead people have more charisma than this motherfucker on screen man it was horrible absolutely fucking horrible this i don't understand how these movies keep getting made it, it's absolutely it absolutely pisses me off man this movie was directed by justin price um and you know this is the kind of shit that really pisses me off too you know you can just tell this thing was totally called in like i said before i mean this is what his fourth movie of the year he, this is the guy that directed that <laughs> the 13th friday from this year he directed another movie called Almost Amazing, Alien, Reign of Men, The Elf. He directed like a couple ones last year, Snare and Forsaken. Like, what the fuck? How are you doing all these films? Where are you getting the funny for all this fucking, this garbage, man? This is That's atrocious. This doesn't, like, these type of movies are embarrassing on all levels. Why are they coming out? I have no idea. No idea. You seen the new Bunny Man movie? I have not, but I bet you it's better than this piece of shit. We should do those on the show. This is horrible, funny. man. This is horrible. You know what? You know what the fucking thing that pisses me off about this movie is that there's a decent film in here because they actually kind of give you, you know, a little bit of mythology with why this evil is doing what it's doing, having to do with this curse, and it's got to eliminate these people that are on this list and stuff, which is kind of cool. But you got to execute that at least half half good. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's just atrocious how they did this. I'm so embarrassed that this shit is available for people to see. You know, if it wasn't for the main lead in this film, uh, what was her name? Natasha Halby, or the girl that played Victoria. She was fucking beautiful. She's totally awesome. Um, looking terrible at acting. Just, <laughs> I, I'm just, oh my Lord. All levels. So bad. 0.5 out of 10. This is the biggest piece of shit I have seen in so long. It actually was so bad that I couldn't even laugh. That's not Point. like me. I laugh Point at every... Five. It's bad. There's no redeemable that, qualities of this movie whatsoever. Is that the lowest rating ever given by moods? Might be. 
it's that's a point five. You said it's there's not one redeemable thing. You <clears throat> like you have it's so, so wouldn't I make it a zero then? I, I don't no 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 we don't do zeros. <clears throat> no point five because it got made oh. because it got made. <laughs> yeah. I will give a point five for having Victoria's looks in the film, but my god, seriously, you guys. The act, oh my god, Jeremy, you would have a heyday with this film. This would be a great Dude, film this... to do a commentary on because every scene, from scene to scene, you're going, who the fuck edited this shit? It's so poorly put together. And then, like, they just, it's like they they, they shot it completely out of sequence. Obviously, they probably did. Edit it together and like, okay, there's things that are missing. We're just going to throw in this twist. But then the twist completely just eliminates everything that happened prior. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> See, that's when people say like the worst horror films of the year are Happy Death Day and and no. uh, the Dark Tower and stuff like that. I'm like, you guys have truly never seen a worst movie ever. Like, you just never have seen a truly you know one of the worst movies ever. Uh, because Beneath the Mississippi is the one I always reference. This one sounds on par with that. I'm not Wonderland. Joking. This worst is one movie of, I've ever seen. This is one of the worst movies I've seen. I don't even. I, I don't remember last time I ever gave something under like a one and a half or a one. Oh, probably the Howling Seven. <laughs> but this is yeah, worse I think than you that. You might have gave Howling Seven point five. This you gave is, Entity. Oh, like this. a one. Let me let me roll up into the <clears throat> Hall of Pain real quick and see what your your ratings for those Just films are. But this put it this way this could be a record-setting film if all three of us were reviewing it right now because I'm pretty sure we'd have it at a one point five total. Really, it's that bad there's no redeemable like there's nothing here it's just the worst shit i've ever seen that bad huh that is crazy he gave a 0.5 to the howling seven (laughs) and this is worse than that you said yeah if i could give it and he he gave entity a one out of ten so yeah oh man it's a real abortion man it's bad huh it would be jack frost too i think that's our lowest rated film like yeah three total three out of thirty you know, I always get yeah. I always get excited this time of year for these new Christmas related films, but man, this is this is making me take a take a step back right now. Actually, Howling has a two point five. Yeah, but I wasn't on, so fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I need to update that. I was I, I everybody who know, oh dude, somebody messaged us. There should just me. be a a pre Jeremy section and a post Jeremy section, and <laughs> everything in between should just be fuck you. You should review every film that we talked about while you were gone <laughs> i got enough shit i gotta do uh so what um somebody asked a question somewhere and asked if we ever or asked us to do something and i was like D- we've done that or something um Gremlins. but guys uh a lot of people don't know this on the website 22 shots and shots of moods and horror 20 not- shits of moods and horror sh- no, that's not us. Um, you go to the rating section, right at the top, ratings, and then it's all alphabetized, every movie that we've reviewed on this show, uh, up to episode 120 currently. So if you click there, you'll be able to see everything. And actually, what's really cool about it... Need moods gave is- gutter balls 9.5 out of 10, both of us? Yeah. What the fuck were we thinking, bro? I don't know. Uh, but if you <laughs> I, click- I, wish I was drunk that day. But <laughs> If you see... <laughs> that is crazy. If you see a uh, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> if you look, it'll say like um, you know, uh, 
Feast, which we didn't review Feast, but uh, if we did review Feast, it would say Feast, uh, Jeremy's rating, my rating, Moods' rating, and then it'll tell you the episode that it's on with a link to that episode. And then you look in the show notes and you have the exact time stamp of when we talked about it. So no excuse to to not go back and check out the old reviews that you're curious if we ever did something. You don't even have to ask us. You can just look yourself. Um, but yeah, so that that's there. Uh, I updated all of it today. It took me about three hours total and next thing i'm going to do i'm going to put the 1986 top 10 visual list on there as well as update the hall of pain and fame uh so that those things will be in the coming days one, one thing i do want to note with the the alphabetization of our films that we've reviewed the odd film and how JP does it, he will put the original title. So however it's titled on IMDb. So if, if the movie you're looking for has an alternate title, it might be mm-hmm. under that title. Cause I actually, yeah. it actually, I forgot that. And I was looking up a film that I'd reviewed. This was a few months back. And I was like, I fucking swear I reviewed that movie and I couldn't find it in the ratings page. So I looked it up on IMDb to see if it had an alternate title and it did. And I can't remember what the movie is now, but anyways, it was under the alternate title. So, that yeah. could happen. So whatever the most popular IMDb title is, I go with that one because sometimes I just can't remember if which one was popular or not. You know what I mean? If it's a movie I'm not familiar with. So I just go with whatever's on IMDb. Except for actually it's funny you mentioned that because I changed the title of Deathline to Raw Meat. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> which is not the popular title on IMDb, I believe. Or something. I can't remember. Um, but anyway, uh, my turn? Is it my turn? Nope. No, Jameson. Satan, Satan, Satan. That's what the fucking elf sounded like. Satan, that Satan, actually sounded pretty cool. So. Satan, Satan. Why is it saying Satan? What the fuck? <laughs> it's I not explained. Know. I haven't seen the fucking movie. Am I supposed to? Don't fucking watch it, know. dude. You'll, you'll fucking rip your eyes out. For sure. I love how you put Hellwinger 1997 Patreon pick. Why the fuck did you just delete that shit, bro? I must have missed it. I normally I deleted a bunch of them that said that. Just fucking with you. Okay, so from 2012, directed by Richard Griffin, is a film titled Murder University. <clears throat> and I said that this this dude and Ryan Nicholson must be good friends because their films have such a similar aesthetic, musical choice, dialogue you know effects everything like their films are like so closely what other richard griffin uh, films have you seen before do you can you remember oh you haven't oh okay because richard griffin actually dabbles he does so many different types of films all over the place he's got he's quite a diverse director man really like probably one of the most diverse indie directors out there yeah yeah so birdie university stars our good friend, what the fuck is his name? Uh, Josh. Josh is played by a wannabe lookalike of Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> and he is a uh, student at a college where there is a urban legend about back in the 1980s. Um, th- uh, four people went to this house who was the headmaster of the college, which the film takes place of. And... Uh, they were, you know, doing their thing, fucking and all that kind of stuff. And they were ultimately picked off by these by this one person. And this myth became a thing. Fast forward 20 years later, we follow Josh and these murders are starting to happen again at this school. And Josh is trying to solve this these murders. And he meets this detective, you know, this really funny ass detective. This movie's all about hilarious dialogue 
a whole bunch of fucks and shits that's like gutter balls, has the same kind of soundtrack as gutter balls, has the same kind of effects as gutter balls, all those kind of things. <coughs> but it's this Josh and this detective and his daughter trying to solve these murders. And along the way, we meet all these quirky characters, a whole bunch of nudity. There's this one scene in the film towards the end that just made me fucking die laughing. Um, Josh is, is walking down or running down a hallway and the uh, killer is behind him. And this girl pops out and says, no running in the hallway. And the dude just swings his axe and fucking chops her head off. And that just fucking killed me. You have to see this. It's so funny. It just had me in stitches. And this movie's like that, you know. It's a lower budget, still very well made uh, slasher film that I had a really, really fantastic time with. It's really, really fun, actually. Like, I was going into a thing like, oh, this cover's really shitty probably gonna be a really crappy movie but then i was uh, like i was watching it and people were posting on the facebook page how much they enjoyed it you know i was it, it, it is not a horrible film uh sure the acting is blah at some points but i think it was trying to be blah uh, i think it was trying to be inspired of course from 80 slashers and things like that yeah so definitely. i can't really knock it off too much on the acting because i think that's what it's trying to be there's one scene towards the end with the daniel radcliffe wannabe that's really over the top kind of knocked like a half a point off for me it's just it's an out of place scene in this kind of film it's like super serious long monologue it's like fuck this shit i don't want to watch this so you know i i i disapprove of that scene but besides that if you're going to go in the movie and have a good time with it i think you'll have a good time with murder university because you know you would probably think i wouldn't like this film but i had a good time with it it has all the goods that you would expect with this kind of movie let me see what I rated it. Give me a fucking second. Uh, 7 out of 10 for Murder University from 2012. I was probably in the same ballpark as it, too. I reviewed this one on my channel a few years ago. Super fun. The dude does look like Dan Radcliffe. Like, uh, total wannabe lookalike. <laughs> it made me laugh right away. I was like, ah, it's so funny. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Richard. Like, this guy is all over the map with his films and stuff. And I just went through his filmography. I, I have 17 of his films. <laughs> Jesus, crazy man! Yeah, I really like his stuff, man. Um, he's cool, man. It's cool. Yeah, it's a good movie. It has the goods. Hmm. All right, so continuing along here, uh, I got a title here. This is not a Patreon pick, but I have one more after this. Uh, this is a title from Vinegar Syndrome. It's 1971's The Corpse Grinders, uh, and I have been loving me some vinegar syndrome i took all of the films that i owned back in october and hadn't watched yet which was pretty much all the vinegar syndromes besides madman and christmas evil uh and i i finally got around to checking them out and i just was like having so much fun with them uh so i wanted to continue that um we have the corpse grinders which uh i, w I wasn't out of the newer titles that i picked up here and um you know that were the new, I guess the newest titles that they released. Uh, the Corpse Grinders was one that I was probably least excited about just because, I don't know, it, looked, it just looked weird. I don't know. Um, but yeah, 1971, uh, it follows the Lotus Cat Food Company uh, <laughs> that, that hits major financial trouble and is on the verge of closing until the owners realize that rather paying for meat, they can just use bodies from the local graveyard. And they, they basically hire this guy and his wife to steal these bodies. And then they like buy them off of them and then they grind them up and they put them in cat food. 
but the only problem, and <laughs> the only problem is that once these cats get a taste for human flesh, they want more. So they begin to attack their owners, uh, which is explained in the film by saying that, you know, a tiger does not hunt man until it gets a taste of man. Then it will hunt the man. And I'm like, what? The f-? I'm like, that's your explanation on why this is happening? <laughs> because like cats are related to tigers and because ti- you, you're saying that tigers will hunt man after they taste man. Um, that makes very little sense. But let's roll with it. Um, this is a killer cat movie, kind of. So uh, it has a cat kill someone. Uh, in my opinion, that's a killer cat movie. So I just found another killer cat movie. Now I can put it right next to my uh, future copy of Strays, uh, which is a killer cat movie made for TV from the 90s. Um, so we also have this uh, doctor and nurse or like couple that basically uh, get attacked by one of the cats and then they start investigating like why. Uh, because they find traces of human flesh in the cat's stomach when they do like an autopsy type thing. Uh, and they start investigating and, you know, finding out who owns the cat food company and stuff like that. This movie is like very sleazy and just, you know, 1970s exploitation, like grind. It 100% grindhouse. It's, it's very Ted V. Michaels. <laughs> Yeah, Ted B. Michaels is the director. Um, he also directed The Corpse Grinders 2 in 2000, uh, as well as like four Astro Zombies movies, um, which I didn't even know there was four. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, the, the movie does lack on gore and really like entertaining like horror hound stuff you know like stuff that gore hounds like and things like that like the cat deaths are like little scratches and stuff but um (laughs) and you know a movie called corpse grinders with a big giant grinding meat grinder on the cover with a woman being shoved into it that's half naked you'd expect a little more corpse grinding uh not a whole lot of corpse grinding honestly uh, which is d- a disappointment, but like I-, I sent a video to Jeremy while I was watching this, and and this is why I love Vinegar Syndrome because just saying that plot out loud, you know, uh, these these cats start attacking their human masters once they get a taste for human flesh in their cat food. Like it's just like, oh my god, <laughs> like who comes up with that this shit. shit? You know what I mean? So I I really enjoyed it for the the like oh fuck factor. Uh, I can't say it's a good movie. Um, I'm going to come in at a 5 out of 10 on it. But I will say that I very, very much enjoyed it. Uh, it's not good, but I liked it a lot. So um, there's uh, you know some special features on here. The transfer is actually not one of Vinegar Syndrome's best. The transfer was not great. Well, that movie was shot probably on the worst film stock ever. Oh yeah, I, I, Michaels, 100%. It, I mean, it looks good enough. Like I've seen worse transfers, but you know, when you think of Vinegar Syndrome with their amazing transfers, this is not one of those amazing transfers. Yeah, I haven't watched a transfer yet. I have it, but I haven't watched a transfer. Yeah. So, you know, you tend to say that a lot on the show. What? I sent Jeremy a clip of this while I was watching. Are <laughs> you guys always do that? fucking leave him well yeah there. i mean i sent chat. it in our chat you were there yeah. i just sent it to jeremy because he's the only one that responds to it <laughs> didn't even see it man yeah we do that a lot to each other in the group chat because you never say anything about our clips yeah i probably never watch them 
<laughs> yeah. Although so, I, di- I did watch the videos that uh, you when you're ripping on Tori. <laughs> Those were good, right? Am I right? <laughs> I fucking laughed. You kept calling him Tori. I even, I, I even disrapped him. Every and then time, he tried to come back and it was a f- complete fail. Oh, every time you said Tori, I kept thinking Tori spelling. Every time you yeah. said it, man. <laughs> so yeah. funny to me. I just started calling him Tori. That's a girl's name. <laughs> Fuck, he was getting buttered <laughs> like a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> he started it he started it man he was talking mad shit on me the night before and i didn't think i would see it and then andy was like yo jp this motherfucker is talking mad shit see i missed all i didn't even see what he said i just caught you and i it was like so <laughs> funny <laughs> uh but yeah moving along here uh, another brand new film from 2017 called friends don't let friends uh I checked it out. I thought it sounded pretty interesting. Uh, basically, this one is about um, our lead character, Stephanie. Uh, <laughs> she um, doesn't really take too kindly to her boyfriend breaking up with her. Uh, this movie opens up with her and her boyfriend. They're having a little bit of discussion about the relationship and stuff. And ultimately, the boyfriend ends up breaking up with her. She takes it to heart and fucking strangles him to death. So now she has to figure out a way to dispose of the body. So, of course, in typical fashion, she calls up her friends to help her out. And they, of course, accept the offer. So they pack up this body and they, they head out to the nearest uh, desert. They bury the body. And, of course, they're going to make their way out of there. And um, somebody left the, the headlights on on the vehicle for five minutes. So the fucking brand new car battery is dead. So now they're stranded out there. And then, of course, carnage ensues from something that starts stalking them out in the blackness. Well, my thoughts on this one. Uh, I actually, you know, the, the premise again, very, very simple premise. It kind of feels like a contained horror film, even though it's out in a desert in the wide open. And what do I mean by that is because this one is shot like in the pitch black. Like, you can't see anything but the characters in this film. So it just feels like you're watching character interactions throughout the whole film. Um, So, which leads me into my first problem. The characters in this movie ultimately suck major floppy donkey cocks. (laughs) Every character, you just want to die. You can't wait for whatever is lingering out there to come and get these asshole characters because they're not like your most typical cliched ones. They're just really ultra annoying and they're making really poor decisions constantly. And it's just, and then they start arguing because of course now there's a dead body out there and they start, you know, their friendships are being tested and it's just a lot of annoyance when you're watching the movie, um, which is, you know, it is what it is. There's a little bit of things that are happening in the middle and you're kind of going, okay, where the fuck is this leading? Which leads into this twist that happens in the end of the film, which, you know, at that point I was kind of enjoying it, even though it was very annoying. I know it sounds very odd, but I wasn't, I was kind of enjoying the film because of what was out there lurking and, you know, killing off these people. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and they give a little bit of mythology on why this happens, too. And I think that's actually kind of cool, too. But uh, this twist happens in the third act, and it really just made me go, really? They're going to fucking do that? This has, done a mil- this has been done a million times. It's nothing new. We've we've seen this type of twist in films before. So then it got me thinking about it. And I was like, this shit doesn't make sense. Nothing makes sense again with the fucking twist. It doesn't make any sense. It's so generic and bullshit. It's one of those things where you go, really? Like, this one is only 75 minutes. And I just wasted 75 minutes of my life. I'll never get that time back. 
That's what I said to myself. It was utter fucking bullshit. I hate these type of twists. I think it doesn't work for this film. I wish they had just played it the way they were going with it in the first way. It's like they almost, they couldn't figure out how to end this movie properly, you know, and then they just kind of threw in this twist and that's how it feels. It feels very, very rushed and it feels kind of out of place, which maybe that's what they were going for. I don't know. But um, yeah, all in all, man, I mean, there's not really, the kills aren't the greatest in this one. Like I said, it's shot in the pitch black. It's very dark. It's hard to see at times like that. And uh, it comes up really short. It comes up super short. Four out of ten. Another another fucking shit-ass film that I didn't care for. Why the hell are you guys watching all these bad movies? It sounded well, good. Only good it, movies it, in the world. It sounded it's good. the next one. It sounded okay. It sounded okay, but, you know, ultimately missed the mark. And it, it's such a shame, too, because there was some cool elements and things that were happening up until this twist, which is fucking, like, why do you, you don't have to go overboard with this shit. You don't have to do this type of twist. And it's so unrealistic and like ridiculous. And I understand what they're trying to do with it, but it's nothing new. It's not mind blowing. We've seen this a million times. We have fuck off. I'm done. Okay. Okay. Pick of the week <clears throat> film from the year 2017 comes from our good friend A24 who once again has a massive massive amazing film on their hands and it's a film called The Killing of a Sacred Deer yes now this movie now this isn't a movie this is a film now I've talked about this before <laughs> dude I got really movie. drunk one time and the most and pretentious thing of the day goes <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is really a film because in the sense that this is I not think, a movie. Like, this is a film. You'll see it when you this watch is, it. Like this film this is, is not, not, a movie, not a flick. The actors aren't <laughs> acting in the sense that we usually see in a film. I think this film is more acted in a in a stage theatrical kind of a sense. And you understand what I'm talking about when you see the film. The actors clearly overact and overexpress themselves throughout this film, but it's clearly a deliberate uh, sense in the way that. I feel like Lathathemos, I think that's how you pronounce his name, is a guy that is is a, he makes a bunch of weird and quirky, strange films. He made a movie a few years ago called The Lobster, which absolutely bombed with mainstream audiences because I don't think they understood what was going on. It's kind of like It Comes at Night. It got absolutely praised by critics but bombed by the mainstream audiences because it's a very weird and quirky movie. So I kind of expected that going into this movie that we're going to probably get something a little bit different and something a little bit weird. And this movie has a totally 70s uh, psychological gloom and doom to it. It is such an uncomfortable film. Um, you know, it's not as, I don't think, as uncomfortable as Mother, but it's still a very uncomfortable film because there is just a, a sense between the actors and the way that the, the camera barely fucking moves uh, a sense of gloom and doom. So we follow Steven. Steven is a open-heart surgeon, and he has a relationship with this boy named Martin, and we don't really know what's going on at the beginning of the film, why uh, Steven is meeting up with Martin and why they have this kind of relationship. We really don't know uh, what's going on. But Martin, you could tell, is a little bit off by the way he talks, his dialogue, uh, the way he acts uh, in general. And he's played by uh, Barry uh, Keegowin. I think that's how you pronounce the name. He was uh, also in uh, Dunkirk this year. Very awesome, awesome, underrated, up-and-coming actor, which I hope we see more more things from him because he really shines in this film. So uh, Stephen and Martin have this kind of relationship, 
And uh, one day, uh, Stephen's family starts to get sick. And uh, his wife, Anna, played by Nicole Kimmon and uh, their two children, uh, something strange starts to happen. And we don't know what. But as the film goes on, we learn that Martin is behind this and he he puts a curse on his family. And there's an ultimate decision at the end that Mar- uh, Stephen must make uh, that's very uh, interesting and it carries the plot along. This movie is so goddamn fucking good. I mean, it, it is definitely one of my, my favorite films of this year. Well, I can't really say it's this year because I can't have it on my list, which is bullshit. But it's definitely uh, my favorite, one of my favorite films that I've seen this year. Uh, it's right behind there with Black Coat's Daughter as a film that I think will stay with me as time goes on. Simply because of the fact that it is an extremely uncomfortable fucking movie to watch. But it's so well acted. It's so well made. It's so well written. It's so different than anything that comes out of American cinema in general it's something that you will never probably ever fucking see again at least you know in in a mainstream audience even though this really isn't that mainstream but it still came out in mainstream theaters but i just think it's just it's just such a weird film but i think it will connect with mainstream audiences if it ever got a, a major theatrical release no it's not that kind of film it's like it comes at night it's like lobster that i mentioned a little bit before but i think the fans of the genre are really, really going to fucking connect to this movie because it's just so different and so beautiful, so awesome. Um, you know, this is the second time I've given this rating this year, but I give Sacred Killing of a Deer or The Killing of a Sacred Deer. I can't even fucking say the pronunciation of the title, right? Because I'm so jacked up. A 10 out of 10. If you guys get a chance to check it out, it is so fucking amazingly goddamn good. It's beyond, let me, beyond the way I could talk about it. Let me it. ask you a question. How did you get that review out? Because your mouth was full of a lot of cock right there. I loved it, man. You it's were so sucking that good. one off. It's big so time. good. It is so <clears throat> fucking good. So you, you don't so know good. for sure that it won't come out on VOD before the end of the year. That's still a month and and some change away. You know yeah. what I mean? So it is possible. But Jeremy alluded to it where we said he couldn't have it on his list. Uh, because of our criteria of wide releases only. Uh, so 2016, 2017, excuse me, wide releases only. And 238 theaters, we do not consider a wide release. Um, A24, fucking crushing, crushing it, dude. Mm-hmm. They They really take risks on some really absolutely fantastic films. And, you know, I, I, I really wish that uh, we see some more of these movies come out from them and they continue to thrive because they've released Black Coat's Daughter, It Comes at Night, this film, just so many fantastic fucking movies. And, you know, uh, I just wish that more people start to give their hard-earned dollars for these kind of movies because... Uh, triple uh, right there. Yeah, dude. Seriously, I see, I see like, everything that they do. <laughs> seriously, bro. Sure. A24 has released pretty much nothing... But amazing films. They released The Witch. Black Coat's Daughter was out. Green, Green Room. You know, they've released all these fucking just Yeah, bo- both of awesome those films made, made my top ten last year. So, I think both know, of them made my top five. Well, well, The Witch was my number one. You guys and get the, the chance. Support A24. Let them keep making movies. They have a Best Picture Oscar, so hopefully that means that, uh, you know, we start to see some more films come out from them. But 
if you guys get a chance before it leaves theaters and it's around you, go check out The Killing of the Sacred Deer. You know I don't give 10 out of 10s out often. I think this one deserves it. It's a really great film, so check it out. Hmm. Well, hopefully it hits VOD or something. Yeah, if not, I mean, hey, we have a great head start into 2018, right? So, um, yeah, okay. Uh, my last film here here is uh, another Patreon pick, and I'm actually going to uh, call this a pick of the week. Um, you guys are probably surprised, but it is The Greasy Strangler from 2016. Dude, what? Uh, this is a movie that made a made a few. Did it make your list, Moods, last year? Uh, it was on my top thirty list, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Um, I seen it make a few lists last year. I avoided it for the most part, just because um, I seen a trailer for it when I were bullshit I artist. At, yeah. <laughs> uh, wh- whenever I was at Phantasm Five, I believe they showed a trailer for it. They actually played this in the theater. Um, near me, the Greasy Strangler last year, and, and I didn't go see it. I wish I would have, though, because it, it was... Okay, let me get into it. Uh, follows a, <laughs> a father and son uh, who have a very, very bizarre relationship. Uh, and the son begins dating this very weird girl. Uh, the father doesn't like it. Uh, the father s- kind of seduces her and he, it turns out the father's also a serial killer but he's not just any serial killer he is the greasy strangler <laughs> which is a guy who covers himself in grease and and literally just chokes people to death strangles them uh so the movie itself like i think a lot of people would think i wouldn't like this movie because of the over the topness of it um, but I think that one of the strongest points about this movie is it's like extremely well acted. Um, the the actors who play the father and son like just kill it with their uh, awkward sense of character. You know, they they're just very awkward and very um, very weird. Man, they're just two weird dudes, and they just come off so, like. I, I I'm kind of liking it to another film that I talked about this year called Bag Boy Lover Boy that same sort of like quirkiness going on in that film, except for this one's obviously more of a comedy. Um, there was one scene that I absolutely hated, felt like it didn't belong in the, the movie at all. And that's, uh, at one point he hits somebody and their face like sucks in and looks like a cartoon. I just felt like that did not belong. Like it, for the most part, the movie is, you know, serious, uh, not serious as in the situations, but like, it's in the realm of reality, right? Like it's it's not a cartoon. It's, it's not, not full blown comic book. Yeah, and I was just like, that was a very odd yeah. decision. You know what I mean? To to kind of do that cartoony type scene. But besides that, I thought I thought that the the humor was just great in this one. It was it was really really just awkward and funny. Uh, there's the the um. They're the both characters really are naked a lot of the time, so they're like they're just dick and balls are hanging out but it's not like a normal looking dick it's like a like a red rocket like dog looking penis <laughs> <laughs> um so it's very obviously a prosthetic um but it looks it's so funny looking and uh <laughs> the, the, the i was wondering why the hell everybody kept saying bullshit artist finally understood it that annoyed me a lot last year um but oh, i good to know that it was working with you yeah because <laughs> i kept using uh, it all i like moves on greasy strangler <laughs> do, you, do you know do you know how 
Do you know how like when you're not in on the joke, it just yeah. is annoying. Yeah. It was kind of like that, but well, I knew that I you weren't. Had, so I just kept doing it. I knew it was working. <laughs> I think had I actually seen the movie, I probably would have participated a little bit because the oh, bullshit so artist funny. thing is really funny because it's, it's done like subtly at first. It's like, it, it's like bullshit. You're a bullshit artist. And it's like, just like, it, yeah. it's just the lingo that they use with each other. Um, and then they kind of play it up later in the movie. Uh, I, I think one of the best scenes is the opening um, when the when the when the dude's like <laughs> it reminded me of my friend because my friend used to put butter in his coffee like literally butter in his what? coffee and the the greasy strangler dude the dad he's like he's like Why? you know this could have used some grease and, and he's like what that's gross and he's like grease is bad for you and he's like he's like no no i'm just saying why didn't anybody ever try to put grease in their coffee and i'm just like what the hell <laughs> and, and he's like he's like i bet you think i'm the greasy strangler and he's like i didn't say that and he's like <laughs> and it's just like funny because like he says that like two or three times in the movie where yeah. like he just says something completely off topic and then the, he's like I bet you think I'm the greasy strangler now, don't you? <laughs> it's like, uh, no. <laughs> um, really, like, I thought that, that that was really, really, really funny with that part. You know, the whole greasy strangler thing. Um, this movie was produced by uh, Spectre Vision, I believe, which is Elijah Wood's company. It's like him and like two other guys. Um, they produce movies and and they've made some cool stuff. They made like cooties and this film. What was the other ones I said that they made? Um, do you think it's a, do you think it's a coincidence that Elijah Wood, you know, produced this and he you know he was kind of in on it and stuff? And you see a lot of cock in the film. Wood. Why is Elijah Wood gay? No, just Wood and cock, just kind of relatable. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Uh, but, I mean, there's really no need to be showing blatant shots of like, big huge cocks, but it's. It's my comedy, man. Yeah, but it's b- big, huge, fake cocks. Dude, but it's funny. so. Fu- I, usually, I get annoyed when when films repeat the same scenes over and over again. Like when the greasy strangler is getting cleaned off at the car wash all the time. Like every fucking twenty minutes. For some reason, I thought that was really funny. Dude, I loved those. Scenes. Like, <laughs> I generally get annoyed by stuff like that, but that was just killing me every time, dude. It was so yeah, funny the way they were it doing it. It doesn't seem like that would be up my alley because that <clears> is almost <throat> like the point of cartoony a little bit. But it was just something funny about it. And then at the end, it's or, just the you know, approach because it seems season. like it's serious. When he's like, "Yeah, he's always in here." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it just goes through the. <laughs> the whole scene of him getting cleaned off shit man i love that so funny. It, it's uh, it's really kind of a gross movie too like he the guy like mm. loves grease on all of his shit and he's like it needs to be more greasy his hot dogs like it's just it's just a <laughs> weird concept really it's it's like a movie that like you could tell like just filmmakers like kind of sat down and was like oh let's make something off the wall and, and ridiculous and funny and and they just kept like throwing you know ideas back and forth like how these characters would be and stuff like that so uh specter vision uh a little bit of an underrated uh company here we have toad road from 2012 cooties a girl walks home alone at night open windows the boy and the grizzly strangler so uh some pretty cool movies that they're producing it's hit and miss for me the boy was okay i like the boy girl walks home alone at night that was fucking fantastic i love that that movie that was great and the so, Greasy Strangler was good, too. Greasy Strangler, so, yeah. Um, and I think you like Toad Road, right? Toad Road was okay. It, I didn't care for it the first time I saw it. It took me a second watch, to be honest. Yeah, I heard Elijah Wood on a podcast. Well, the whole Spectre Vision crew. Uh, and uh, 
like turns out they're really like uh, at least they're they seem like really big horror fans so that's pretty cool well those type uh, of movies i mean it's showing a wide range and it is showing that they're yeah it's like let's the, make something different this time you know yeah. like a girl walks home alone at night like that movie is just visually amazing like it's it's a great great movie very different from the greasy strangler um but yeah, I, yeah. greasy strangler was a lot of fun um like they both wear these like pink outfits during their uh disco tour that they do and it literally makes no like they don't mention why they wear them it doesn't make any sense but they just wear them and it's funny like i i i really actually enjoyed crazy strangler surprised as it might be coming in at a 7.5 out of 10 would not have made my list in 2016 uh or was that 2015 i can't even remember 2016 right last year yeah last year so it wouldn't have made my list but um it would have probably made like my top 25 or something did you not do an extended list last year i didn't i just never got around to it but yeah i I was wondering yeah i couldn't remember if you did or not yeah it was yeah i'm you know honestly man i'm in shock i'm in shock that you actually like the greasy strangler because i thought for sure that type of comedy it's essentially exactly what you hate about comedy it's like you know dick and fart jokes essentially but I agree about the acting. It's, it's done so good, man. It feels the movie feels like really intelligent, and I think that's why I like it. It's I like see a lot of like Napoleon Dynamite in those type of characters. You yeah, know, it's like Napoleon Dynamite on crack a little bit, just so out in left field, but with that really bizarre approach to comedy. You know, just kind of yeah, honest I, and I, strange. I, it's like you know, it's like they're trying to be serious, but anybody watching them is like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I love that man. It's great. Yeah, like the characters are always serious throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah, but from our point of view, it's like you're kind of scratching your head, going, "What the fuck, man?" I love that. That's great. Um, yeah, man. So moving along here, uh, pick of the week. We're gonna do another pick of the week here, man. Um, this one is apparently from 2016, so it says here on IMDb, and it is called "Better Watch Out." Like I said, I was in the Christmas mood. So I did a little bit of the elf, which, you know, was fantastic and some better watch out. Um, Mm. you know what, man, this movie right here is a really fucking hard movie to review. (laughs) I know, right? It's like the killing of the sacred deer. It's so fucking hard to talk about. Yeah. That's why I didn't really talk about it because it's like, it's so hard to like, I think it's a film that deserves a main review because it's like it's so hard to talk about. This this movie moods I watched like I gave like a three line synopsis and didn't even reveal anything, uh, anything at all. And it was like it was a hard review to do, but I, I think I pulled it off. I, I know, man. This one right here is definitely one of those films that you just you can't you don't want to ruin it for people, right? Because essentially, what the the setup is, we've got. Um, you know, like a 12-year-old boy, he's uh, been left home for the night. Uh, he's got a babysitter there. And what happens is there's, you know, someone trying to break in. It essentially tries to become a home invasion film. And uh, so all this is happening, and then we get a basic... Well, we get a twist about 30 minutes into the film. And I'll leave it at that. It's, like, impossible to talk about <laughs> without going too far. Um so my thoughts on this film here, first up, man, this one has an honest to God, great Christmas feel to it. It totally feels 100% like a Christmas film. So if you're looking for a Christmas type horror film, 
Uh, this one is definitely going to be for you, for you. The aesthetic is beautiful. It looks awesome. It just it sounds awesome and everything. Um, so the first 30 minutes of this movie are quite interesting because it kind of plays itself out like a generic home invasion type film. Then a twist happens. So there's a lot of really quirky things that are happening in the you know in the in the first thirty minutes and stuff, and you're kind of scratching your head, going, "Man, this is not the greatest." Like I right away because I didn't really know much about going into this film, and I'm kind of scratching my head, going, "Man, this is you know that doesn't make any sense." Like the cell phone all of a sudden ends up in this fucking open fish tank. Who the hell has an open fish tank? That's ridiculous. And so I'm kind of going. I had like, an open fish tank. <clears throat> Really? It, that was like a really big... It just seems like you get so damn dirty in there. But anyways, like certain things like that are happening and stuff. And you're getting the... You know, you're getting the idea that this boy is in love with his babysitter and stuff. And, and it's just kind of playing out all strange. He's, you know, he kind of comes out and he's drinking. And he's trying to act all cool and shit like that. And it's this really oddball setup to the film. They're being home invaded. And then it just kind of switches tones. It completely switches tones. Uh, what sells this movie for me is, honest to God, the acting. I thought... The the boys in this film did an excellent job of acting. I thought it was fantastically executed. There is some moments in the second half of the film that are a little bit un- unbelievable. I think you got to kind of stretch your imagination a little bit when you're watching this one. I don't know if you felt like that, JP, when you're watching this, but I think like some of the scenarios and things I think that they probably maybe could have got out of or could have played out a lot differently. I think you have to suspend your belief a little bit because we are dealing with young kids in the situation too. Mm-hmm. But all in all though, man, I think the actual narrative, the actual story to this was pretty cool. It was, it was thought up. It was creative. Uh, the very end of the movie, in my opinion, doesn't work that much. Um, but just, it's just one, just one part of the end of the scene. I can't give it away, obviously, but I think that's one thing that I've, I had a little bit of a gripe with because I was like, that's just, no. Um, I understand what they were trying to do with it, but ultimately it doesn't technically work. Um, but all in all, man, this is a really good film. I actually really enjoy this. It shocked me. And this is the best thing about going into these films where you don't know much about them is when shit like this happens. You're like, oh, goddamn. That went from one thing to another, and I really enjoyed it. So um, I don't really know what else to say about this one, man. You know? Some of the kills, pretty cool. <laughs> There's some pretty, I would say, pretty decent comedic elements to this, too. They never really mm-hmm. tried to take it over the top, which I really enjoyed. And that's what I'm ta- going back to the acting in this one, too. I think they, they did a really good job, especially the lead character in this film, which I'm, his name is escaping me right now. Um, what is his name? I have not idea. I can't remember the lead <clears throat> character's name. The, the main boy that's being... Mm-hmm. babysat but i think that he his execution is acting which is fantastic man he has this kind of appeal to him that you're not 100 percent sure like he's he comes off as being a little bit older at times but he's not mm-hmm. there's still that innocence to him so i i thought it was awesome i thought it was really really well executed there's a funny ass home alone line in there too that actually cracked me up quite a bit um mm-hmm. but uh you know and that that scene in particular i wish they actually had shown something a little bit more you know, it just it would have been so awesome if they had of. But uh, all in all, I enjoyed this one, man. If you like home invasion films, if you like Christmas films, gotta check this one out, man. I'm gonna come in about an eight out of ten on this one. Thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. I I absolutely love that one, man. I I I really didn't have any problems with it. I would be curious to see what you mention off air about one of the things you didn't like at the end or whatever. But yeah, um, 
Yeah, I, you know, I'm glad you didn't spoil it because I think this movie what the best thing about it was like the surprises in it for me mm-hmm. um and i agree the acting is phenomenal and it, it really really is and the director actually this is the movie that that adam green thinks that i pirated um which <laughs> i had a screener copy for it uh, but the director actually thanked me for not spoiling the movie in my review which i thought was super cool yeah um you know because obviously he cares about that um and I think that I think this is one of the best Christmas movies I've seen in a very long time. Um, I don't know what's came out recently, but I think I like it better than Krampus. Um, and I guess the other one was Christmas Horror Story that was really highly regarded. Um, but yeah, this is probably my favorite in years. Uh, I, just, I love the vibe to it. It just it's just great. I, I just really truly love this movie. Um, it's definitely a contender for my top ten of the year. Yeah, there's there's some really interesting ideas in this one. There, there really is, but again, you just can't. It's uh, also very ballsy. Like it, it, it doesn't play. It doesn't hold back at all, in my opinion. Like in terms of like the subject matter. I mean, because you're dealing with adolescence. Well, that's and that and that's what I liked about it because there's this weird kind of contrast between this character and and him being a little bit older at times, but then there is times where he totally is this. It's kind of like it's kind of like watching South Park at times. You know, when you're watching the South Park kids and they have this, like, they have all these adult knowledge and you're like, oh, wow. And then, but there's other things that they're just so naive to, right? And, mm-hmm. the, and they're showing their age, like they're 10 years old kind of thing, right? And I was getting that type of feel while I was watching this at times. But that's a good thing, though, because I, I you thought need to that show this that. movie was <clears throat> like a better version of The Babysitter, both very similar in plot, except yes. for a little bit different. Um, <clears throat> And this one, not as comedic. This is more of the horror film version of The Babysitter. This is, yeah, it's definitely, it, you know, it's dubbed on IMDb as a, as a comedy horror thriller. Now, mm-hmm. I think there's definitely more horror here than there is comedy. There's comedic uh, moments. kind of moments in the film. And, but it's not, like, over the top at all. It's not like those comedic moments where you're like, oh, my God, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And laugh out loud shit. It's, it's subtle. You know, it's more about situational stuff a line here and there and stuff, but it's, it's played pretty straightforward. So don't let the comedy Too- horror element kind of disturb you. If you're not into comedies and these type of things, but it's more horror than it is comedy for sure. It's executed really well, really well. Two films that, uh, stuck with me like a lot and got, cause like where I came in at on this one, uh, in another film, like I think I might be higher now, uh, after thinking about them for a while, because, uh, this movie and the other film is mother. Uh, I think that I enjoyed the more that I thought about them and both films I like look forward to rewatching, um, which now I can't normally, wait to see mother again. Yeah. Yeah. So like some of the films on my list right now, like I don't feel like I want to see them again, maybe it because it was so fun, but like, um, you know, uh, so, 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 so most of the films that I've seen that are, that are list worthy, uh, are probably one and done. Um, except for these two and, and maybe it, um, you know, but who knows if they'll make my list, you know, uh, yeah. it's very competitive towards this, you know, lower end. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably going to rewatch this one again too. I had, a, I just had a lot of fun with it. It was just one of those films. I just, yeah, maybe I'll watch a little bit at Christmas time. So yeah, man, I mean, you might actually like this one, Jeremy. <laughs> I like a lot of stuff. <laughs> I think you'll awesome. love it. Yeah, I, I think you'll I think you'll dig it too. It's cool. It's cool. But the less you know about it, going yeah. into it is probably the more you're gonna like it, man. So, <clears throat> Twelve Go USA, right? 
wow yep. go. It is. It is. And you know, I generally wouldn't never even attempt to review a film like this if I had a known, but I've been so strapped for time. And this was one of the films that I watched because sometimes I do that. I'll watch films specifically to review on the show. And I'm like, eh, I don't really feel like reviewing that because I don't really have a whole lot to say about it. <laughs> but I was so strapped for time. I was like, I have to do this one now. I'm like, shit, what am I going to say about it? So it was kind of those weird moments that I had this week, but, uh, you know, which I actually completely forgot, JP, that you'd actually, you reviewed that on here, didn't you? No, it was on the 31 days. Oh, it was on, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. Well, that is going to conclude what we watched. Yeah. With men, Lisa played both ends against the middle, sometimes with wild results. <laughs> Starring John Mills as Intertel Inspector Bulock, engaged in a death struggle against a worldwide narcotics ring. European film favorite Robert Hoffman as Max, hired killer, hooked on Lisa, but ordered by her inspector. You surely know what kind of wife you've got. <laughs> Glamorous Luciana Paluzzi, reaching screen stardom as Lisa, using her beauty like a weapon to entice and destroy. Oh, yeah. Get into the featured reviews here on episode 122, courtesy of our boy Sam. Requested Edwards. Sam Edwards, who requested a director spotlight of Massimano Dalamano, and it fit in perfect for Italian whore month here, week three. So that's what we're doing. Massimano Dalamano, um, who actually started his career as a cinematographer. You know, he worked on uh, Fistful, of, Fistful of Dollars. I mean, the notable films, anyways. Fistful of Dollars in a. Uh, for a few more dollars more, which is really cool, you know, mm -hmm. um, because, you know, these guys are hired on these films because they know how to shoot films. It's always cool when these DPs and shit like that turn into directors because ultimately, you know, you're probably going to get a really well shot film, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, but unfortunately, you know, he had his life cut short, man. Massimo Dalamano directed... You know, had a really good. Not too of many, right? Yeah, man. He, you know, he did, was a DP. He was a cinematographer for a lot of years before he became a director. Something like twenty years before, or something like that. And he directed his first film, uh, which is this one. I think this is his first full length, or maybe it's the second full length. But nineteen sixty eight, which is a black feel for Lisa, which is the first film up on our director spotlight. Um, yeah, so he'd been you know DPing for about twenty years prior to that, so. Uh, mm -hmm. So he started directing films late 60s, 67, 68. And in 1976, after he directed Colt 38 Special Squad, uh, he was actually unfortunately killed in a car accident. So he only ended up, you know, really doing about eight or nine films. But most of his films are really good. So yeah. it's kind of a shame that he didn't get to, you know, kind of move into the 80s and see what he would have done with, you know, with 80s films and stuff. Because, I mean, let's face it, a lot of Italian cinema at that time, it kind of... You know, it, it got it didn't it wasn't their best work in the eighties. Let's put it that way, especially in these type of films. So, a black veal for Lisa from nineteen sixty eight. Synopsis: When a possessive narcotics detective strongly suspects that his young beautiful wife is cheating on him, he hires a professional hitman to bump her off. 
all the while trying to solve a string of strange murders. Not a horror film. I guess that's kind of close, I guess. So, yes, that's what this film follows. Inspector Franz Bouillon. Uh, he is a narcotics inspector. He's actually trying to bring down in a, car- a narcotics ring. And, um, and you know, of course, there's murders that are happening. So he's investigating that. But at the exact same time, he's like having family. He's, ha- <laughs> well, he's having he's having issues, you know, with his wife. He's super paranoid that, you know, she's been cheating on him and stuff. And it's affecting his work, essentially, is what it's doing. Um so and he's not 100% sure if she is or not and it's yeah it's affecting his everyday life and stuff like that and that's kind of the setup to the film right there so not a horror film no look Jeremy you could have had a sixth film on your top 10 of 1968 oh yeah I could have yeah and, 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 and you know what man this one this one definitely probably would have made my top 10 also too if I just saw it before but unfortunately I'd never see this is the first time watch for me yeah, considering my film started at a six point five, yeah, it's yeah. possible that this one. Yeah, me too. It. Yeah, sixty eight definitely had the lowest entries into the top ten. I think of any top ten Fuck list you. we've ever done. So yeah, but it also had two ten out of tens for, yeah, for I, us. Very unusual. Very unusual. But um, yeah, so I mean, this film right here, yeah, like Jeremy said, is definitely not a horror film. This one, I would probably dub more of of a no film war. noir like i guess at this time it would even be classified as as, as a neo, neo film noir because by 1968 obviously film noirs had been long gone uh mm-hmm. so that's essentially what it is yeah i mean we've got the inspective the detective portion of the show we've got the femme fatale in this one being the wife and stuff and uh this one is very driven it's very detective driven um you know, and that's essentially what we get in this one. I mean, there's a lot. It's not of, that interesting compared to the other. There's two, not. I have to say there's that. not a lot. I, of, I thought it got most interesting whenever the like, hitman is pretty much caught because he leaves behind a piece of evidence, and then it's like instead of booking him, the detective does something else, and I was yeah. like, oh, okay. I was that's so kind of confused when I was watching this movie for okay. the first like forty minutes. Okay, of I was going to ask you about that, Jeremy. You, I remember you saying that you were confused by some. What were you so confused yeah. about? Because this one's very, very straightforward. Were you getting confused? Like, I didn't know like what was happening. Like, yeah, I didn't well, get that was, at all. Like, what was going on? No, this like, one's super straightforward. I, I mean, it's yeah. really you know about this detective trying to solve this case, these murders and stuff. And you know, just on the flip side, it's just he's having these kind of visions, and he's just very paranoid about his wife. I don't really, yeah, but like, what were you like, confused I, about? Though I, I, I figured it out after a while. Yeah, I, I think that the most horror aspect of this film is the opening scene where we see a murder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But so after that murder, um, what is that? Like you were confused about like, I just think like, I was thinking I was like confused, like what character was, which, and I think, so you, so the deep red syndrome. Yeah. And every other movie. And <laughs> but what do you, but what do you mean? Which yeah, characters? Pretty which, much. <laughs> but which characters? Dude, which, like this one doesn't. Sometimes even really that happens, man. With these with these movies, man, it happens to me a lot too. It didn't happen in this one, no. But like I, the, this era of filmmaking just had a different sort of. They all look the same. I don't know who's who. That they just they just I totally get what he's coming coming at with that. Like like just take a film that you just talked about. Like better watch out. Like. Each of those characters are completely unique. You can't confuse any of them with anybody. But like everybody's just like a mid thirties to forties male or a mid thirties to forties female. 
Um, so you know, it's easier and, to identify younger characters than it is kind of middle-aged people. No, but, but they all look the same. They, they all don't really have, have anything same... that makes them different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, don't, they, I didn't get that at all in this one. I mean, because there's not really a whole lot of characters. I mean, this one really is more or yeah. less a character study of our detective, really. I mean, like it's I said, following I, him I, the I, entire time. I put it together after a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The one, the one oddball thing about this film is uh, when when I was watching it, it actually kind of made me laugh. When we first get introduced to his wife, she mm-hmm. is so young compared to him. Like it almost feels like she is. She's she hot. Could, she, yeah, she is hot. She could be the daughter <laughs> of him. Like it, she's so young, it seems like she could be the daughter of the inspector. That that also that type of stuff is I, like common in these movies where it is it is definitely yeah. where it, it, which makes you and they have a weird thing where they don't identify who is who like how they're related to this person like are they friends with them are they uh neighbors with them are they is it his wife is it his daughter and i'm not just talking about, i'm not talking about this movie because i wasn't really confused in this movie i'm just leading to the fact that a lot of movies from this era especially italian movies uh well, don't do the greatest job of letting you know like in relation to who is this person it's very common it's very common in this era and especially in italian films where they don't spend a lot of time on on character development even giving characters names like they'll put these characters into situations and stuff and i think maybe you, that's why i was at confused too. Point, like i couldn't like put a name of like who was doing what yeah at least yeah. at the beginning but then as you as you go with these characters more you start to mm-hmm. or like even stupid. even the hitman um like it's not directly saying like oh he's a hitman you know you kind of have to piece it together and you eventually see enough evidence to be like oh that's what he's doing this for pay you know yeah. he's like doing this yeah, to- and uh, wh- why do does he kill them and then like drop his gloves and hat i don't know i don't know why does the other dude stick the blade up to ladies fadges oh that's explained i know but i, I mean there, there's an actual reason for that yeah, yeah leaving, his, leaving his gloves and stuff like that. I mean, that's it's like you know, it, you know, like a lot of mobsters, they'll shoot somebody and leave the fucking weapon there. I don't know. It's just one of those things. Maybe it's a calling card. I don't know. It's not explained in this. Yeah, but in this film, there's no reason he's not a serial killer who, like Jigsaw, who leaves his calling card. Uh, he is somebody who doesn't want any. Well, there's been real life or... assassins that that do shit like that, though. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. I mean, I'm assuming that's probably maybe what they were kind of getting at, because there's really no other reason to. I do I mean, it. to be fair, there were less genetic testing back then. Like, I was thinking like, the same uh, thing. There's fingerprints, no hair, stuff <laughs> like that. To yeah, yeah. where, like, now you leave a piece of fucking you get like, knuckle hair, man. Pew, you you're, leave one pube behind, and all of a sudden you're a rapist. Jeez. Your, your yeah. DNA is all in those gloves. So you would never leave gloves at the scene of a crime nowadays. Because there's yeah, dead skin in there, it's like yeah, it's just back in those days they busted. didn't have the technology to yeah, so it made a little bit more sense, but yeah, <laughs> so um, but yeah, man. The only thing that I could think is that he wanted to uh, change his look, you know, didn't want to have the hat on because maybe somebody saw him earlier with a hat or something, so yeah. which we're not actually shown really him afterwards. Like he he kind of does it. Like, I mean, if they showed him walking away and kind of going through crowds and stuff. It, you know, to change his appearance like that for a reason. But we don't get to really see that though. So I, I you just have to assume maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't know really why he's doing it, but, um, but yeah, man, th- this movie is very, in my opinion, and, and JP, it's, it's pretty straightforward, you know, with the narrative. It's in kind this of one. boring. I, I don't really find it that 
boring. I think it's really well acted. It's got a very basic narrative to it, though. I mean, it's literally this guy just trying to capture his killer. And once he does... That's um, when it becomes unbasic, in my opinion, is when they throw that twist that, it is, that it, uh, he's so pissed off about it. And I think that also is a good reason to cast a younger looking woman because with an older guy you would have the suspicion that she would be running around on you you know what i mean so i think that that was a good thing to sort of cast a younger yeah they do hint to the fact that you know she is you know one of those housewives and she's obviously bored you know so Mm -hmm. maybe she's doing yeah so it's kind of in his head too right which makes complete sense but um, but yeah, I have to say though, the, the twist is kind of interesting in this. I mean, we don't have to give, I say not spoil these films okay? because really, if you're going to spoil these films for people, then uh, Good I, luck. it's just like, why? <laughs> right. Because it's got it. Like these movies definitely don't. You need, need to spoil. watch them. If you spoil them, then there's no point in watching. That's kind of the thing, right? It's, it's, these are the type of movies you don't pop in every single day type thing. So. Mm-hmm. If you're spoiling the twist and shit, it's like, well, kind of ruins it for people. It's a little more interesting I, if you don't know what's going on. But uh, I, I think it's a, a good movie. I just don't think that it is like Jeremy. Like, it's a little boring. It's a little um, dry. You know, it's not really a horror film. So there's not like no. kills or, or, you know, scares or, or blood and too much blood or violence in it. So it's like in terms of a horror film, it's, you know, super tame. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's well made. I think it's really well acted. I think it's well made. I mean, I think the narrative is very cohesive and it's there. I think the whole point of this movie is, you know, it's the whole twist. That's really what kind of sells this film, you know, like it or not. I mean, that's really kind of what the first two thirds of this film is leading up to. And that's kind of the big selling point to this one. It's kind of like that. How do they dub it on the cases? Like, you know, it's kind of like vertigo to like diabolic kind of thing, right? So there's two characters that begin to have an affair and, um, I guess fall in love, kind of. But like, I, I didn't really shagging. Yeah, it kind of adds yeah. to the. It kind of adds to the mysterious. I just think that he wants her pussy. That's it. Yeah, but what about her? I think he just wants. She just wants his dick because she doesn't want her husband's. Doesn't mean that they like in a relationship. Yeah, I don't she's, know. She's that's a lonely the housewife that's just looking for something else. Yeah, you know that's the way it kind of comes across. And because there's this there's this very odd scene in the in the beginning of the third <laughs> act where she's talking to her husband on the phone, and he's like, "Well, <laughs> he's like, don't uh, don't answer the door." He said, "Did anybody stop by?" And she's like, "Nah." <laughs> <laughs> no 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 even before that he like tells her he's like hey whatever you do don't answer the door if someone comes and then the fucking someone comes to the door. it's like right in the same edit too right mm-hmm. and then she goes to the door and or someone's at the door and then she answers it and then she like lets him in <laughs> right? it's like the weirdest thing too i thought that was kind of strange but that, and, then, yeah, yeah. and then she goes on to lie about oh did anyone stop by he's like no no i'm here alone blah 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 and stuff and then then you get to you know you kind of get that feeling oh well she is kind of a slut because i think the moments leading up to that is like is he going crazy house when he's when she's on the phone with him when she's on the phone with her husband the guy's already in the house yeah i know yeah that's the second half of but i meant before that he calls her and he says don't answer the door and then in that same edit 
she the door rings and then she answers the fucking door it's like simultaneously in the film it's really bizarre how they did it which then, which doesn't make a ton of sense for her like no. you would think if your husband who's a detective tells you like hey don't answer the door for anybody that that might be like uh i know i thought the same thing i was like what the fuck and then she answers the door i'm like this makes no sense but that's kind of showing her character like she's kind of looking for something because Mm -hmm. the killer or the assassin even says he's like you know i could be i'm not really a salesman i could be a murderer you know i could be this and that and she's like okay you know it's just like whatever just totally showing her true colors type right there and um but yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, there's not really a lot more to say about the film, to be honest. But yeah, I don't have much. <laughs> without you know giving away the, the end of the film and stuff. But it definitely has its uh, art direction, though. I mean, you can tell that he can shoot a damn film pretty well, and uh, and at least cast it properly. It's all there. Mm-hmm. Is it one of the better neo film noirs? No, I'd probably say not. Not it's, up there with Chinatown and Blood Simple and all oh, the good ones. Blood Simple is like amazing. I think this yeah, one's a little so bit good. too basic. I wish they had have kind of went a little bit further, you know, with once we get into the third act in, the, in this one. I think mm-hmm. I, I wish they had just gone just a little bit deeper into it and stuff. But I don't know. I, I just felt like it was just so basic. You know, there wasn't just a, there wasn't a whole lot of substance in this one. I wish they had of kind of you know even got maybe a little bit more into the the psyche of our inspector too. Yeah, and there is one moment in this film towards the end where I was actually kind of shocked that that it happened like that, but involving our inspector and the assassin. But yeah, me too. I was t- completely. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> but all in all, you know, I mean, the movie's not really full of a lot of twists and turns. It's not that much excitement going on. We never did get mm. to see the hot wife naked. I know I wanted to. I wanted to see if she had a muff or not. Oh, dude, 1968, you wanted to see if the fucking carpet matched the drapes. Yeah. Dude, if, <laughs> Damn if, they, if, if they are shaven in 1968, I would be pretty blown away. Anyway. <laughs> that would be crazy, man. We know she wouldn't have a common. <laughs> I don't picture her having a brown bush, though. I don't honestly she does look like a natural redhead. I was looking at her eyebrows and they were red. So who knows? Maybe she's Ember. <laughs> Ratings. <laughs> uh, six and a half out of ten. I'll go first because okay. so I can't be accused of being in the middle. <laughs> That's really in your head now, isn't it? Hell yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I was actually gonna go first and you just blurted blur- blurted it out, so um yeah, man. I mean, Black Veal for Lisa, it's uh, it's very straightforward. It's I wouldn't go as far to say it's boring. It's not that exciting, though. But it's still a really well-made film. I know that just sounds very generic to say something like that, but it's true. It's very, it's very well done. I think the narrative's there and stuff. I just wanted a little bit more in the third act, a little bit more excitement and stuff, I think would have really helped out this the cause in this one. But I'm right there, too. I also rated it 6.5 out of 10, so... All right, uh, I I like this one quite a bit. Um, I thought it was a good movie. It wasn't the most entertaining. I, I really don't have a ton of problems with it, other than it's just not that good. Like you know, it's not amazing. It's not great. Uh, it's good though. Um, I'm right with you guys. Six and a half out of ten. Nice. Hi, can't be in the middle. Fuck you. You're in the middle of us. I was first. Doesn't matter. So moods is actually in the middle of us. 
who gets the mouth and who gets the butthole. <laughs> That's awfully gay. <laughs> yeah. That's gross. That's disgusting. <laughs> Who is Solange? What happened to her? Nothing! What have you done to Solange? So, moving into the 70s, 1972 to be exact, uh, with a film called What Have You Done to Solange? Yeah. Um, Awesome. This one got a really, really good release from Arrow Video, man. You guys don't have mm-hmm. that. You got to check it out, man. Transfers, fucking beautiful in this one. I watched it on Arrow. Yeah, me too. Did you? Okay, JP, did you watch which version? Did you watch the English or the Italian? Italian. Version? <laughs> That's so funny. You know this movie was actually done in English, right? <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> I asked you guys. <laughs> I I uh, I I just kind of has Camille Keaton in it. They should have gave it away right there. Well, it's funny because she actually doesn't even have any lines in this movie. Yeah, she doesn't say one word. But now this I movie, I don't even know who she was in this movie. So I was like, she's Solange, she's bro. Actually, she's actually Solange. Oh, for fucking real? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, they actually they shot this movie in in English and they dubbed it, of course, in English. But nobody even could tell because everything matched up so well in this one. <laughs> the foreign audiences but yeah they actually did shoot this in english so which does make sense because it was shot in um i think the, in london right so you know to use english actors and stuff or to use the language i should say makes a little bit of sense but um yeah i don't really want to read that huge synopsis because they're giving like everything away but essentially what we got here man uh our lead character played by Fabio Testi, which I've always liked, man. Fabio Testi's great and everything. Um, beginning of the film, he's kind of getting it on, I guess, a little bit with one of his students. He plays a hundred Yeah, he plays a yep. he plays a teacher at an all girls. She's school. hot too. Yeah, he plays a teacher at an all girls <laughs> school, and he's out there kind of essentially cheating on his wife. Uh, and so they're out in this boat in the water, and the girl that he's cheating with ends up kind of seeing something. Uh, which turns out to be a murder. So, you know, he gets kind of interested in, in what the hell is going on and, uh, which leads to more murders of girls that are from his class and things like that. So it's, you know, it just basically follows Fabio Tessi an investigative angle of the film, trying to figure out what the hell is going on with all these murders. And of course his character Enrico is, you know, kind of prime, prime suspect, number, suspect, prime <laughs> suspect, because you know he kind of withheld some information a little bit and stuff, and he's been at the scene of the crimes and things yeah. like that. But when really the reason he's withholding the information is because he was with a student, not his wife. Yeah. So he, <clears throat> you know, doesn't want to say anything because he doesn't want that public, obviously. Yeah. Um. So well, another interesting. And, what's up? It, well, one of the biggest reasons too, it's not just that he was cheating on his wife. His wife actually is a teacher at the school, also. So that yeah. could really come, you know, complicate things, you know. Yeah, quite drastic. Uh, this movie one fucking the, rules. One of the interesting things about this movie is our protagonist is an adulterous pedophile. <laughs> so, <Pretty much>. so <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it is he interesting. Is. <laughs> so what? So is, is this 
boarding school, is it for high school kids or is it for post high school? Do I they, thought it was for high. Like, do they like, ever say that? High school? Because I I remember when I first watched this movie, and I remember thinking after, I'm like, did they ever say if it's high school or not? Because wouldn't it be college then if it was post high school? Well, that's what I'm thinking. Like, I I just I'm not 100 percent sure how it works over there. I mean, I you have these type of schools. I always thought it was high school. Because I don't the, know. The reason why I thought it was is just because it's never duly noted in the film that Fabio Tessi's character Enrico is. It seems to be very accepted. Like when people find out that he was with this girl, no one's like, dude, she's under fucking age and she's one of your students. But, you know, in a college setting, they're obviously of age. It's still a frowned upon. Well, it, obviously, teachers can't, they can't, you know, do things with their students and stuff. They can't fornicate with their students because it's a conflict of interest, really, right? I brought this up again. She's underage. But we still see those titties. Is it well, wrong? That the actress being but underage. But she's still underage. Yeah. I mean, all the, well, I, the all the actors are definitely over 18 in this, oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, look at so, Camille Keaton, man. I think she was 24, 25, and she's playing whatever age. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, my, my reasoning, like, okay, we noted that the director is not against doing this because in the next film, I think they're like 15. Uh, in in well, uh, which they, I believe they say they duly note it's an underage prostitution ring. Yeah, so I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if these characters are supposed to be, um, like, like, cause it, there's nothing there that seems to be like off to college type of, like, it seems very like you know, it, high, like it like does boarding seem like school, like high school, like, um, it almost you know, seems like the same type of setting as phenomena. Like that type of all girls boarding school type thing. Yeah. Right. It kind of seems like that. But like at the same time, I'm just not even 100% sure because they don't, they never note. And I mean, this is 1972. I mean, if you're putting this on screen where, you know, you have a, a teacher doing some shit with an underage kid, I mean, don't you think somebody would say something? There would be one piece of well, dialogue I in mean, there. It's like, dude, that's so fucking not. It, it cool, also man. depends on the time and and where the film's set. Like, because in Pennsylvania, um, I believe that it is legal to have sex with uh, somebody sixteen or seventeen when you're uh, above eighteen. Um, I believe. I'm not one hundred percent sure on that, but my friend uh, had to take a class on this because he's a counselor. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's a hundred percent illegal to do when you're a teacher. It's like way more illegal than just regular period, just because you have power and influence over somebody. Um, same thing with a doctor or, you know, a counselor or anything like that, which is why he had to take this class. Um, but he told me that it's legal to have sex with somebody 16 or 17 in Pennsylvania. Um, so I don't know if it is like that in well, England, I'm sure in the seventies, <laughs> definitely not in England. <laughs> I mean, they did, no, <laughs> very conservative yeah. people over there. I'm pretty sure it wasn't, but I just thought we thought it was interesting. It was never really noted, you know. Anyway, what a great fucking movie. I don't know. Yeah, man, this one, it gets right into it. Like this, this movie has an am- amazing pace to it, considering it's like yeah. 106 minutes long. I mean, right I from the know. right from the opening scene, man, we got, like I said, Fabio Testo and testing this girl and then it just like gets right so into according the to one second according to the google uh england and wales the age of consent to any form of sexual activity for both women and men is 16 okay so given the fact that the okay say these girls are 16 how come it's never noted in the film that 
to a point where he might be losing his job because of he's a teacher. It's come out. <laughs> like it's still there's still kind of oddball things like that. I mean, let's face it. Even if it is legal, it's still heavily frowned upon. Uh, yeah. To be fornicating <laughs> with a student, man, it's big time shit. You don't do that, man. It's just not good. But yeah, that's probably <clears throat> one of the biggest crutches of this film is the fact that he's not arrested right there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly my point. Um, but yeah, man, th- this movie is one of those giallos that just fucking flies by. It has one of the most amazing paces. The narrative is just in- insane in this film. Like there's absolutely, it feels like there's no downtime in this one whatsoever. I mean, we get right into the police investigation right away and we're kind of dealing, we're, you know, dealing with Fabio Testi's character, which obviously he's kind of caught in the middle of things and, you know, and now he's prime suspect number one and he's got this whole aspect with his wife and shit. So that's going, and then more girls end up getting dead and it just, one it just, thing it that just goes, man. Killed. Getting one dead. thing that uh, I, I wanted to ask is, uh, maybe you guys could clear this up a little bit, but, um, and this always happens when I watch subtitled movies is sometimes I feel like I'll be paying attention to the visuals and then miss a, a couple lines of dialogue here and there. Uh, so it never surprises me when I just didn't catch anything, but is there a reason why these girls start dying who are friends yet? And there's this missing girl named Solange that we don't find out about until later into the film. Okay. Um, yeah. okay what are you, you would, what what are you asking like why they why they didn't bring it up earlier if there's a already a missing girl um who are friends no, with this it's because like the police and stuff well because they didn't really well i mean the whole Solange case was they didn't realize it was even connected to this but it's also trying yeah, to but i'm saying they're friends with the girls who are dying off she was friends with the girls that are dying off but how do they know this is connected to Solange? because they're Cole friends there? Yeah, I know. It's they like were... if, if if me if you know we lived around each other and Jeremy is missing and then I died, wouldn't that be around the same you know period of time? Wouldn't that kind of? But Solange didn't die though. I know, but she's missing, is what I'm saying. Yeah, well, she she, she wasn't is really she missing. She was, but she was all. It's also part of the the narrative to protect the one of the characters identities uh-huh. until a reveal right yeah, yeah. that's that's kind of what it is without saying mm-hmm. too much more but that that's really what it is what it is about because the whole investigation leads up to Solange and she kind of is the the catalyst of where the where you know she ends up leading them to Mm-hmm. What, yeah what's what, really going on what's yeah. really going on so and, and that's kind of the, the whole thing it, it just felt weird that her character wasn't even brought up until like the final act you know what i, I, I mean? think it's because they were really trying to go through all the characters all these girls and they were trying to find the missing link which was solange right which ultimately yeah which would, was the missing girl which is yeah. where, where you think you might start with that so all these characters you know you got to kind of go through i mean you got to remember and, and from the, the guy should have you know i I don't know like it just felt like it was a a kind of a weird like it felt like a twist for twist's sake like a reveal for reveal's sake i don't think so at all because they actually say that you know solange has been she was they were friends with her last year and stuff and you know she'd been kind of pulled out or whatever 
And they do explain a little bit that, you know, they weren't friends with her this year. So the investigative part of it was dealing with her present friends, right? So they kind of forgot about this. And while they did their present investigation with all these friends, which ultimately led to this name Solange, which is kind of a funny scene in itself where (laughs) they go to that, that houseboat and that's where you learn about Solange's name. Like that's mm-hmm. it's it's with kind the of black dude. Yeah, with the the photographer doing his like yeah. kind of underworld type black market. I don't know artsy what the fuck. It's weird. It's so strange. I don't even know how to explain that scene, but well, I think it's like artsy fartsy college student yeah. photography. Uh, you know what was also kind of a little um odd is the opening scene with the the student and the teacher on the boat where she like I, I feel like this is problematic a little bit. Uh, she sees the girl running away from the killer. Mm-hmm. Like the way it's shot, it, there's no point of view that it's just like you're basically just told that she can see her. But like the the angle when they get onto the shore doesn't look like that would have been possible. Um, and as well as why why was this girl not screaming? Well, because she. The reason why she's not screaming is because she admits she wasn't sure what she shot, what she saw. No, like, no, no. The girl that's being chased. Oh, the girl that's being chased. Um, yeah, I and mean, then that's a, that's a plausible point. Yeah, because even even if she wasn't screaming when the killer was chasing her, because she didn't think anybody was around or something, which I I don't buy. But just just for argument's sake, when you get stabbed in the vagina, I'm I'm pretty sure that it'd be impossible not to scream. Well, especially they. I mean. They could have worked this out where, you know, the killer could have put one hand on her mouth and then stabbed her with the other in a pussy. But they <laughs> but they don't actually show that. But yeah, you bring up a good point. Like why is her voice not being heard? Because then that would actually play into the narrative where the girl from the boat would have been like, I did see a murder. Yeah, it, it's convenient. Yeah. That the yeah. guy doesn't see or hear her, but by not having like, her scream, it shows it, it gives us this kind of element of did she see a murder or not? Even though yeah. we did, we we ultimately know there was one, but she wasn't sure what she saw. So yeah, and and also like why when they get up on the beach, if they go, like I don't know why they wouldn't see any evidence of a murder because it happens within, like you know they hear that you know she sees the knife and then she flips out and then he just starts rowing in. It's like a minute, you know what I mean? So like I don't know how that guy would have, and then but they found a body, so it's like. Why was the if she could see them if she could see the murder happening yeah. then why wouldn't the body be there when they rolled up onto the beach you know what I mean it was there they didn't see it did nope. they no nope. no yeah no because Fab the reason why Fabio or how Fabio Testi's character finds out about the murder that he was told about from the girl he was, was the radio with was the radio. And they yeah. even they even question him. They're like, "This is how he becomes prime suspect number one." Is because they're like, "Okay, dude, uh, you managed to find the fucking murder spot, and you know, in these backwoods area where you yeah. know, the average person would <laughs> probably take you a heard lot somebody longer." Somebody was murdered on the radio. You yeah. know what I mean? Because yeah, and I'm glad that they noted that too because you know it makes him a suspect. It's like, dude, how did you fucking know where this was right away, man? So, it could have so, been anywhere. The, there's definitely some editing problems in. They they don't explain why they can't find the body, you know. Yeah, the, for the, sure. The, for sure. 
the if he, especially if he went right back to the same location and then there's the body. It's because they it don't makes, show them makes, come. They they really don't show them getting off the boat, kind of thing, right? I mean, did they? But they do. They walk up a little bit and then they're in the. No, opening. no, no. I meant, I meant like, like, you know, like in retrospect to the like on the shore. Like it doesn't show them coming straight back. Like I mean, the line of vision that we see where she's on the boat to where the murder happened. I find that it would be. I don't know. It man. seems it like they seems... got off way down. It seems like they got down or got back on a shore down a bit and just kind of bypassed it. That's the way I always saw it happen. I'm just saying where she's at. Plus, it was and dumb. how far they are out. If and she's laying down, in order for her to see a, a murder happening or a woman running or an or an, the reflection of a knife, it has to be relatively close distance to where you are. Mm-hmm. So if you're walking up onto the shore yeah. and into the, you know, leaving there, it should still be in visual distance. Did she really see it, though, or did she just see it in her mind? It's, well, fuck, that makes the whole different movie then. No, 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 <laughs> no. She, I mean, she saw something. I mean, it's noted that she saw something. But I mean, yeah. there are hints that it could be esp or telekinetic or something because she has dreams too mm-hmm. but who really knows <laughs> yeah i mean they don't really that's, what, that's the way i saw it they don't take of. it too too far i mean i guess it's co- shot cons- weird considering it's not shot how it would be shot today in terms of like there would be an angle from See, the all, boat all they had to do in that scene because we get that point of view of the characters where she's seeing this supposed murder happening um, if they had just shown them coming up on the shore and bypassing, it would have made it a whole would have made a lot more sense. But yeah, if you have it, like never a point shows... of view camera shot with like a toe popping up out of the yes. grass or something and see them off in the distance, that I mean, hell, that would have been a really good shot anyway. Yeah, I should be a filmmaker, but it would make um, more sense and... because if they showed, even if you had them, if you had a shot of them walking up, you know, say thirty or forty yards away because they got up on the shore, you know, down the the lake a little bit and you have a shot where you can see the body over here and then walk in bypass you know it would have made the whole scene make a lot more sense but yeah completely i mean if i mean but i mean as humans though mm-hmm. if you were with somebody and they said hey man i just saw something out there wouldn't you have the curiosity to go and check it out anyways uh absolutely i would be like i hope it's a dead body especially because she says i might have just saw somebody get killed on maybe not in those words but she's yeah. hinting at the fact that well, somebody she's like i seen his, i seen the knife i seen yeah. the knife i'd be like oh shit so even if you got <laughs> off 40 yards down the water you probably still would have made your way back you know to mm-hmm. check it out and like hey man you know we might have just witnessed something so yeah there definitely is a problem there for sure yeah and then and then we uh, one thing that I did like, though, is that girl was, like, kind of innocent. You know, she wasn't part of that clique. She wasn't part of the Solange thing. Um, but she's still murdered anyway. And it's basically just because she might know something. Yep. Yep. She was, you know, she was not really friends yet, not really associated. But, yeah, just the fact that she knew something. But, I mean, it kind of made sense, right? I mean, uh, okay. any killer that's um, trying to cover thing. up tracks or, or hmm. trying to you know, get rid of anybody that knows some shit would probably do that. That does make sense. Let, let me ask you guys this. Is there evidence? Cause I, cause once I found out who the killer was, like I had trouble placing him in the film beforehand. Um, is there a way that that guy would have known that she known something? Um, probably because well, I mean, shit, dude, I don't even know if it's even disclosed that, 
he knows about the relationship with people in that room was yeah, he in that room with with fabio testi no i don't think so so he wouldn't have been able to know that she knew this I'm trying to think i don't think so hmm but he, so the only the only thing is that he would know the only link is is that he knew all the people that his daughter yeah but she wasn't one of them mm-hmm. i know I'm, she was just but she was associated but i'm if somehow that he knew of enrico and her affiliation with him because you know they were kind of cheating together yeah but they were also doing that secretively yeah nobody else knew <laughs> but i mean it did come out a little bit i mean it was yeah but it came out to the people in that room if he was not in that room there would be no way for him to know yeah true that yeah true that it's a good point it's a really good point yeah so um i think that but i mean i always thought that it was just i was bringing up questions yeah because they specifically say that you know she she wasn't friends with those girls she and we know we know that she wasn't there um when we see the 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 flashback scene yeah yeah um so it like watching it i was i had all these questions that i was like man i hope i'm not missing shit um but but i just i always put i the way i saw it and i never really looked at it like that you know but i just thought that it was more of an affiliate kill (laughs) because he knew something like she was with with enrico and like you know, he had heard that you know she may have saw something. But fucking I mean, names! I can't put the names to the fucking face. Enrico's Fabio Tessi, the teacher. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm just—I yeah, always I thought as her as like uh, just she was a victim by circumstance because she she technically knew something. But yeah, I mean, you do bring up a good point though. I can't place any information directly to the killer and how he would know it, considering she was not friends with the other ones. So. And wasn't there during it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, cause she and was she was friends. only killed because she knew something about the Solange. first murder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not even Salon. She didn't know anything. Yeah. About yeah. Solange. yeah. Um, so yeah. that becomes problematic if that character is never shown the ability to know that information. Um, if there's a listener who has seen this movie, probably Derek, uh, a bunch of times <laughs> or something, uh, let me know if I'm off base here because that could affect my rating. Slightly. Yeah, all, really these, slightly. all these minor details. That's crazy because I always just I always looked at it like an affiliated thing, like not even putting. That's interesting, but but yeah, um, that's worth noting. That's that's a really good point. Stabbing but, people in the vagina is pretty brutal. How about that? I have yeah, that's to, a new one, I especially have, for 72. But you know what? Yeah. I, I really like it. Oh, that, and he doesn't stab her in the vagina either. So You know mm. what I really like about this, though? Is that Massimano Dallamano didn't use the knife in the pussy as shock value. It was actually playing into the full reveal of the film. Mm-hmm. It wasn't solely shock value. It doesn't hurt. It's no, it's, it's definitely, it's <laughs> definitely it, but it makes it makes it makes, it makes perfect sense. sense. Yes, but it, he didn't right. just do it as a sleaze factor. He actually tied it in to the full narrative, and I think that is yeah. really it shows that like he was really you know they were thinking about this yeah. <laughs> you know because like it was shocked about. And I mean, honestly, dude, if you were a parent and you went to the hospital and you saw an X-ray of your murdered Ooh, daughter dude, i can't believe they did that scene i was and, like are you out of your goddamn this doctor that's, needs the, fired that's right the scene that's the scene of the film the x-ray 
it shows you know what this everyone knows giant what an X-ray is. Jason Voorhees machete sword up this right up pussy right up her snatch. Was he what do, doctor? Was she raped? Yes, well, in sorts she was in sorts. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what the? But like, could you just like, imagine? He's like, try, that he's like, he he walks in there. He's like, try to be strong. It's <laughs> like, seems, are you out of seems, your goddamn mind? You that fucking heavy son of a bitch, fuck. <laughs> dude. I know that's a heavy ass scene, bro. Listen, yeah. any doctors out there, do not do that. Don't Please. tell people that their patients don't don't even not only don't tell them, surely don't fucking show them. <laughs> the, the only thing worse would be like, oh, come down to the morgue with me, sir. I got something to show you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. But yeah, that was pretty powerful. Like, that's good stuff. I still haven't been able to piece together if JP liked this movie or not. Yeah. Um, did you like it? I did. Yeah, I definitely it seems like, like it. all you were doing was I talking think, about minor details. Well, I had questions, like, and I was hoping you guys could answer them because not they were questions that I well uh, <laughs> you know you, sometimes you know shit that like deep red you wear on point um but uh yeah so um besides that you know I, I think that this movie uh shot really well the the flashback scene in black and white is a really nice touch I like that mm-hmm. um you know good 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 overall story makes sense besides you know obviously some questions that I had but like the grand scheme of things um motive stuff like that makes sense mm-hmm. and honestly like it the Solange character is pretty pretty mess pretty sad <laughs> it is yeah, sad dude. and I, th- I, th- I love how this movie has a lot of that heart too you know it takes this really kind of savage situation and it's one of those things too like in the reveal you're like what the fuck damn like what is like really because i mean we're dealing with like catholic schoolgirls here right you know and like uh-huh. the whole blunt of I things see this, it's like, just so disturbing I see, like the like the reveal of it like i see like this is like a common theme in italian films huh what happens with solange like that shit happens a lot in these movies yeah i mean it, it the reveal also you know what i'm talking it, about yeah yeah it, it packs a lot yeah. of, it packs a lot of punch though too because like, we're dealing like that, with like this Catholics. isn't the first time that we've seen that happen in a movie this month already you know yeah i know right um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. But, you know, it, it packs a lot of punch, though, too, with the full, the, you know, when they disclose what's going on in this film. Because being it, dealing with Catholic schoolgirls and, you know, that we know in Catholic religion, there's one thing that's very frowned upon. So it even if you put that into the narrative, too, and it's Sex. Like, not only that, but so, the, that major word that people don't yeah. like to say. But like, I mean, yeah. that's w- when you throw that into there, it's like, wow, dude, like this shit was really yeah. going. That's really crazy. And high profile so, type of stuff. I mean, this is shit that you got to remember. This is 1970, 1972. We're dealing with here, too. It's a sensitive subject. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he's he's dealing with very taboo shit here in a very taboo way. I mean, <laughs> showed a knife in a chick's pussy, dude. It's fucked up in a girl's pussy. Like in a young girl's pussy, obviously in a girl's pussy. So, I have a question, um, and I don't know because I'm not Catholic. I doubt Jeremy would know, but I don't know what you are, Mids. But if in confessional, if a priest hears you say something like "I molest children" or something like that, like are they allowed to say anything? If it's uh, breaking the law, yes, they are supposed to. Oh, like I mean, if, oh, if, shit. If, if you confess, if you confess to a priest, like. I murdered my wife. 
they actually I stab knives and girls pussy. Yeah, you're actually supposed because to. When I, you're when supposed I looked, to confide that to the police. You're not supposed anything I, personal and stuff. You're not supposed to say anything. But like when it's when it's dealing with the law, like you can't just. You're kind of breaking the law well, yourself by not saying anything, right? My, so, my thing is, I read online, and obviously, if I read it online, that means it must be true. But um, <laughs> that 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 God's law overpowers human law so that um there's a word in latin that basically is what you're considered if you break the the seal um that they have the like the the confessional seal or whatever that it basically i forget what it said it meant but there's not a direct english translation but it it essentially means like that you're you're kind of like shitty to god um so i don't know i I had conflicting results in my google searching um just out of curiosity if uh priests specifically in catholicism are allowed to disclose information to the police um i've seen a lot of no's jason um, I, uh, well, I, I think it, I think it depends what they're dealing with. Like I said, they're not allowed to do anything personal. As far as I'm under the impression, if it's some, if you're withholding information that's you know affecting like you know the law, you know, hence yeah. you know murder and things like that. I think they're they're obligated to say something because it is essentially by law. I mean, if you know some shit, you're kind of hindering the law yourself, and you could also be charged for it too. So I think at that level. I think you're supposed to, and that's what I've always been on the impression that they're supposed to. Yeah. And that's the only time. So any, anything personal you can't, I mean, if someone came to a priest and said, Hey man, you know, let me fill me in on some of that gossip. You can't do it. They can't say shit. <laughs> but I mean, like I said though, you know, if, if somebody comes to a priest and said, I killed my wife, <laughs> I think the priest is going to say something to a, to the police. So, but yeah, Solange, you guys have anything else on it? Um, no. So it says right here, under Roman Catholic law, it's forbidden for a priest to disclose information under any circumstance uh, intained, obtained in the form of religious confession. If a priest breaks uh, what's called the sacred seal of confession, he will uh, be subject to excommunication from the church. Uh, priests and that's under uh, ABC News. Priests kept secret of murderer. <laughs> so I guess if you stick a knife up a person's pussy and tell us a priest, you're in the clear. <laughs> I guess See, I, know I don't know. I don't know about streets. that, man. I really, I really don't know about that. Maybe, maybe in Italy at the time. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? I, I'm not by any means an expert in religion. Yeah. Um, but uh, ratings. Uh, who goes first moods all right um yeah man solange i mean my rating probably is not going to change on this uh the the stuff that we talked about that you know the minor flaws i guess you would say um i don't think that's even a point uh, a half point worth of yeah rating change no yeah but i've always you know i never really thought about the the connection with uh i can't remember her name the girl yeah, that the girl in the boat. I'm trying. I slip on my name. Anyways, her death and how we, you know, the killer finds out and stuff like that. But uh, I always just, like I said before, I always played it off like she was a victim of circumstance, really. Um, so, but the whole beginning scene and stuff, I have thought about 
before. But all the other specs of this film, I think, are just fantastic, man. I think this is one of the most beautifully paced giallos. Like, there's really no damn downtime in this. All the characters are interesting, even as much as you don't even like his wife. You know, she's still a decent character. I mean, <laughs> even there's even lines of dialogue in this film that actually kind of make me laugh about her, too. But, but plays into the narrative quite nicely, too. Uh, I think it's just a very disturbing film on all levels. And I'm glad that someone like Dalamano had the balls to do a film like this because, let's face it, at the times here, this stuff was very taboo. And I think it really worked on screen. Um, you know, I, as much as I love sleazy giallos and shit, this one being one of the more classy ones, I think did it pretty much flawless. A, and I'm still a classy s- giallo still has a heavy dose of sleaze. <laughs> it does, man. I mean, there is scenes obviously in the, you know, Can I miss it. In the Why scenes. dad knew what happened to Solange. Like, how did he know to stick knives up girls pussies unless he saw his daughter's pussy? Because, um, he faked being a priest so that gotcha. they would confess okay. to him. Yeah yeah, 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 no, no, there's that's explained. For sure. I was about to say, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I no, missed. No, 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 that's there. That's there. Um, yeah. Well, spoiler but, alert, guys, we I, went this whole thing. I'm still, I know, I know. I was really trying <laughs> it to was, say, It literally just l- revealed the whole end. <laughs> maybe people are listening. That's all right. But anyways, I'm going to stick with my rating. I'm going to go with nine and a half out of ten. I think it's just. Which wasn't your rating, by the way. Well, Derek said it was. He said yeah, he went back and listened. Yeah, we fact checked it earlier today. It actually was nine. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever. So you're coming up a half a point, even despite all the but things I, that I put I, out. I enjoyed the shit out of this man, but Me you know, too. honestly, but one of my gripes was actually the opening scene in this film. Before, I didn't think about. I mean, honestly, the other point doesn't really. It doesn't. It's not that bad. I mean, I've seen a lot it's, worse. I mean, it's a pretty crucial moment in the movie. It, it is, really is. If you say so. it, it, I mean, it is. I, I don't think there's. I, I think there's so much going on in this film, but to be pretty much a hundred percent on everything else is pretty amazing. It really is to keep that type of pace up with this much characters, this much development, um, and have good kills, everything, music, Marconi. I mean, shit, dude, this is a great film. Nine and a half. All right, so um, I. I was <clears throat> kind of close to Moods' original rating. Um, it had a few issues. Uh, I still think it's a great movie. Um, it just had it definitely with with some of those plot details being a little convenient. Um, I have to take points off for it. Uh, but I, I thought that the I loved the like outcome of the movie. Like it's it le- it leaves you like feeling sad, but it's also you like makes total sense like why the motives you know mm-hmm. so i was i was completely you down can say with it now that i ruined it. yeah i guess so right you know <laughs> um but yeah uh coming in in 8.5 out of 10 on this one let me see so i had a blast with this movie you know i had a, i had a really great time i think that uh like mood said it's paced really well i wasn't bored at all compared to the last one and i think that the, the narrative is something at least I haven't seen Italian-wise since I've been back. So, you know, it, it was at least fresh and enjoyable. So I came in with a, let's see what I have, a 9.5 out of 10 as well. All right. 9 out of 10. Is that what you're... Nine, he said 9.5. Oh, I thought you said 9. Okay, 9.5. All right. 
I thought he was going to come in the middle. I think he changed it <laughs> just so he didn't come in the middle. Well, actually, I had him as a 10, and then I changed it to nine and a half. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so, so that means it so just, it just did, missed the whole thing. Come in the mi- um, no. Would it of? No, if he had it came in with a 10, that would have been 28. Um, so 10, 19 and a half, yeah. 28. 28 yes. and a half. It, it would actually came, if he had it came in with his yeah, original rating at 10 with my nine yeah, and a half and your eight and a half, it would have made the Hall of Fame. Because I actually thought it was going to with your eight and a half. I was like, okay, I know what he gave it. Because <laughs> he, he already disclosed <laughs> that information and he dropped his rating, which actually bumped it out of the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I think that's fair. I, I mean, I don't feel like this is a Hall of Fame caliber movie. I think there's other stronger movies that we talked about that didn't make it. So um, it's up there, though. It's right on the cusp. All right. So moving two years oh, later. Oh, they're going to destroy me on that one, bro. How can you give it a 9.5 when you don't say anything about it? Uh, fucking, so- <laughs> fucking dicks. He's in there changing his uh, letterbox right now. <laughs> Sylvia didn't hang herself at all. She was killed. You know his name? No. I can't believe he killed her. They look so happy together. It's a disgrace, Inspector. Lovers, drugs, double life. She was only a child. All right, to 1974 with the sequel, I guess. What have they done to your daughters? There's um, three of them, isn't there? No. What in the th- it says uh, the third one is while it's not a I read what it it's says. Not a film. Uh, the massacre, right? It's written by him, though, isn't it? I don't know. There's don't another think- movie named Massacre. I don't think I've seen it. Uh, I'll read you what it says. It says, uh, What Have You Done to Solange is the first entry in a loosely linked series of films called the Schoolgirls in Peril Trilogy, a series (laughs) of films based on the sexual exploits of young girls and their reactions to the adults. By 1974, audiences began to grow tired of the giallo genre and began having interest in other European genres such as the urban cop thriller that was influenced by American films such as Dirty Harry and the French Connection. Delamano's next film in the Schoolgirls in Peril trilogy was What Have They Done to Your Daughters, a film with similar themes to What Have You Done to Solange. The final part of the series was Red Rings of Fears, which is Massacre, I think it was renamed to. It was released on August 19th, 1978. He was Delamano intended to direct. Cr- Thanks, JP. If you would have just let me finish what I was fucking saying, I would get to that. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it. Crazy. Fucking dickhead. Delamano was credited as a screenwriter on the film and was intended to direct, but he died before the film began production. Fuck you, JP. Hmm. That would have been a cool one to cover along with these, but it wouldn't have made sense because he didn't direct it. But Director director Nicholas Wing Rin announced in 2016 that he was seeking a director and screenwriter for a remake of What Have You Done to Soul Launch. The film was produced by his production company along with producer Luciano. Yeah, I remember actually hmm. hearing a little blurb about that. That's pretty cool. Interesting. All right, so synopsis here. Police investigate 
an apparent suicide of a teenage girl and uncover details of a teenage prostitution racket. They go on the hunt for the motorcycle riding killer. <laughs> that sounds so random. So then it just turns into nail gun massacre. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but um, it's like uh, we just watched a movie with a motorcycle riding killer. Yep, we did massacre. <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh yeah, was it massacre? Or was it Boy, strip, strip nude for your killer? It was strip nude. Yes, it was strip nude. All these fucking movies blend together. God yeah. damn it. It was true. Uh, it so, was. <clears throat> Fuck, I'm tired. Jesus Christ. Th- this one, like, straight up opens with a naked-ass 14-year-old girl hanging from the ceiling. And a parent <laughs> 14-year-old girl. Yeah, she's probably not. Well, but, I mean, in the movie, they, yeah. I believe they say 14, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, they do. The actress she's is got, definitely She's got muff, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> of course, it's 1974. Like, yeah, but she's 14, bro. Yeah, well. The uh, 14-year-old girls have Well, this. I mean, dude, you started... I don't. I don't know how much you know about females. Probably not much, <laughs> but uh, typically, typically like twelve, thirteen, uh, sometimes eleven, or ten, off. they yeah. uh, start their period, in which they also grow pubic hair right around that time. So yeah, full blown muff. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Oh yeah, fourteen. Oh, so. for sure. Many fourteen-year-old girls that I were with had full blown. <laughs> I guess JP was with girls who were fourteen. I. When wow, he was I mean, 14. I was 14 once too, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, this one starts out with literally a girl hanging in a in a building or in a room, and uh, at first they they assume it's a suicide, but very quickly after they figure out it's uh, yeah, it's a murder. Autopsy, it's a murder. I believe they ask was she raped, and they're like, there was traces of semen in her vagina and <laughs> in, in her cavities. stomach. Yes, they in her stomach, stomach and and anus. And I'm like, holy shit, this is a 14 year old we're talking about. Damn it. Yep. <laughs> and Molly pulls no punches. It actually revealed that she was pregnant too. I think. Oh yeah, and that, yeah. and I'm like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> All right, I'm down. Movie, let's roll. Got I usually mouth, got in her ass got in her poom tang got i'm a huge fan of not holding back with uh (laughs) with with any type of thing period you know so cool (laughs) stuff uh what a what a depressing movie like when you really think about it like that shit's fucked up bro especially for 1974 like holy fucking shit balls yeah dude oh this is a 74 yep yeah good year good year for horror yeah man 74 is really awesome um yeah so this one you know has definitely not the same type of pacing as solange i think this one's a little bit slower in its approach which is actually kind of odd too you think it'd be a little bit tighter considering it's about 20 minutes shorter than solange uh, but this one really heavily focuses on the police investigative side of it. Like it's pretty much all police in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it, but it, it kind of feels like it's more of a, like a crime thriller, you know, uh, which kind of falls into that. Uh, I don't, I'm not even, it's, you know, it's a giallo, but it, it also feels more or less like an action thriller. Uh, part of the, um, I, I hate saying the word because I always pronounce it wrong, but the the Pliciet show the Pliciet show I don't know how to pronounce but it's actually like a subgenre that was started about this time 
um, going back to where people were starting to get a little bit tired of just straight up giallos, they incorporated like an action element to this, hence the chase, the car chases and stuff. And it became, I hate that shit. (laughs) It became a whole subgenre. It was kind of combining the giallo element of police investigative with, yeah. Which one of uh, Argento's films has one of those? Is it Cat of Nine Tales? I don't fucking remember. I think so. Uh, so long a, a ago. Car chase. Ah, oh, man. I, 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 Maniac Cop has a long ass car chase, too. Well, Maniac Cop 2 is much better. There's a guy on fire the whole time. But the car chase but, scene in this movie is fucking badass. It's totally it takes awesome. forever. It's awesome. Fucking, it's awesome. I mean, bro. but when you're doing that shit for real, though, man, it's, it's exciting to see these guys like on these motorbikes ripping just, around through the streets and they're fucking ripping, dude. It's crazy. <laughs> it's like insane, man. It's no know. different than did you like the boat chase scene in Amsterdam? Yeah, see that's awesome, man. See, I incorporate awesome. those type of scenes. That shit's but, awesome. But I like it though that Dalamano didn't just do like a straight up giallo. He kind of he took that extra, you know, he took that different route and and combined the subgenres and which was kind of popular at the time. They they talk about this stuff. It was overtaking the 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 box office in Italy at the time. So why not do this, right? Um, I like it though. You know, I, I don't think I wanted to see the same film again. You know, this one's a little bit no. different, but um, with that aspect. But, you know, I mean, I honestly wish there was more of the the action sequences in this film. I know you don't, but what about you, Jeremy? Because you get that one ass, you get you get the one long scene in the film. You get that one ass. Yeah, but what else more action would you have besides, I don't know, maybe a long foot chase or another car chase scene? I mean... I mean, he I is, he, but he is the motorcycle killer. I mean, he's on a bike. <laughs> I mm-hmm. guess you could have more of that, right? I mean, it would be different if he wasn't. Well, we see it a little bit at the end. A little. He's fucking a, locked in. A little bit, but yeah. yeah. I guess I could. But do you really need another one on top of the already long one? I don't know. It would be kind of cool, but um, what are your guys' thoughts on this film? I, I think that this one, yeah, like I said, it focuses so heavily on the investigator. And like procedure that's the thing about this film it's like very procedural you know with the approach of the investigation and stuff and there's a lot of characters in this one i think there's a little bit of plot holes also in this one i fucking died laughing when that cop got his hand cut off <laughs> it's like it's so out of right field like he's just standing there and he's like shabam tenebrae style that's actually one of the cool that's one of the cool scenes in the film to be honest <laughs> i love that yeah man he's like reaching you for the get... light switch and he just gets his fucking hand lopped off it's like it's fucked up but i like that i like that you know the killer in this film which obviously i don't know if it had been done a whole lot before this but it was definitely mimicked quite a bit after this you know this type of look and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. but when you really get down to the nitty gritty, this one, I mean, this is a really nasty, nasty, dirty fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I liked most about it. I just like the subject matter. It's this goddamn teenage prostitution. Yeah. Ring, that's being know, that. I'm just like, I'm like, yeah, let's fucking girls, do it. And the girls really <clears> have nothing to do. Well, they have a say, but they don't have a say, you know? Well, they were forced into it. And that that's yeah. the thing about this film that's really nasty and dirty is that these girls didn't really know what they're getting into. They were more or less just kind of forced. They just wanted into- some extra money. And yeah, they, they were forced into it. And it's like this whole ring. But, you know, I love how this movie just has so much social commentary that's relevant to, to, to today. You know, because oh, yeah, especially be, today, <laughs> you know, well, especially now, like even the last yeah. few weeks, how relevant this really is, because <laughs> they disclose this man once they figure out what's going on. And the cop is like, man, we got to do something about this. And, you know, the chief of police is like, 
you know what, man, we can't really bring all these people down. It's going to affect some things. And it's, it's that type of corruption. It's dealing with fucking corruption. You're like, man, like, okay, we know the shit's going on, but you can't bring down everybody because there's more to it than that. It's like Hollywood all over again today. It's mm-hmm. fucking nasty. <laughs> the end of this movie is so brutal. That's a good point. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to see this, man. They go through this whole investigative. They figure out who is doing all this, you know, oh, this child. Oh, I almost blew. I prostitution. almost gave it away. Yeah, they, they, they go through and they figure out this shit. And then he tries to, okay, we need to bring these people down. They're like, no. It's so heartbreaking, man. It's fucking brutal. It's heartbreaking. And I think this one packs a serious punch. I don't think it's as good as Solange, though. I think there's, you know, it, it has minor flaws and stuff in this one. But um, it was called the co-ed murders in the United States. The, the co-ed murders? That's... And it came out in 1980. Mm-hmm. Played on 42nd Street. So I do have a question. And I, I think this is, yeah, this is like the second time I've watched this film. Um, the scene where they find the tape and the money that was given to the girl in the hospital. Mm. Why in the shit did she ha- happen to hide that stuff up there? In the air vent? Why didn't she give it to the cops? Are you saying? Pretty much. Like or, why? Like how does it? Why didn't she up- be afraid that they were going to kill her if she told the cops? But she's. I mean, she's already fearing for her life, anyways. Yeah, but if she would have said it, then that would have really fucked her up. Possibly, but also, I mean, I mean if you look, why at don't it, you go to the cops at any point? Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, the cops are supposed <clears throat> to protect you. I mean, you can look at it like that, Jeremy. But on the, on the flip side, it's like they're supposed to be helping. But if she but they has couldn't this, fucking protect the fucking chief of whatever that broad. But when you take your chances, though, it just seems odd that she would go through that. I mean, they don't even really show it too, like how mm-hmm. she has this in the first place and mm. I, so I always thought that was kind of an oddball scene where they're like oh she points up there and like okay and then then they, it kind of gets the ball rolling in the film because you get to hear all mm-hmm. these voices and it kind of it really does move along the narrative um, but I always thought that scene was so strange it's such an oddball scene I don't think it was executed very well it kind of leaves you going how the fuck did that happen mm-hmm. but, yes I, I, I guess I could see it I didn't really think about it, to be honest. Right. I just thought that she was afraid that they were going to fuck her up. Well, of course. I mean, you're always going to be, once you figure out, you know, exactly these are bad people and stuff. But, I mean, she's young, dude. I mean, I can see why she wouldn't go to the police. But at the same time, I can also see why she would. <laughs> right? She hid the stuff. I mean, she knew what she was doing. I, I don't uh-huh. know. It, it's it's very strange. I, I just thought that wasn't fr- flushed out very well. In the film, and that was one of my main problems I when I that I had with the film originally when I watched it. But so I can see that though. Mm-hmm. JP, what are your thoughts on this one? Mm, uh, <clears throat> I re- I really liked it from uh, what I remember about it. Honestly, like I was talking to Jeremy this morning. These two like, blend together. I was like, like I was like, I was like, man, I was like, wait, what? Who was the killer in that one? And, um, well, we don't really, like, there really yeah. isn't a killer in this one. To be yeah. Honest. Well, okay. <clears throat> okay. So this is actually, I'm glad you guys brought that up. <clears throat> this is the other gripe I had with this movie. It's so strange that they never disclose why the killer is taking out these people or these these girls Uh it's never shown in the film 
Yeah. But wouldn't the, you assume that they're, the motive. they're afraid they're going to squeal? Well, I mean, yeah, but you need to show that, though. The, the, you need to show the kids that are potentially going to go to the police, but it, which is never shown. See, now, the way I look at this film, and I thought about this after the first time I watched it, was by the end of the film, I was like, okay, I get this. They under, they figure out who's doing this ring, but why is this person taking out these people? It could have been, and you could assume it's because now they want to cover up their tracks. Okay, but you need to show that. We're assuming this. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way I looked at it was, if the killer had never killed that girl in the first place, in the you know the, the girl that we see in the beginning of the film, there never would have been a police investigation. They had no leads into an underground, underage prostitute ring. There, there was no leads into this. So basically, by him killing this girl in the beginning of the film, set the ball rolling for them to get busted. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's a pretty big plot hole that I didn't really consider, honestly. <laughs> Dude, I know. And like, it, I'm rewatching it. I was hoping to find something I missed the first time. But it's not there. There's no fucking motives. And I'm like, oh, my God, dude, this is a major overlook on this movie. Yeah. It's kind of sad, man. I was, like, trying to find some info. And I'm like, nope, it's definitely a major plot hole. So that kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. So it, so it kind of makes, like, the outcome of the film go, okay, man, we got this uh, this motorcycle killer, but. Who is he? <laughs> why the fuck is he doing it? It didn't make sense. Yeah. It's kind of unfortunate, actually, because the movie itself packs a lot of, you know, it packs a lot a of A wallop. Packs a lot of wallop. It does, man. It really does. Dealing with that type of subject matter, underage, you know, prostitution and corruption. And a film like this, like I said, has so much relevance to today. Anybody can watch this. <laughs> if you can look, if you can overlook the so plot holes and stuff in this one, it's really, you know, it's an essential viewing, really. It's a good film on that yeah. level, but it does have those plot holes and, you know, which is kind mm. of unfortunate. But... All in all, I still really enjoyed the shit out of this one watching it again. It's just, it, it honestly makes me feel a little bit dirty watching it. I won't lie. Because yeah. you're dealing with girls that are underage and I don't know, man. It's just, it, it shows how fucking disgusting this world is. Especially in 1974. <laughs> yep. It's really fucking it's disgusting. Like a crazy filming for that year. Dude, there's a really powerful scene in this film when the girl's telling the police about um, what had happened to her with you know at the doctor's office mm-hmm. and you know she gets you know she ultimately gets drugged where these people are getting or these girls are getting drugged but then she wakes up and she reaches down for the first time she reaches down and she sees her underwear on the ground mm-hmm. dude she's like 14 man so yeah. fucking savage man that seems just so powerful because you can see it in her face and she's like oh my god something mm-hmm. happened while for, i was out that's terrible for some reason this movie is successful on getting you to understand that these characters are 14, 15, you know, teenagers when like a film, like, um, just for an example, like scream (laughs) or like, uh, even, uh, honestly, a film I just watched nightmare on Elm street. Like Nancy's supposed to be 15 in that movie. Doesn't feel like it. (laughs) No, definitely not. Um, especially like scream is the, the biggest sin of all, in terms of doing that because those people are like 30 <laughs> it's that 902 anoa effect right everybody yeah. in their mid-20s and she, playing Sid- sydney's supposed to be 16 yeah yeah <laughs> you know oh, that boy. that's but that's a very common thing in in american cinema though in north american cinema we like to use older people and i think it had a lot to do it's with legality the it, it it really was though is because you could work with them 
right? Underage. That's kids. why I'll give Wes Craven credit because the first time he didn't do this bullshit was with My Soul to Take, where he actually casted people that look like teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why Andrew gives it a 10 out of 10. <laughs> he relates to it a little bit more. <laughs> Didn't he give uh, Happy Death Day like a 10 as well? 9.5. 9.5. His ratings are purely entertainment based. So I, can't, I guess I can't question. See, aren't you proud of me? I didn't say something mean. Um, no. <laughs> you can say mean shit. I don't care. Yeah, I don't think he said the word faggot once on this show. Ha, ah, Moots was the first one to say it. <laughs> I didn't right, say so, fuck Jerry once. I didn't say Yeah, but they're always revving up their motorcycles really loud and shit. You know? No derogatory terms. Not not gay faggots, <laughs> faggots, you know? <laughs> they're always so loud with their motorcycles and shit. Fuck it. I love that South Park episode. Anyways, um I don't know I don't really know what else to say without giving the whole damn film away. Claudio Casnelli does a great job in this film as the lead. Uh, I like him in pretty much everything that he's in. Um, again, the score is good. It's not as good as Morricone's score from Solange, but I think the music really does it justice in the film. Um, this is just a dirty, dirty motherfucking movie, man. I, I, upon rewatching, I'm just like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with this world? This is one yeah. of those movies that literally makes you go, what the fuck is wrong with the world? This shit really never have the answer to that question. Goes down, Martyr, man. Martyr, Martyrs is more effective. It, it just goes down. I mean, yeah, Martyrs is a really effective film for sure. Well, I mean, Martyrs is a fucking ten out of ten. So I mean, <laughs> but we're dealing with like four. It's just disgusting the shit that people do. It, it fucking disgusts me, and this is the reason why I hate people, man. Because watching shit like this. Jeremy is the reason I hate people. <laughs> uh, anyway, ratings. Uh, my rating for this film. Uh, honestly, like I remember liking this movie a lot. I'm having trouble detailing a lot of um, the film, though. I, 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 it was so weird. I watched this last night right after Solange, and then uh, this morning I was like, "Wait a minute, what, 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 what happened?" Oh, that was in Solange. That was in I Solange. I kept thinking. I kept, I kept thinking about scenes, and I was like, "Oh, those were all from Solange." Why, why did I like this movie again? Um, and I think that it was because of the subject matter like you guys know i'm a huge fan of anything like taboo um whether it's like i mean pedophilia is like not the one that i find the most interesting <laughs> like that's far away like incest, uh, Joe. incest and um you know cannibalism and, and necrophilia way more uh in my alley than than pedophilia but uh anyway um i'm coming in at a seven out of ten on this one Seven. Damn, I had an eight and a half. I feel like an idiot. No, no, I'm, you know, said what I had to say, but I'm coming in and uh, I'm actually going to drop because I honestly, dude, I just can't get over. Well, I had an eight until you pointed out the fact that there's no motive to the entire movie, which hurts the plot because that's an important aspect of it. Well, it's kind of two different parts, right? Like, I mean, they undercover, they figure something out, but I mean, yeah, the killings themselves. I mean, it could, it's almost like two different films in a sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I originally had this one at eight and a half. I'm going to drop it down to an eight just because upon rewatching it and thinking about this, I'm like, the hell man, <laughs> what the fuck? It's something that could be easily disclosed in the film. You know, but it's just not. So that's unfortunate. But I still really enjoy the hell out of this film. I think it's great. You know, everybody out there I, I should like definitely the check it out. 
I just remembered. I like the stuff where um, they are finding out information from the mother. Because at first, you just you don't assume that, that these girls are anything like that. You know, you're talking to the mother, and they start asking her about drugs and different shit like that. Yeah. And you slowly sort of find out more things. I just remembered that scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. So that is week number three of Italian Horror Month. Masomalio Malamalio. Um, pretty good director. I think he definitely had skill. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to see a ton more from him um, because I liked all three of these movies, honestly. You know what I mean? They were solid. Yeah, man. It, it's three really solid films. Um, you know, the other one, I, I reviewed one not too long ago, the Dorian Gray one, which I kind of... I don't know if you guys listen to it, but yeah, that that one's you know a take on Dorian Gray's story and stuff. Night Child's pretty cool. That's the interesting one. But that's all of it. That's all I've seen from him. So, so Five films uh, solid. What, what are we doing next week? Lindsay. We are doing Umberto Lindsay. Umberto Lindsay was my pick, and we are doing Nightmare City, uh, Cannibal Theorox, Spasmo, and the Giallo Spasmo. So next week's show is kind of interesting because there's three different subgenres there. We got a Giallo. We've got a cannibal film, and we've got an infection film. I was actually going to bring up infection film. I was actually going to bring up that (laughs) we like a lot of these directors, like their movies run together so much. We mentioned that me and Jeremy both. Um, And I was thinking back, which ones really did it in Italian month? And I I go back to no, no, Argento is definitely crossover a lot. Uh, uh, Fulci with. not his first series, but the second Fulci we did, the uh, Zombie, um, New York Ripper, and Cat in the Brain. All three of those movies are completely different. Yeah, those were probably the most different. What did we do last year? Fulci. Uh, who else did we do? Well, we did Argento. <laughs> Argento, uh, the Mother's Trilogy. And dude, I can't even remember what the fuck we did last year. Oh, uh, we did. Um, your vice guy uh what the hell's oh, his name sergio martino sergio martino yeah we did we did uh michael suave in the first year right yeah those movies were very different too oh last year we did demons oh uh, Lam- lamberto bava that's right bava yeah and then the first year we did bava yeah we did yeah, Mario bava. Bava. Mikhail suave. yeah i mean nothing compared like cemetery man there's no movie like it yeah that was such a fun year that was that was a great that was mm. That was a good Italian horror month. Well, I'm really enjoying this so far. I mean, <laughs> the Bianchi one was pretty wonky. And that wasn't supposed to rhyme, but I think yeah. It did. I mean, we like. Th- I think that's the first time we reviewed like what I would consider is a bad movie mm-hmm. for the Italian horror month. Like, I think that probably was the lowest rated Italian horror film we, we did. Thank you, thank you. I think <laughs> I think next week we're going to have a lot of fun because it's three different films. They shouldn't run together. Well, and this is the one I was looking forward to the most besides the Argento one, mm-hmm. um, which I'm always most looking forward to Argento because it's usually my pick. But uh, I've always wanted to see Cannibal Ferox. Uh, I own Nightmare City. Thanks to Derek. He hooked me up with a Blu-ray. Um, don't own Spasmo, but I'm sure I could rent it somewhere or something like Man, that. I actually have two Blu-rays of it. <laughs> I have the Scorpion yeah. and the 88 Films one. Of course you do. Damn, well, fucking Italian collection, man. That's why I ended up having a. Why didn't collection. any of these films come out in '86? Goddamn it! Or '76? Uh, goddamn it! <laughs> Remember last year we had a few films that that came out in '86 or whatever. Yeah, there hasn't been any killing two birds with one stone. 
at all this season. Yeah, that is weird. That is weird. At all since the new year. At all. Yeah. Well, I mean, Dalamano died in 76. Does that count for anything? <laughs> that's just morbid. That just that just sucked. Actually, his anniversary just passed too. November fourteenth, he passed away on nineteen seventy six. So and also the um that's director sad. recovered next week died this year in October. Lindsay, yep, that's right. Very very sad. But anyways, on that sad ass note. That is going to conclude episode 122 here on the 22 Shots podcast. Join us for the fourth and final installment in Italian Horror Month annual. For year three. Annual Italian Horror Month year three. Guess what we did 100 episodes ago? Kick me out. Episode 22. We covered the Sleepaway Camp films, I think. That was episode twenty-two. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Shit. So far ago. I remember. So far ago. That's awesome. Yeah, I think you know. Honestly, I've had a change of opinion too because I think I rated part two higher than three. But upon rewatching them again, I was like, I think I enjoy part three more than part two. Wait, no. But you just wait. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I think Hmm. I think I'm pretty sure that I I like part part two two more than part three yeah i think i'm the other way around now totally i think you were the other way around back then was i maybe maybe i'm still like that then (laughs) (laughs) maybe i haven't changed (laughs) maybe i haven't changed i don't know it's probably a better possibility but anyways yeah man let's uh let's get the fuck out of here um that's it jeremy want to take us out yeah thank you everybody for listening to episode 122 of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast as long as you want to follow the man moods himself you could do so at youtube.com slash moods 616 and when the fuck are you going to post video moods <laughs> and as always you can follow jp on his channel youtube.com slash double shot j and as always you can follow my one ass joke self youtube.com slash nes ruler 22 and i will even still tell only one joke over there and as always, if you have any questions, you can give us a voicemail, but we won't answer. 724-426-6665. And always leave us a question. 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com. That's 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, even though JP is the only one that uses it to promote his own stuff. Twitter.com slash 22 shots podcast. As always, please join us on Facebook page, facebook.com search bar. 22 shots of moods and horror podcast. And always support the Patreon to get the sand sucked out of my vagina, patreon.com slash 22 shots podcast. That should do it for episode 122 of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast. We'll be back next week with episode 123 and the final week of Italian horror month. When we dig into some Umberto Lenzi films. So that shall do it folks for this week's episode. Thank you everybody. Have a good Thanksgiving to all the American peeps out there. And if you're not from America, you suck. So thank you. Good night.